To Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friend Show, today, May 12th, 2015. And we're going to have some new listeners tonight. I can already tell. So i got to make sure not to mess up and do a good show, or otherwise they're never going to come back. This is like an opportunity to get some new people. Some new ears listening to me every week. The reason we have some new listeners tonight is because we have an interview tonight with an individual that a lot of people are fascinated with. And we'll get to that shortly. Anyway, this is the Druff and Friends show on PokerFraudAlert.com. I am Todd Dandruff Wittellis. We do the show every week around 7 p.m. until we feel like quitting. This show mainly talks about fraud and scams and scandals in poker, but sometimes we do other things. Basically, any topic that has to do with poker or gambling or Las Vegas is fair game, and sometimes we even stray from that. It's a free-form show. We worry about pissing off no one, so we say what we truly feel and what we truly think on this show, in case you're new to it. Anyway, we have a co-host tonight. Uh, This show has a revolving door of co-hosts. I'm here every week. But who's here with me is always a mystery. Sometimes it's nobody. Sometimes it's our permanent guest host, Daredevil. And sometimes it's someone else. Sometimes it's someone I had never spoken to before. 
and I just put them on as a co-host because they want to be. So this week we're going to play it safer and again have our permanent guest host, Daredevil, who's probably shocked we're starting on time because we rarely start the show on time. In fact, when I came into the chat room, which people use to talk with each other during the show when it airs live, I came in at exactly 7 o'clock when the show is scheduled to begin, and there was one other person besides me in the chat room. <laughs> and, and it's not because nobody wants to chat during the show or we have no listeners. It's because I, it's so rare that I'm actually there at 7 when we really start, or when we're supposed to start. That, I'm shocked. Yeah, everybody shows up late. So after I was like super late last week, nobody wanted to even think of coming at 7 o'clock, and I, I shocked everyone by being here on time. So, Daredevil, welcome back to the show. You've been here a few straight weeks, our permanent thank you, thank you. permanent guest host. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to give a few other little opening details here before we get into the meat of the show. We have a free roll tonight, as we do every week. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that near the top of the screen. Click on No Fraud Online Poker. You need to make a separate account there, but the good news is it's completely free to play in our free roll. You don't even need play chips. The only thing is you have to have a registered account on the forum dated 2012 or 2013 if you want to have access to the free money. But what if you don't have a forum account dated 2012 or 2013? Well, then you can email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and you can have access. You can have an exception to being able to win the free money, but you've got to convince me you've been listening for at least three weeks. And that means if you're a new listener tonight, you're out of luck. You can't win the free money tonight. You can play, but if you win, then it just goes to the next person. So you have to listen to the show for three weeks minimum and prove to me by telling me things that are not in the official show description, by emailing me dandruffpokerfraudalert.com, and then I will give you a lifetime exception to win the free money that we give out every week. And this is real cash money. This is not crappy chips on a poker site that may or may not let you cash out or charge you all kinds of fees to do so. This is real money I'll send you through PayPal, a bank transfer, a check, even cash in an envelope. You can even come up to me at the World Series if I owe you money, and I'll, I'll give you the money you won. So... This is a good free roll, and you can win pretty easily because we never have a very big field. I don't think we've ever had 100 people in this free roll since the majority of our listeners are not live listeners. They're people who catch it the next day when they're at work or doing something else or taking a long drive, and that's the majority. The vast majority of our listeners don't listen live. So if you want to play the free roll, there's fewer than 100 people that play. You have a real chance of winning the money. This week, we have $50 to give away which is about the minimum of what we usually do. $50 came from the following individuals. I am not the one giving the money here. I I am too much of a cheap Jew to ever do that. I say, hey, I spend enough money keeping this damn server running, which I do so at a loss. I'm not going to give you guys more money for free. That's just not what I do. So our users step up in light of my cheapness, and they offer the money. So this week it came from The Shrink, who gave $22, Richard Brody's comb-over, who gave $13. This is not Richard Brody, by the way. This is his comb-over that gave the $13. Uh, Smith BK gave $5. And Willie McFML, fresh off of a $100 win against Garrett, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, gave $10 to add up to an even 50. 
the way the prizes go. First place, $22. Second place, $14. Third place, $9. Fourth place, $5. Again, I will send it to you by PayPal, bank transfer, Bitcoin if I have any, cash or check. PM me on the forum after you win the prize. Dan Space Druff on the forum. And again, you have to have a forum account dated 2013 or earlier or get that exception from me before the free roll begins, which begins at 7.40 p.m. Pacific Time. If you're late, like I always am, no problem. You can register 25 minutes late, or up to 25 minutes late. But I will not be playing the free roll. I never play it during the show because that would be too distracting. I, I want to put on a good show here and not worry about uh, you know whether I'm going to fold pocket jacks or re-raise. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil, do you play in the free roll when you're hosting or not? No, it's uh, yeah, it's too difficult. Yeah. I used to play before I hosted, so not only am I not making money from the show, I'm losing. Money. Oh, that's right, you're losing the opportunity to win money. That's pretty bad. I know. I didn't even think of that, but yeah, I'm, I'm robbing you. Oh, hold on, we have an update here. I don't have the okay. ESPN update music, but uh, slow roll. Uh, he, I, I guess, to atone for the fact that he is a slow roller, is giving twenty five dollars more. For tonight's free roll. So I, I guess he's going to send it to me, provided he really does, which I th- I'm sure he will. Uh, that will add $25 more, which means I have to recalculate the whole prize pool now as we're doing the show. So I'll make that uh, $30 for first place. That should make it 35 35 for first place. Uh, second place, this is so hard to do on the fly. Second place is $20. Uh, third place will be $13, and fourth will be 7 So now we have 35 20 13 and 7 to add up to $75 for our free roll. He said he sent it, so you never know. Like, I announce a $50 free roll, and it goes up by 50% as I'm announcing it because we have our generous listeners. I don't even know the slow roll guy very well. but No, know, I don't know. <laughs> he, uh, I guess he slow rolled us tonight with the addition, but that's great. You know, This is great when our users <laughs> – and our listeners want to give back to the community, which they do every single week. We have one of these every single week. If you think about it, like $50 minimum and sometimes more than 100 all coming from the listeners of this show to give back to the other listeners of the show. So very nice. If you want mm-hmm. to interact with these listeners, you can go in the chat room near the top of the screen. You need an active forum account to get in the chat room. And you have to have a flash-enabled device, meaning no iPhones or iPads. It just won't work in there. I probably will not pay much attention to what you say in the chat room. It's more to interact with the other users. reason I don't pay attention, it's too hard when I'm doing the show. But if you want to get a message over to me, then you can text me during the show or after the show or before the show. You can text me, 775-372-8355, 775-372-8355. That's also the main phone number of the show. You can text me before, after, or during the show. I will read your text on the air. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm getting another $25. This is crazy. Uh, Daredevil, wow. where, where is the one of the weirder places for someone to be listening to this show live? Hmm. Uh, Antigua? <laughs> well, somebody is listening to this show live at a pretty high altitude. Now, I'm not talking about – it's not climbing Mount Everest, but it's around the same altitude. Someone's on a plane right now. Listening oh. to this show, C Money, one of our greatest donors of the show, is giving another $25. He's listening Very on nice. an airplane at the moment. I, I can't believe it's good enough reception on the airplane with the internet over there to listen live. But okay, uh, C Money, number one, uh, thank you very much for the donation. 
And second, um, I will forgive you if you don't send the money if the plane crashes before you can. <laughs> so uh, if that's how it happens and you perish there, I will not go after your estate for the, uh, the $25. So now we have a $100 free roll. $100 free roll. It will now be 50 for first, 25 for second, um, 15 for third, and 5 for fourth and fifth. There you go. So the funny thing is the fourth place payout, I think, actually went down. But too bad. C-Money, <laughs> if you finish fourth, you can be mad at C-Money. You're actually going to lose a few bucks out of that. But it's going to be 50, 25, 15, 5, and 5. Now there's a fifth place payout. So thank you, C-Money. You yeah. know, this, this is going to keep happening. We're going to keep getting $25 donations throughout the show, and we'll be like four hours into the show, and we'll have done nothing. And the free roll will be up to like you know, $10,000, but we still will have done nothing. But, but thank you, guys. I appreciate it. So, see money listening in an airplane, and I don't know where slow roll is. If you want to call into the show, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call our Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is a mountain that is near Las Vegas. It gets snow during the winter. It's a very nice place to go visit over the summer. If you come to the World Series... And you get sick of the 100 to 110 degree heat that you will face there every day. And even at night doesn't get much cooler. If you're so tired of being hot outside in Las Vegas, which you will be when you come to the World Series. Oh, yes. Then I suggest you get a car. You rent a car there and drive up to Mount Charleston. It's only about 45 minutes away and it's like 70 degrees over there. And it's you know, nice mountain scenery. So it's a relaxing place to go. I go there sometimes during the summer just to get away from it, but I have a phone that sits over there, an old 70s rotary telephone that I have installed up at the top of the mountain, and it forwards to wherever I am. That phone number is 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808, you can reach me on that line too, or 775-455, whichever number you call, make sure to show your caller ID or you will get a busy signal, which I have set to automatically do that as a Slap on your wrist for trying to hide your number. So that's the only requirement to call into the show. If I don't answer the phone, though, don't panic. It just means we're too busy talking about something and try back in 15 minutes or so. We do take a number of calls on this show. So I, I, I hope we get some tonight. Yeah. We have some scheduled guests. So. We, we do. We have some scheduled guests. So here's the agenda tonight. And, and if you're a new listener to the show, this is what we do. We take forever to go through all the pre-show stuff. Well, Todd takes forever. I, I'm so glad that this is not like an hour show on a terrestrial radio station. Otherwise, we wouldn't get through the agenda before the show would be over, and we'd have to do commercials. I, I don't know how anybody does like an hour-long show with commercials and everything. It's it's pretty tough to do. Well, Todd, have you ever seen like the evening news? Yeah. You know, it's like, tonight, war in Iraq, and joblessness at home. Whereas your your kind of version is like, yeah, there's a war, and there's two sides, and I'm going to tell you which side is doing what, what I think about it, and... So, and I'll say, you know, I remember back know. in '91 during the Gulf War, there was this uh, girl I met at college who was protesting it. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's the agenda for tonight: Poker Fraud Alert member Garrett is embroiled in a controversy because he's been challenging people all over the site to heads up matches. And I usually don't like to talk about forum drama on this show, but we're going to do it this week, which is going to be great for the new listeners who are not going to know anything about this. But uh, I'll bring them up to speed. But but Garrett is someone who 
is always facing a lot of controversy on the site. A lot of people are always arguing and fighting with him. Mm-hmm. Many people have asked me to ban him, especially recently, but I have not done so up till this point. And uh, he challenged a member here to a heads-up match and claimed that he escrowed the money. It was only for $50, but claimed that he escrowed the $50 with me, had not actually done so, and then played the match. So he pretended like the money was escrowed when it was not and played the match anyway with his opponent believing the money was escrowed. And that's a requirement on this site to prevent scamming or free-rolling that anyone who does this has any kind of contest with one another or free roll, not free roll, or you know, challenge or whatever, they have to escrow the money with me so we don't have a problem with someone welching after. This way I hold the money and then give it to the rightful winner. But uh, Garrett swore he did it and didn't, so there's a lot of controversy about that. And after that, he actually did escrow money and played two more people mm-hmm. for real money on the No Fraud Online poker room and heads-up matches. So we're going to talk about that, and maybe Garrett will call in and uh, Daredevil – We'll question him because he and Daredevil have been going back and forth on the forum, and Daredevil has challenged Garrett to call in and answer some questions about this because Garrett still will not admit any wrongdoing. In fact, Garrett still believes that uh, not only shouldn't he be banned, but that I should pay him the $50 that he won. (laughs) So the main feature tonight will take place at 9 p.m., So if you're listening to this show as a new listener and want to hear Amanda Stinchicum, I think that's how you say her name, Uh, and she's known as McGrindin' Life, a 22-year-old girl who has been posting on 2 Plus 2 about her very interesting and dysfunctional past and her attempts to break into the poker world in Las Vegas. This is going to be her first interview about her attempts to get into poker, maybe her first interview anywhere on uh, any kind of radio, I don't know. But uh, I talked to her today, she's going to come on, but she's going to come on at 9 p.m. So if you're listening for her, which I know some people who've never heard this show before were saying, how do I find this show, how do I listen? Guess what, I got bad news for you. You're going to be stuck listening to us talking for another hour and 40 minutes. 100 minutes have to pass before you will hear from Amanda. So if, if you're sitting here waiting for Amanda to come on, if you're some young guy who's really excited to hear from Amanda... You've got the lotion in hand and the box of Kleenex, and you're waiting. Uh, you're going to be very disappointed. You're going to have 100 minutes of listening to us before then. So what I su- possibly Garrett. So yeah, maybe Garrett too. So what I suggest, if you're only here for her, uh, set an alarm or something and come back at 9 Pacific time. Or you can listen. I, I pr- encourage you to stay here and listen. Maybe you'll like the show. We have some very loyal people that listen every single week to the show and have for years. So maybe you'll become one of them. I hope you do. Jacep, a.k.a. John Zapulveda, he is part of the reason we have this rule about escrowing funds when doing anything on this site. Because he scammed a lot of people on this site for a total of $12,200 or maybe even more than that. He recently showed up after his hand was forced when a member of this site found where he was and basically made some threats to expose to everyone in his current life what he did in the past. So he has come back and he's been paying on a bi-weekly basis $200. And I have an update regarding that. All right. Harris, New Orleans. I was there in January and early February. I did not play in the poker room, though I did walk in there and check it out. I did have an experience there where I needed security's help. Fortunately, not a big emergency, but I needed security to come and they did not come. 
So it's not surprising that security was completely absent on Saturday, May 9th, when a complete beatdown, physical beatdown, occurred in the poker room. Yep. I mean, someone's head was actually bashed against the wall. But before you get too disturbed and before you get too depressed over this situation, the person who got bashed against the wall was the bad guy. This is one of those situations where the good guy won. It's almost like watching something on TV. And speaking of TV, this was actually recorded by someone in the game. And it was posted on Facebook. And what I decided to do was preserve it. So I actually took that video and shoved it on YouTube, on the Poker Fraud Alert YouTube account. So in case Facebook deletes it or the guy who posted it gets scared for whatever reason or removes it, it's still up there. Because I think it's a useful video to have around. Real. Yeah, and if, if you haven't seen it, take a look. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's I've seen I've seen fights break out in poker rooms before. Personally, when I've been there, I've never seen one as severe as this one. This was a pretty yeah. major fight as far as poker room fights go. Hooters Las Vegas has been sold, and it's going to be rebranded soon. We'll talk about that. Shane Bridges of Lock Poker who was pretty much the spokesman of Locke during its final few years before it went down as it has recently. Locke Poker, for those of you that don't know, was a big scam for the last few years of its operation and just took people's deposits and didn't pay anyone out. Shane Bridges lied for them for years. And he got scared recently and surfaced and claimed that uh, he's going to cooperate. Well, in reality, it was just him surfacing to try to direct any kind of problems from this away from himself and when he couldn't do what everyone wanted and when he was not cooperating to the level he should then he vanished so there was a little more interaction with Shane recently and I will read you the exchange and I'll also give you a way to contact Shane yourself which I encourage and I'll tell you why there is some legalized online gambling now in the US as you guys probably know in the states of Delaware New Jersey and Nevada New Jersey is full casino gaming. Nevada has only poker. Delaware, I'm not sure about if it's both or do you know? Mm, no, I don't. It doesn't really matter. It's Delaware. But <laughs> uh, the point is there are legalized sites. So you would think that, for example, if you're in Las Vegas for the World Series, you want to play on WSOP.com, which is really the only viable site in the state of Nevada right now that you'll just whip out any credit card and deposit there and it should all work. The days of your credit cards being rejected like they were on sites like PokerStars and Full Tilt and Bovada, that those days should be over since these are legalized sites. Not so fast. It is getting increasingly tough to get money on these sites through credit cards because the banks themselves just don't want to deal with it, legal or otherwise. We'll talk about what's going on with that. PokerStars is going to release a documentary on Daniel Negreanu. We're going to play the preview and uh, give our opinion on that. We did this segment last year, and I decided it's worth doing again. Advice for new players coming to the World Series. Now, since we do this show for four hours or more straight with no commercial breaks or anything, and it's, it's pretty hard to do that. Even your favorite radio talk show host who gets millions of dollars maybe to do his show, even he doesn't have to go through that. And I get nothing for this show, and Daredevil actually loses money to do this show. 
and uh, and we don't get any breaks. I was thinking of just taking what we said a year ago and playing that segment and pretending like it's current. But you know, uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna be more genuine than that. I'm not gonna pull that on you guys. I'm gonna I'm no, gonna right. do a new segment, even though it's saying a lot of the same things we said a year ago. But I think it's useful advice, and in fact, we'll throw in some additional advice for this year's Colossus event, which I can guarantee is going to be a mess. I'm going to be there anyway. I'm going to play it anyway, but it will be a mess. We have a loyal listener to the show who is very well-liked in the poker community. His name is Kevin Mathers, known better as Kev Math. He is an employee of the poker media. He's also a major fan of poker and does a lot of work outside of his official job capacity and brings a lot of very useful information to poker players. He has a very large following on Twitter, and deservedly so. In fact, whenever he retweets something that I tweet, it always brings a lot of attention to whatever I'm talking about, and I always appreciate when he retweets out that the show is starting or whatever. Now, the last time I talked about KevMath, I was talking about how he gave me some $10 food vouchers at last year's World Series to atone for the fact that he was ignoring me in the hallway when I would see him around the World Series. And I, I, I was very sad because I remembered this kid back in high school who anytime outside of high school was like a magnet to me and, and wanted nothing more than to hang out with me constantly to the point of annoyance. But strangely enough, in high school, he acted like he didn't know me. And I, I never mm. quite figured that out. It's not even like he's one of the popular kids or something. And, you know, it wasn't like that. Uh, I, I could never figure this out. I never asked him either. I was kind of embarrassed to even ask him what that was about. So I, I kind of had bad memories from the 80s of that. And I thought, oh, KevMath is doing this to me. Well, it turns out KevMath was just too busy thinking about his work at the World Series and in his own little world. And he wasn't intentionally ignoring me. But as an act of contrition, he gave me uh, a voucher, or I think even two vouchers for uh, – those $10 food vouchers at the World Series. And uh, you guys know how cheap I am, and uh, you guys know how much uh, I like to eat. So th- this was good for me here. And uh, I-, I forgave KevMath for his transgressions with ignoring me in the hallways. And-, and after that, he made attempts not to ignore me in the hallways, which I also appreciated. Anyway, that was the last time we talked about KevMath. Uh, this time I had a little bit more of a positive story about him as he is dominating the poker scene. He is winning massive tournaments, mass field tournaments, that is. And he's just, uh, in on a certain very popular online poker site, is killing it. There's only one small problem. The money he's winning is worth... Zero point zero. Yeah, he's the play money king. <laughs> We're going to talk about KevMath and his play money success. And you may laugh at that, but... Uh, the World Series is starting, and people actually buy in KevMath. Like I remember Negreanu did it last year. People buy in KevMath to oh, World God. Series events because he's so appreciated for what he does. So uh, mm-hmm. if he's killing the play money games like this, then yes, these players are crappy, but uh, still, it's, it's very tough to do with mass fields to, to win tournaments. If he's killing these games, I think he he might be on a hot streak right now. Which Just uh, getting warmed up? Yeah, this might be the... Precursor to winning. I mean, like I think a net fifteen initially ran it up through uh, free rolls, yeah, through free rolls, yeah. So which isn't quite play money, but it's similar. So we will see if this is the beginning of KevMath just dominating. Finally, an editorial which has nothing to do with poker or gambling or Las Vegas, but 
it's something that is on my mind recently because I've been dealing with it and it's pissing me off. That is medical billing errors and medical billing scams. If you have been to the doctor, if you have individual insurance, as most professional poker players do, unless you're lucky enough to be married to someone who works and gets uh, benefits at their job that you can get as their spouse, but most professional poker players are stuck getting their own individual policies, and you're going to find it does not cover as much as you might think it covers if you ever have to use it. But... uh, You've probably experienced at some point in your adult life, and if you haven't yet, you will if you're in the U.S. These uh, errors and very confusing bills that you will get from your doctor after you go there, even for really simple things. You just go there for an office visit. You get the doctor's opinion. You go home. You think, it's got to be easy. I'll just pay my copay. Not always. So I'm going to give you a few tips on how to catch any kind of medical billing mistake or scam how to read those damn things you get in the mail, and how to fight it if you're getting screwed. Don't just pay what they say you owe because a lot of the time you don't really owe what they say. A lot of your medical bills are incorrect and very infrequently are those errors in your favor. So I will give you those tips. If you're not in the U.S., you probably won't give a crap, but you can have fun laughing about how screwed up our healthcare system is. And uh, if you are in the U.S., I suggest you listen, especially if you have individual insurance, as I do. And, and someone even said to me, hey, why don't you just buy better insurance? It doesn't work like that. That's not even an option for me. So that's our agenda tonight. And again, if you're waiting for Amanda, a.k.a. McGrindin Life, to come on here, that'll be at 9 p.m. Pacific time. This was her decision, not mine. I guess she's going to a movie tonight. And uh, first we were going to do it at 8, and then she said, oh, I forgot I'm going to a movie. Call it 9. I do have her phone number. Warning, though, this show does not have the best record with calling guests who are scheduled to appear and having them actually answer the phone. So Not so much. Yeah. So uh, we actually do better when we don't have a scheduled guest and we just call someone. Then if we <laughs> blindside true. you, there's a good chance you're going to be on here. If we, if we have a schedule to have you come on, then we probably won't have you. And to give an example of this, Tonight, you may have seen me promoting that we're going to have a guy on who was cheated by Vinny Favorito, who recently got fired at the Flamingo Las Vegas. Uh, He's a comedian. He was fired from the Flamingo for basically being a complete deadbeat and talking people into loaning him money that he has no ability to pay back. And he's ripped off tons of people, allegedly, in both Las Vegas and in uh, in the East Coast as well, where he used to perform. So uh, one of his victims was going to come on here last week, canceled at the last minute, said his lawyer said he can't come on. He said, you know, a week from now he'll be able to, now being you know, a week ago. So today he was scheduled again to come on. Yesterday, in fact, he told me, call me, here's my phone number, let's schedule this. So I called him today at about 4.30 p.m., which is about two and a half hours before the show. And I said, okay, so uh, you're going to be on the show today, right? And he said, Nope. And I said, why not? He said, my lawyer said, you know, we can't do it yet, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what's the problem here? Why why can't we do it? So he said, well, we can't answer all the questions. I said, just come on and say I can't answer this then. Like, like, I'm sure you can still talk about it without saying anything that – you don't have to say everything. But he said, well, i got to check with my lawyer. So now he's pushed it back to the following week. Now, the good thing about Vinny's scamming – is that Vinny has so many victims around Las Vegas that I I thought that maybe we could replace this guy with another victim. And in fact, another victim did come forward 
and okay. <laughs> another victim came forward and uh, said, hey, I-, I was scammed by him, too, a few years ago after I saw his show. Like, can you imagine this? Uh, <laughs> like, you see the guy's show, you go, hey, Vinny, that was a great show. You were hilarious. Yo, yo, it's cool, man. Can you loan me a few bucks? I'll pay you back next week. Oh, sure, Vinny, here. You, you got a show at the Flamingo. I'm sure there's no problem paying me back. Uh, something like that. So anyway, I wanted to get that guy on, but he uh, he hasn't responded affirmatively. So I don't have this guy's number or anything. So even though there are many, many victims out there of Vinny's, if you're one of them, you can call in 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. But we'll get one of these guys on one of these days. Now, here are the texts we've gotten. Remember, you can text this show before or after the program or during. And... Uh, I will read them on the air, even if they're a few days old. This is from someone in the 202 area code, which is D.C. Unless it's a cell phone that just has a D.C. area code. Can't give too much credit to this guy for being, for being from D.C. But he says, I love the show. I know from years of listening to you that you're a rational thinker. Well, thank you. I disagree with your assessment of the Brian Mikon case on a few points, but agree with most of it. Mikon should be shut down, but the idea of paying... To separate him from society seems foolhardy and not consistent with what I expected, given what I have come to understand as your normal views. So, that's an interesting point. Yeah. So this is my answer. I I don't feel like he has to go to prison. I I think he will, but uh, I, I'm not that you know stuck on that happening. I, I understand where the crime was still minor in the fact that number one. He didn't steal from anyone. Number two, nobody got hurt in any way. Uh, yeah. So so basically he was running an unlicensed online gambling operation in the state of Nevada, which was very stupid. And also he gave himself a lot of profit that he shouldn't have otherwise had because, uh, you know, I could have run one just like he did and competed with him as the rest of us could have but didn't because we knew we couldn't because it was against the law. So he had basically no competition by running something he shouldn't have been able to run. So I feel he deserves some punishment for this, but uh, you know, should he be locked in prison? I, I don't think necessarily he should. Yeah, uh, I said the same thing at the time. It's not like he's a danger to society where like he needs to be off the streets Yeah, I, I he's going to th- hurt someone. So it's Right. I, I don't think he should gain from this. I don't think a- any money he made from this, I don't think he should come out a net winner from the whole thing and say, hey, when it's all said and done, I'm, I'm glad I broke the law and did this while well, nobody else did. I, I think right. that they have to deter it in that way to where he feels sorry that he ran it. Not sorry like, like he agrees with the law, but like he's, uh, he regrets that he did it. Exactly. And, if and, anything, it should be more than what he made. Yes, and it a should, few it, times more, because otherwise, <laughs> there's no incentive not to yeah. do it. That's like if I stole a candy bar from a store, and the worst that could happen was I'd have to go back and pay for it. Right. Well, there's no reason for me not to do it. Right. So they have to give some kind of disincentive to run sites that are uh, not licensed. And uh, so the bottom line is, he needs to face some sort of punishment and. Everybody else needs to be deterred from doing it. Otherwise, the law has no teeth. At the same time, I don't think he's a danger to society. So I can understand your point that you know why are we paying to lock him up away from society? Uh, when you say we paying, like you know, this is the taxpayers, of course, in Nevada. And, and right. I, I, I can understand that. I can understand that may not be a good use of a spot in prison for someone who really doesn't have to be held away since he hasn't scammed anyone and hasn't hurt anyone. But uh, at the same time, there has to be some kind of penalty. Otherwise, there's no point for the law in the first place. And, and also, 
if they're if he gets away with it completely, then in a way there's a victim, and the, the victims are not just the existing legalized poker sites, but also anybody who would have wanted to run one and who did follow the rules and didn't run one didn't make the money and he did. And I, you should never penalize those who are following the rules. You should, the people who are following the rules should not end up worse off than those who are breaking them. So that's, that's why I feel there should be some penalty, but I, I, I agree with you that the prison is probably too harsh, but he probably will get some prison time, and you know, it's not up to me to decide or anyone listening to this broadcast to decide. So Here's another text I got. Just saw a pasty shirtless old guy walking around in socks and sandals. He's multiple Pemco ads in one unique form. Now, what the hell does that mean? What is Pemco? I, I don't know. I thought it was an American thing. Maybe it's a Canadian thing. Pemco? I've no, I, P-E-M-C. I don't know what Pemco is. So I don't know either. I, I don't it's know. a regional <laughs> company. <so. laughs> this is from the 470. The last one was from 619. From the 470, uh-oh, here comes an insult toward you. You ready? Oh, let me guess. Oh, no, go ahead. I'm sure it's from uh, someone, but go ahead. The co-host sounds like a nerd. Asians... <laughs> Asians can play sports. This is referring to some comments you made about Asians last week. Asians can play sports. The Asian Americans can't. Uh, oh, okay. I, I hate it when he sighs and then gives his opinion. So he doesn't like when you go, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we've, we've gotten some criticism. It's funny. Like, there's a guy who listens to this show every week named Jimmy, who's from San Francisco, Jimmy G415. He mm-hmm. says he listens to every show and enjoys it, but yet. He will make posts like ripping a lot of the things I say, and he disagrees about with about like everything I post on the forum, which often mirrors what I say on the show. And yet he listens every week. He says he listens to either this show or some hardcore history program. <laughs> so we're we're as exciting as a hardcore history program, apparently. But uh, that's what that's what he does. He listens every week. But yeah, he rips into things I say on there. He does say he likes the show overall, but then we have people sometimes bashing Daredevil. And what I have to say about those that want to bash this show or me or bash Daredevil, what I have to say is if you still listen, that's fine. I I think the worst is when someone says, oh, it's a great show. I love it. That's amazing. Wow. It's a great show you have going there. And then they never listen because that means they're lying. It means it's not interesting enough for them to want to turn on or download in the archives where someone who bashes the show or bashes the host and then still listens every week, there must be something they like because why would they listen otherwise? Hmm. So, well, yeah, I mean, you know, whenever you do anything like this, you're going to get your detractors and the people who like you, but, uh, I don't know, man, I'm doing it for free. So cut me a break. Yeah, no, it's, I, I, th- I think Daredevil does a great job. Otherwise I wouldn't have him as the permanent guest host. I'm not even kidding. Like if I, if I thought he sucked, I, I wouldn't want to have him come back over and over and over again. It's not like taking a chance with some guy for one week and knowing, okay, if this guy sucks, that's no big deal. Next week we won't have him. Like uh, I would only right, have right. someone back over and over if I thought he was doing a good job. Okay, so this is from 901. Hey, quote, Whittles. He actually put it W-I-T-T-L-E-S in quotes. <laughs> he did that on purpose. Have you ever played poker in Tunica? Ever been to Memphis? Keep doing what you're doing. Love the show. I've done neither. I have not been to Memphis and I, in fact, I've never even been to Tennessee, and I have not Me played neither. poker in Tunica. I, I do mean to visit Memphis at some point, not for poker, but just to see it. It's one state I've never been to. And uh, 
Tunica, I have not visited. I have been to Biloxi before once. Didn't play poker or anything there, but I, I visited for one night when I was in New Orleans. It's like 90 miles away, so I said, why not? But uh, I have not been to Tunica. I don't know why you're asking me, but there's my answer. I know this guy's come from kind of in that area. I think he's like North Carolina. But Tunica, or sorry, not uh, Biloxi was interesting because the shore over there, you know, the beach, it has no mm-hmm. waves. It's like mm-hmm. totally flat. So it's like you're looking at a gigantic calm lake. It's really, really weird. It's, it's actually kind of pretty. I couldn't go in the water because I was there in the winter and the water is really cold. And, and nope. is there some kind of explanation for that or it's why just, there's no waves? Yeah, it's just the way it faces. Oh, I see. Yeah, if, if it's sheltered or if it faces a certain direction, then it doesn't get waves. Hmm. In fact, there's, a, there's an island in Southern California called Catalina Island. And on that island, one side of it has waves and the other side is, is very flat. So, huh. is that where they invented the uh, salad dressing? Is there a salad dressing named after uh, Catalina? Yeah, I, I've never heard of it. Oh, maybe it's a Canadian thing. Yeah, maybe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's twenty-six miles across from uh, Southern California. You have to take a boat there, obviously. Or you can take a plane. There's a little, really scary-looking airport there with, with like a runway on top of a on top of a mountain. I'm not even kidding, uh, but. You can take a boat there. That's the way most people get there. And it's an interesting place to visit for a day. And it's just kind of weird. On one side of it, it's completely flat. And you know, the, I'm talking about the water. And the other side of it, which is much harder to get to, there's waves. So it just depends upon where you face. And it's a pretty small island. It's got a little town called Avalon. If you want to read about it, Google Avalon, California. It's actually part of Los Angeles County. So let's go to the rest of the text messages and we'll get going. All right. 816, I believe this is from Jay Searles. Of course, he has a text about himself. Jay Searles made Garrett hells himself, referring to that Garrett killed himself. I, I hope that's not true, but... No, it's not. He was uh, some in the forum, like 45 minutes no, ago. No, you know what? Uh, Garrett, he takes so much abuse, I can't ever see him doing that. Like uh, Garrett is someone who just has taken such a beating on this forum for so long. He's the last one I ever see just like... Going, oh, everyone in the forum hates me. I'm going to kill myself. Like I, I never see it from him because he's so used to it. Then uh, I, did, I, I would dare say he thrives on it. Yeah, he might. I, I always kind of wondered like why he stays. And finally, from the nine five one, all hail Jay Acosta. Working on my mixed game. What about you? See, Jay Acosta. I, I got to call him out here. Jay Acosta was saying that the only way I have a chance to win a bracelet in 2015 is if I learn how to play mixed games better and win it one of those. And I, I have to take issue with that because just two years ago, I came within four spots of winning a bracelet. I finished fifth at the Limit Hold'em event, the 5K buy-in, and I was a chip leader at one point at the final table, and I was also a chip leader going into the final day. So I, I came within four spots of winning. I, I took a number of bad beats, a lot of coolers just didn't happen for me. I finished fifth, but uh, I could have easily won. So to say I have not much of a chance of winning a bracelet unless it's a mix event is just not true. Uh, well, it's a bit of an odd line to say, you know, the game you've been playing for a living for over a decade, learn a new one, you're better off <laughs> yeah. winning in that one. So, I mean, I, huh? I definitely think I, I've got a 
decent chance to win a bracelet at some point and limit hold them again. It, it may not be this year. It's it's I, I won one ten years ago, but I've I've had a number of other deep finishes, including the one last year, to where you know a little better cards than and I would have won. So, I mean, I did mention a week or two ago those events. Um, they're pretty small fields, right? Like especially like uh, do they do the, they still do the ten k deuce to seven? I don't know. Like that used to get. You know, 100 people or something. Yeah, fewer than 100, like 90 or 87. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So, so yeah, the, the smaller fields, of course, help. Now, the smaller fields, they're tougher fields, but yes, it's better to have yes. a small but tough field than a large field where it isn't that tough because you just you have to beat fewer people. Mm-hmm. But uh, look, the, the bottom line is that you have to get cards to win and limit hold them. There's no way not to. There's no way to win without getting good cards. And uh, so anybody who is a good limit hold'em player, and especially one who has shown the ability to have tournament success in limit hold'em, which I definitely have. I'm, I'm the number 10 all-time winner, cash-wise, cash that is. I've, I've t- cashed the 10th most of anyone who's ever played limit hold'em at the World Series. Hmm, I did not know that. Yeah, so uh, definitely I don't have to learn mixed games better to have a shot at a bracelet. I, I have to admit that these large field no-limit events I'll be playing, the, the chance of me winning a bracelet is tiny, but Limit Hold'em ones, I, I feel like one of these days is going to happen again. I thought it was going to happen two years ago. I was really feeling it on the second day. I thought oh, this is going to happen for me. And then uh, then I showed up on the third day, and I lost a few hands at the beginning. And I, I go, I hate to think negatively about this, but it, it, I'm just not feeling it today. Like the feeling I had the day before was gone. Oh. And it was kind of weird. All right. And uh, 641 asking, update on Ken Scaler. Uh, yeah. Update on Ken Scaler. Well, Did he get his uh, roommate? He has a – I don't know, actually. There's a guy who may or may not move in. I actually had to loan Ken money to pay the rent this month. It was a disaster. But, uh, Uh-oh. He always pays me back. I'll say that. He's a pain in the ass, and he manages money horribly, but uh, he always pays me back. He's not someone who has, like, thousands of dollars of debt to me. Like, he'll, he'll borrow, like, in the hundreds, and then mm-hmm. he'll pay me back fairly quickly considering his low income. So I, I he does – make a priority of that so that's why i keep loaning him money and because he's my friend but i i wouldn't keep giving him money if he uh if he just would never pay me back that would have stopped a long time ago all right so let's get going with the show it's almost uh, it's almost been an hour actually i was kidding about an hour but i'm not even uh, i guess it wasn't that much of a joke we haven't done a damn thing yet and it's 748 and we actually started on time mm. what's gonna happen the new people listen to the show if they haven't turned it off yet they're gonna go this is awful like the guy's talking <laughs> he's talked more than yep. 45 minutes uh, about nonsense and yep. we've we've learned nothing We've he's done nothing. I've never seen such an empty forty-eight minutes in my life. And I go, I agree. All right. So this Garrett guy, yes, his real name is Josh, and he's from New Jersey. Well, he lives in Florida. In Florida, yeah, he was from New Jersey for a while. He's in Florida now. Uh, he has. A checkered past, so to speak, both in in poker and in his personal life. Uh, some people dug up some records where he he was arrested for a, a domestic violence incident with his father. Now, now he claims his father had been abusive toward him, and that he finally couldn't take it anymore. I guess it's possible. I'm not going to say that didn't happen, but anyway, he he's had a lot of problems in his life. Um, why have I not banned him? Even though pretty much the whole forum hates him and always asks me to ban him. Well, I guess I see in Garrett what others don't see. I see someone who genuinely tries to make 
relevant posts about poker. He actually makes some good posts sometimes about what goes on in, in the Atlantic City market. Uh, he's someone who he definitely has a lot of problems and a lot of psychological issues. But uh, he, he's never scammed anyone. We'll get to this shortly. Uh, Daredevil disagrees. He thinks he just scammed someone. But uh, I, I feel he has never scammed anyone. Nobody's out any money from him. And uh, and I think this is someone who just has a lot of psychological problems that says uh, stupid or foolhardy things, which get people to react, and then he fights back with them. And, uh, and then also issues a lot of challenges that then he doesn't really want to go through with. So I'm not saying Garrett isn't without a lot of major problems because he, he does have a lot of major problems. But uh, and, and I can understand why a lot of people don't like him, but I, I don't see that he's done anything that is worthy of actually being banned from Poker Fraud Alert, which honestly takes a lot to happen over here. So the, the big controversy recently with Garrett, and he actually co-hosted the show one time, by the way. Yeah, I remember that. The, the, the big controversy with Garrett that just occurred was that uh, he loves to challenge people. He loves to claim he's a great poker player, and the only, re- only reason he's broke is because he has life management issues and blows the money. But Garrett has been challenging people for a long time to heads-up matches, and they just never seem to take place. Finally, we have a Norwegian poster here named uh, Adamantium, and Adamantium was going to play PLO with Garrett, and was you know they were challenging each other back and forth. And as is the rule on Poker Fraud Alert, if you're going to play on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which is a play money site, and you want to attach real money in like a heads-up grudge match, that you have to send the money to me to hold. Now I don't take any kind of rake, just in case the Nevada Gaming Commission is listening. I, I don't take any kind of rake. I don't gain it all from it. I don't solicit these games to run. It's just if two people want to play, they just you know play on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, and I I hold the money while they're playing, and I give it to the winner. And I don't take anything for myself. Uh, this just started happening, by the way. It hasn't doesn't regularly happen here. But anyway, Garrett and Adamantium played PLO, and they played with the understanding that the money had been escrowed. And indeed, Adamantium did send me 50 bucks from all the way in Norway, and I received it. Garrett sent me some kind of weird message about, uh, I'm trying to get the money off a daily fantasy sports site that I play on, and they're they're being slow. Can Can I send it to you soon? Now, Mind you, I had not been reading the whole thread where he was fighting back and forth with Adamantium. I didn't even know they were playing yet. So I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I, I knew there was something about it. I didn't know they were actually going to be playing immediately. I thought he was like, say, hey, you know, can you wait till I get the money? And I'm like, yeah, sure, when, send it whenever you can get it. But I, I didn't say, like, okay, go ahead and play this guy. I'll say it's escrow. And I never said or implied that at all. Right. So, I'm like, and, oh. and this was after the match, to be clear. Right. I'm not sure about that. All I know is that he played the match without having sent me a dime. And, right. and, and, and told, I assume he PM'd you afterwards. That's the way it looked. I guess yeah, you were the only one who knows that. But. I, I don't know the exact time, but honestly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the rule is, and it's very clear, that if you're going to claim – if you are going to play one of these heads-up grudge matches on this site, the money has to be escrowed. And if you tell the person you're playing – okay, I've sent it to Dan Druff, he's not around to confirm, but I have, which is basically what Garrett said, then you're lying, and then the match is not valid. So that's that was my opinion, and even though Garrett won the match, I would not pay him the $50, because I said, look, you didn't escrow it, and this could have been a free roll. Now, I believe he sent me a lot of chat logs with, with the Daily Fantasy Sports showing that they re- really were 
being difficult about paying him and that it was taking some time. And I, I actually believe that's what was happening. I think Garrett was living from hand to mouth. I think he pretty much always lived from hand to mouth. And I think he didn't have $50 to load onto PayPal, as, as sad as that is. And this was the only way he could get the money. And then they were dragging their feet with it. And rather than tell Adamantium, hey, you know, I challenged you, but now we got to wait a few days because, uh, you know, even though I'm a, a great world-class poker player, I – oops, I didn't mean for that to come on. Even though I'm a great world-class po- poker player, I can't get $50 online. <laughs> but uh, – I think rather than do that, he just figured, hey, I'll play and, and uh, I'll worry about the consequences of this later. And you know, maybe Dreff will just say fine when I show him that I'm trying to get it. So he lied about the circumstances in which he was playing. He made up some story about he has some backer that wants to be anonymous, but the backer has given me the money. And I wasn't around to answer this because I, you know, sometimes I, I can't be posting actively on the forum for, for a day or two if I'm doing other things uh, in my life. So – that's what was going on then, and by the time I saw all of this, the match was over, and Garrett had won. So definitely I wasn't paying him, but the real controversy started regarding what should be done to Garrett for even doing this in the first place. Was he trying to free roll here to where had he lost, would he have just not paid at all? Now, I believe – I believe – yeah, don't laugh at my mistaken sound. You know, I'm just going to play the whole thing now just because you laugh. Bum, bum, bum. There we go. But I believe that Garrett was really trying to get the money off and he was really going to send it to me. And I think after all the hell Garrett has been through on this forum, as much as he needs $50 probably, I, I think it just was not worth it to him. I think the forum is is so much a part of his life, even though he takes so much abuse there. I can't see him risking a permanent ban over trying to free roll Adamantium for $50 where if he lost, he wouldn't have paid. Like, I, I think he just got overzealous and didn't want to admit the truth that uh, he was failing so badly in life that he didn't have $50 to his name at the time until he got the money off the D- Daily Fantasy Sports site. That's what I think was happening, and I was just using a judgment call, so I said, I'm not going to ban him for this. I'm just not going to pay him. I'm just going to invalidate the whole match and ship the 50 back to Adamantium and just act like this whole thing didn't happen. But a lot of the forum was angry at me for this decision and said that it was clear that Garrett was free-rolling, especially because he had some uh, not such a good past on other sites and uh, that this was just one in the latest, the latest issue with Garrett that has occurred over multiple forums over multiple years and that uh, I need to ban him before anything worse happens. Now, Daredevil is definitely one of those voices. So, Rather than give your side, you give your side. Well, one of the things, you know, that came into account, I mean, just just to set it completely, you know, black and white, they agreed to escrow the money before they played. Garrett didn't escrow, and then he lied about it, saying that the money was there. He said, I got the $50. You can PM Druff if you uh, want to prove it. And... Uh, and so Advantium said, okay, post a screenshot, because he posted a screenshot of the money being escrowed. And Garrett said, well, I can't do that because my backers want to stay private. <laughs> so, okay, so not only did he not escrow, but then he made up a lie about some backers. So that's what happened there. Then the history is he's come to this site from a different site, or two or three different sites, all of which he's been banned from. And these are staking sites. 
Now, nobody knows exactly, I guess, what happened over there because, um, you know, I, I guess none of their forum users are our forum users. But, you know, he's been banned from three separate staking sites. Do you think that's a coincidence? I think he's done some things that were wrong in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. But really, he's been part of this community for so long. And he, he sent me what looks like legitimate proof that he was really, really trying to get that money off. And I, I could just see what was going through his head. I could just see, like, like oh, I want to get this $50 so badly and not have anyone know that I don't have it. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I just want to get the only place where I have money over here. I want to get it off there and move it over to you, but I can't. It's getting stuck, and I, I don't have any money outside of that to do it with. And, boy, that would be so embarrassing to admit that. So I've already challenged the guy. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. What do I do? Like, he, he was trying to do this to prevent embarrassment rather than scam people. And, well, I, I can't support the lying, and I think that was wrong. And I think uh, regardless of how embarrassing it is, you don't play what's supposed to be an escrowed match and lie about it being escrowed. Uh, when it's not, but I, 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 when I decide to ban someone, I've got to decide. I got to make a judgment call. Do I think this was sinister or was it just stupid? And I think it was just stupid. I think it was just stupid and a, a weak attempt to prevent being embarrassed. And, and for that reason, I don't want to ban him. Whereas if I thought this was really like, let's say he was doing this for five hundred dollars, then I'd say, well, this that well, might be I, worth five hundred dollars. I actually bucks want to pick then. you up on that point, okay. because you made that on the forum as well. The, I don't see how the amount of money is relevant. And if a guy can't get $50 together, then how is that different from $500? To him, it's maybe worth more than $500. Well, because uh, I can answer that. Are you done or you want me to, you want to say it? No, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, the reason is $50 is still $50. Like here's the reverse. Uh, back when the absolute poker scamming was going on with, with uh, super users, when I was in the early days before this was proven and I was trying to shout from the mountaintops that cheating was going on there – People were saying, why would they ever cheat on Absolute Poker? They're making so much money on the rake. Why would they ever cheat and, and risk what they have going there and, and risk this being found? And, and like, you know, what are they going to make, like a million dollars from this? And I, I said, it's still a million dollars. It's still – even if you're making a ton of money, a million dollars is still so much money that it's, tempted, it's tempting to steal it if you can. So uh, on the reverse side of this, $50, whether you're poor or whether you're rich – is still very little money and can buy you very little. And uh, I, what, whereas five hundred, if you're poor, you can stretch that and um, and actually make that worth a good deal to yourself. Where fifty, no matter how poor you are, unless you're living in like a third world country where everything is dirt cheap, you're just not going to be able to do much with it. And given how much time and effort Garrett has put into this form, I just couldn't see him say no. I'm not going to pay now, or, or stalling me for months to pay fifty. I couldn't see it. If he knew that a ban was going to come, I just couldn't see it being worth it to him. It just didn't make sense to me combined with the fact that he was sending me proof that he was making actual efforts to get it off. So I, I can't look into an alternate universe to see if Garrett had lost if he would have paid. But mm-hmm. my gut feeling is that he would have. Now, now where is Garrett? I, I want him to call uh, I, and defend himself. Yeah. Also, you know, this happened. This has been happening for days, and I, I posted in the thread we're going to talk about this on the radio. Garrett, you know, you should call in. Give your side of things. Um, he's nowhere to be found. He knows this is going on. So that's also another point. But I haven't even gotten to the um, – there was also another incident on Poker Fraud Alert where he played somebody heads up for money. And I guess he lost, and then he claimed it was supposed to be best two out of three, and uh, it took him a long time. He kind of slow paid. So, But you know, I guess we'll agree to disagree on if the amount of money is relevant or not. Okay. Um, now we have, not a call. Sure. we have a call. Just in case it's Garrett, uh, mm-hmm. call her on the air. 
Hey, Jeff. It is. It is, it is Garrett. Okay. I, I don't even know this area code you're calling from. It's one I don't even recognize. Uh, Orlando, 407, basically. Okay. So, okay, Garrett, I'll, I'll trust it's really you and it's not a fake Garrett. That'd be a pretty, pretty yeah, good level. No, dude, <laughs> no, I see it's a Florida Garrett, area no, code. I was letting you get through your initial, like, spiel, and then I was going to come in. Now, there's okay. some parts of this that are honestly being left out, and it's really because a lot of people collectively don't like me, so they can pile on and try to make something out of this that it really isn't and wasn't in order to try to get me the boot, right? And I don't know who this guy, Daredevil, is, because all we know you as is Daredevil, but it's pretty clear you have some ulterior motive. And you almost are an extension of seriously serious, in my opinion. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't mean that. I mean, but you share, like, the same... You don't well, like me, right? Well, hang That's on, hang on. Okay. Garrett. Garrett. Well, Let me first just of all, say I this one point, dude. Okay. All right, because I'm you're leaving this out, okay? And I don't think Druff really was even involved in all that thread. There's a point in that thread, and it's like, man, I just had it open here. It's like page 15. Uh, it says, Daredevil says, and we knew the money hadn't been escrowed? Question mark. How could anyone know that except Garrett? Question mark. Adamantium says. Oh, I knew he had an escrowed shit, exposing him after the fact, well worth it. So that's an angle there, like he was, didn't matter. He was, it was an angle that he beat me, this would become a big deal, and then he would try to get me the boot. Well, right, that, that's in the... Okay, well, I, 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 saw, I saw that part, but it, it's not really relevant, because even if Adamantium strongly suspected you didn't really escrow it, and he went forward to the match anyway. It's your responsibility to have escrowed with me and be honest with it. So even if he knew you were BSing and decided to use that to embarrass you or get you banned in some way, that's that's really not relevant because if you hadn't done it in the first place, then there would be nothing to do for him. Like, so, right, right, and I get that. But there's also another point that was made. I mean, you, <laughs> I think you have a better idea of, of me more so than these other guys. But, but I mean... If I was going to free roll somebody and I had to go through you logically, like how stupid is that? Well, what, what I, am I getting? I, I brought up that point. I actually brought that up in your defense, saying that I didn't believe that uh, you really thought you could get away with with a free roll here, either you know getting banned, not being worth for fifty, or that I probably wouldn't pay. But in the defense of the other side, who has been uh, giving me a hard time for not banning you, uh, you actually asked for the fifty dollars anyway after winning. All right, listen, and because I, look, the money, it's $50, I mean, really what it all boiled down to was a lot of these guys on this forum who come at me a lot are always clamoring for, like, action, and a lot of them think they're really good, and, you know, I don't agree with that, so part of it was, like, all right, you're one of the hot shots, let's play, you know, and a lot of, I just, you know, I have money, obviously, on on DraftKings and stuff like that, and I don't keep, I use PayPal as an intermediary. I don't keep a lot of money on there. We all know PayPal's real, real stickler about different things and can seize your money and whatever, and I don't have a lot of money. So that is a lot of the reason I don't keep money on there. But I could have done my bank transfer, all these other things. It's, it was $50 heads up. But what they turned it around as if I had this, like, agenda. And then they went and used these, look, all that stupid stake and stuff seriously posted from 2 plus 2. Dude, that's 2006 when I first found po- poker. And there's not even any money. There's not even games played, two of them threads. It was that site in, like, 06. If you look at the dates on that, we're talking about almost a decade-old stuff, these guys with no money played are now trying to drag up and throw me under the bus with. Because the idea is that 
they're going to make this into a much bigger ordeal than it really was to try to muddy me up and get, you know, make their their lives a lot more enjoyable because I'm not around. <laughs> but, you know, and I appreciate you being fair and hearing both sides of this, Jeff. But, man, this guy, I, you know, Daredevil, I'm coming at him because he he was largely, you know, the voice of, you know, of all the um, – the antagonist. Okay, so Daredevil, what's your what's your response to this here? Okay, so I, I didn't even get through the whole thing, but um, because the other thing that I think is relevant is what happened afterwards. Um, you know, after all this happened, because Eddie, I respect that Garrett's calling in, and that's great. Um, he still. I mean, has... hold on a second, there, dude. You don't know me. Did you really, for a second, think I was fading? Like coming on the radio, like I had something to hide, or was it like nervous, dude? Honestly. I mean, you are honestly projecting an image that is not at all really what went on. You're doing it real cleverly, too. There's, there's, there's no dispute in the facts of this, Garrett. You played an escrowed match without escrowing. I, I never said I know for a fact that you weren't going to pay or anything like that. Nobody can know that but you. That's, you're making that leap. Adam, the only... not, you know, come on, guys. Adamantium said in the thread, all oh, he damn well knew that and didn't give a shit. At the time, people are in the thread clamoring for us to play. He's the big, popular, cool guy. Everyone hates me. Let's play. Right? Okay, that's that's I another mean, point. This this argument that, well, people just don't like you, and that's why they're piling on this. Well, I, and, dude, that, I mean, honestly, it's a form. That might be true for some people. I, I don't know. I personally, like, like they think. But I'm not going to stand there with my tail tucked between my legs and let these guys run me over. By, by the way, we have, uh, speaking, of, speaking of paying $50 to play this match, uh, in the chat room and listening to this show, as he does regularly, we have a massive pre-Black Friday payment processor, Chad Ellie, listening to this show. Can you imagine this guy has processed, like, untold millions of dollars for poker sites, and we're talking about uh, $50? I mean... <laughs> yes. You know, but it's the context. That is funny. But let me, let me, you know, for me, this is a little more personal, because... Of those, those really, like, they're nothing. These are eight, ten-year-old, like, staking sites when I first started playing poker. Like, Call 07. Unknown caller. Hang on a second. We're, we're adding you know, I got muddied up and dirty, and, you know, if you get a dirty name when it comes to people with trust in the game of poker, you're screwed. And... This is starting to go that way again, and I'm just, you know, I don't want that to happen. Okay, so we have another individual on the line here. Uh, we have Jay Searles here who, who just played a match against you for $63. We'll talk about the $63 shortly, but uh, Jay Searles, what do you have to say about this? Uh, I mainly called in because I keep asking Garrett on the forum and he dodges it. Like, why $63? Where did the fuck get $63? Well, no, because, I'm, dude, I spent extra money. It was... Well, wait, let me explain. Let me explain. Hang on a second. I'm going to leave out that for for what. I, I don't want to leave it out. This is a big thing here. This is a big thing. After the whole thing, after the whole controversy with the fifty bucks for you. Okay. Well, okay. Like, after shit. after the whole thing. You could have had. Okay, I, I appreciate but I that. Okay, after the whole thing, this is kind and of it was weird. 18. It was 68. <laughs> after the whole thing, this is so strange. After the fifty dollar thing, where Garrett couldn't get it to me and said it was escrow when it really wasn't, he sent me two separate transfers. The first one of thirty eight dollars, the second one uh, of twenty five dollars for a grand total of sixty three dollars. <laughs> and I, I had no idea what this was for. I just like received sixty three dollars from him. So I went on the forum and I posted, "Hey, I just got sixty three dollars from Garrett." Well, everyone got mad at me. Everyone got mad at me. Sites first refund your deposit amount. Everything over that gets sent. 
to the way. So the 25 was actually last money I had put on there. And okay. they sent me that first. Then later on, and that's why I PM'd you again, the rest of the money comes. Okay, but it, it was kind of comical that first you sent me the $63, and then the next day you said, hey, can you send me the 63 back? I really need it. <laughs> I get how that looks like weird, but that, that's how that happened. You know, it was, uh, they send your, your method, the method you use to deposit first that amount, and then the remainder comes. Okay, I, I'm just saying here that the, uh, you, weren't, you weren't doing a lot to help your cause of, oh, I had the money the whole time when you send me 63, and then you ask for the 63 back, like, immediately. Well, because once I realized that, that all this drama had started, it was like, dude, just it wasn't. It's just like cut your losses and be done with it. Okay. Well, the, the sixty-three has become a, a big number on Poker Fraud Alert now. Everybody has sixty-three avatars, and I, of all things, like while I'm reading this thread and getting caught up on it, uh, I'm watching the Dodgers game and they're they're winning two to one in the ninth, <laughs> and they're like, okay, and here comes the closer, number sixty-three, uh, Yimmy Garcia. I, I couldn't believe it. Like I can't get away from sixty-three now. Yeah. I want to make one. I want to make one other quick comment, Garrett. Earlier, you said that people are clamoring to play and bragging about how good they no, no, are. No. Like Dorian, literally, no one listening. ever says that other than you. Like no, you're the only one who's ever trying to say how good they are. You know, you're a whole another issue. But you, no offense, dude. That little fifty dollars we played with. You, this has your little match with me has nothing to do with this. This is all about that escrow situation with Adam Annie. Okay, so really? so I think, Garrett, what everybody wants to know, and especially me, this is the question I keep asking, is sure. you didn't get the $50 before the match took place as you were supposed to, but you made it clear to everyone that you had gotten it to me when you hadn't. Why did you lie about that and claim that it was there when it wasn't yet? Because I had the money. It's not even That's... an issue. I mean, I don't even get, you know, it's $50. These guys are all, like, piling on me and, like, for months, I mean... And in the but these guys are running around like and, you know and, and the typical trolls of your well. I, but the thing is, I think every like, I think Andy every single Cassidy, listener, Sonic Time, Sloppy Joe, all them guys making running that thread out. And so I was just like, dude, let's play. Okay, I just think every single listener on this site, uh, and on this show, and, and the reader of the forum, I think just about every single listener could come up with $50 or has it, but it's a matter of willingness to pay. And that's why I make people escrow is because it doesn't matter how much you have. You could have $10 million. If you just refuse to pay afterwards, then you're stuck. Then you can't get the money. So well, that's why I make people I escrow first. So if they, if they think better of it afterwards and say, oh, no, I don't want to pay this guy. It's tough luck. Then I have the money, and then I can distribute it to the rightful winner. So that's, that's the reason for the escrow, and that's why everyone's so mad that you said you had escrowed when you actually had not escrowed. But in, in all honesty, like, it's not anyone's business where I can get a certain amount of money or Bitcoin from. But no, no, it's not. But in reality, like, yeah, of course if I needed it. But I, I was already sent the withdrawal request through DraftKings, waiting on the money. They take usually to the next, sometimes morning after. You, you just should have been honest about it. Just say, hey, I don't, have the, I don't have the money yet. It's, it's coming from another site. Uh, it, you know, it'll take me a few days to get the money online. And it, people would have made fun of you, but at least uh, – you would have just waited until you got it, then shipped it to me, and then you would have played. And he actually, now to Garrett's credit, he did play two other matches after this Adamantium one. He played one against Jay Searles for the aforementioned sixty-three dollars, and Jay Searles won. And and Garrett did escrow that money properly. And he played a hundred-dollar match against William McFML, and also escrowed that immediately and properly. And uh, and lost that as well. So Garrett actually did lose yeah. one hundred sixty three dollars. Yeah, like, dude, that, honestly, that's yeah. like a token of like faith. Like, here, dude, I didn't have like any issue. I don't leave money on PayPal. And I'm one who thinks that 
betting on your business, it's a risky thing to do. So I okay, use well, it largely as an intermediary a lot with the daily fantasy stuff. I don't, you know, and then for to send money from the bank to PayPal, that takes a day or two. That's why I don't understand why you just didn't tell people that instead of uh, making up a story. Okay, so Daredevil, what do you want to say? Well, I just want to say those two matches that happened afterwards. Yeah, Garrett did escrow, and I, I, you know, I'm not sure if that's relevant or not. But the other thing that happened afterwards is, and I mean, Garrett still hasn't answered this question because if you notice, he still hasn't admit he did anything wrong. You said, why didn't you just admit that you lied about the escrow? And he said, well, it, it doesn't matter because I had the money. So just, you know, it would be nice if you just said, well, you know, I lied. I'm sorry. Won't do it again. That's kind of what the forum wants to hear. And then also afterwards, I mean, you just basically went scattershot after everyone. Me, seriously, serious. Everyone saying, uh, yeah, no, well, it's, it's nothing wrong. Dude, and uh, you guys are scammers. I mean, you have this mob mentality where you get like five or ten of you start pounding, neg-repping somebody, disagree with everything they do and say. And you just, and a lot of people have this idea that, like, you know, those are all kind dudes. Turn around and walk that's, away. Not like, that's not like 10 people. Those are all kind dudes, by the way. Who is it? Just, just a question. They're that, all sauna team dudes. That's Jay Searles. Everybody knows that. That's Jay Searles. He's a little bit oh, hard to hear. Well, he doesn't no, have a good connection here. And I've implied that for months. Cause, cause, <laughs> let, let, let's... Let me give a little back history real quick. I, I come to this forum two years ago, right? It was another poker bar. I was watching a Foxwood live WSOP circuit live stream. Somebody in there, I am Greek, recognized me because my login for the live stream was just my middle name, Garrett. So in that moment, I come over here, I created a screen name, my middle name, boom. Didn't think much of it. Seriously serious was on Quad Jacks, which is also where that guy Greek was from. He recognized me right away and then immediately started coming at me, right? So he's pretty well-liked in the poker run and everything else. People are going to, you know, generally get behind everything that he, he says or implies. So when I got here, there's a thread created about me. Turned into another situation like this. We're talking about two days. And that night I found this this place. Jeff had a, a poker tournament, like the free roll night, and I won it. You know, I got lucky. And, uh... And that kind of, like, really created a stir. So when I initially got here two years ago, there was already, like, an issue with me. And it sort of has just continued on and on and on. Okay, I, I just want to I wanna throw something in here. By the way, uh, you have a, a supporter kind of in uh, in Tide, a.k.a. Judonk. He's actually saying – he's offering to throw some of his recently won money around. You know, Tide just shipped another free roll. He got, he won like not free roll, some kind of small tournament. He he won for uh, eleven hundred dollars. He's offering to ship about nine percent of that away. He's offering to donate a hundred dollars if I ban Marley and Jay Searles forever from the forum. So that's, I'm I'm not going to do that, but that's the offer coming from Tide. So all right, look, um, Garrett, I, I got to tell you here the sure. the. History as to why people here have a problem with you isn't really important, and it's not really relevant here. I don't even re- really remember, and I don't really care that much. Uh, what I do care about, and what has to stop, is you, you've got to be honest about these escrowing situations. If you can't get the money on, online immediately, then say so. And to be honest, there's some people I've known on this forum who have a whole lot of money who cannot get money on PayPal within a few days. It, it takes some time to do sometimes, and there's nothing embarrassing about that. But you can't say that I have the money, you've sent it to me when you really have not. Otherwise, that looks like you were trying to free-roll people. And even if you weren't, 
it looks like that, and you don't want to create that sort of uh, impression, especially when you already have a history, even if it is nine years ago, of, of doing things that are not always on the level. So, so you didn't help your reputation at all by doing something like that. I, I will say that you were able to, very shortly after that, escrow for $163 on, on future matches, and uh, that's good. But just you, you got to be honest with these things, and, and when you're not – that's when the problems happen, and when you try to make excuses for it, that's why the thread goes on for for 30 pages of, of everyone attacking you. That's why it was happening. If you just uh, came clean with the whole thing and said, you know, I, I was embarrassed to admit I couldn't get the money on as fast as you guys would hope, and uh, and I tried to just say it was there when it wasn't yet, no one would have liked it, but it would have been better than the attempts to make excuses because no one was going to buy it. So that, that's, that's the way I see it. I, I still I apologize to you for like all probably the loads of PMs these guys are dropping bombs on you and all the other stuff that was a result of this. And the idea was just to play poker. That thread in the moment, you know, was, was going and they were all coming at me. So bad idea. And I apologize. It wasn't ever, it wasn't anything. I mean, like, like that at all, but I, I guess, you know, I, in this, I guess, poker world, everybody thinks, you know, by default, your first line is, oh, he's no good, he's a scammer. Well, there's a lot and of scammers really out there. go back, and, and I understand that you're protecting your investment and, and everything else. So what a lot of people don't get is I really know some, a little more than the dumb guy. I, I probably project myself as in terrible forum type um, about what really goes on. So I get it, and I didn't mean to bring that on you, especially the guy who runs a poker fraud alert and i'm so i'm sorry for that you know and i apologize to adam and everybody else too yeah forum wars is asking an interesting question and i'm not even sure of the answer to this one he asked if garrett actually lost the match instead of had won it against adamantium would you have not accepted the money that he sent if he did send it afterwards or would you have sent it back saying the match was invalid well that's a tough one because uh on, on one hand if the match is invalid, then nobody should get it. But on the other hand, if Adamantium was misled into believing it was valid, and then and then uh, if he won, it wouldn't be fair to take the money away from him. So I, I have to say I would have accepted the money because as far as I was concerned, this was kind of like a negative free roll actually for Garrett. Once he lied about having sent it, uh, you can't blame the other side for you know, who really did send it for the match not being valid. So um, I, I actually probably would have sent that money to Adamantium, and uh, it would have been a negative free roll for Garrett, but that would have been his fault for lying about it. I, I, I don't ever want to reward someone for lying or penalize someone for, for doing what they were supposed to. It's just kind of the same theme I was talking about with Micon, is how he shouldn't be rewarded for breaking the law where the, those who chose to follow the law are penalized. So same thing. But that's, that's probably what I would have done, but I'd have to think about it a little bit more. Anyway. Yeah, uh, and, you know, it was mentioned by, I'm going to not mention their name, one of the posts in that 30 on page thread but i mean really if you're free rolling somebody how who, how am i doing that when you have no access to money it goes through you well yeah but you could have hoped that i was going to believe that you were really sending it it's, i mean you obviously had some hope i was going to send it to you because you you asked for it so as soon as you were got mine yeah that's what i thought well so you can't send you realize you can't play a match that's supposed to be escrowed not send the money and then when you win send the money oh this is the money i was supposed to be escrowing with you but i've already won like you know you're gonna get it right back right. You, you can't lose it <laughs> yeah, and then at that point, uh, yeah, that, that's absurd. Like I could, I could say, hey, I'm I'm going to bet my entire bankroll with, with someone else, and then I'll escrow it. 
not escrow it. And then when I win the bet, I, I send it over to the person I'm supposed to escrow. Oh, here he is. Here's the money I'm escrowing. There's proof I would have. Well, no, because I won. I know I'm going to get back. Uh, escrow is only a risk to the people betting if they don't know if they're going to win or lose in the future. You already knew you would won. So, okay. Uh, I, I think, Daredevil, do you have anything else to say or should we end this segment? No, well, the only other thing I want to say is the, you know, Garrett mentioned that people have a problem with him personally and attack him in the forum. And I, and I guess he thinks people saw this as an opportunity to, uh, to gang up on our, what or whatever. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I know for me personally, I've on, never dude. attacked. You don't good. see all the, my mugshot from five, yeah, six course. years ago. The S- some people plaster and every thread, like you don't think that's, you Google my name and not only did do these mug shots from a mistake I made and I admit it and it's over, but all, now I got these PFA threads pop up. Google my name, dude. First page, boom. There's probably 10 Josh Showers in America. My mugshots come up on images and then a PFA thread. Any employers, these people, yeah, that is damning. So, and, and then you go in these threads and you're putting my name and you're putting my mugshot. Like, that's not a joke. And we're not talking about one time. We're not talking about one week. We're not talking about one month. We're talking about years now. Okay, so, but you yeah, can't put that on certain point, everyone. you've got to draw a line. Yeah, but it's, Daredevil didn't do that, though. There's, there's other I've form members who have I know. You. I've never posted your information, so you, but know, you, understand you can't where, use that. But my perspective is in all this? I, I really that? don't see how that's relevant to this issue, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, okay. By the way, but Garrett, uh, someone's asking in the chat. I'm, I'm kind of wondering about this too, and, and people aren't going to believe this if they don't read the forum. But this really happened. Uh, Garrett, on two occasions now, uh, has posted his penis on the forum. <laughs> now, why do you do that? Why, why do you sometimes post well, your penis on the forum? Troll, right? But, so, but you're really posting your penis. Like, like, why you are you know, doing these that? These guys will love if, if, if some pretty girl comes out and puts her tits on a, on a poker forum, right? Nobody would have a problem with it, but. Some guy comes out <laughs> and shows – it could even be a, a complete troll. But um, part of it was like, I don't care what you guys think, period. You can hate me all you want. And, and I'm not going to, like, give you that response that you're looking for. Just, you know, just disappear. And... I believe you're the only – That was probably a bad idea. I think you're <laughs> the only person on Poker Father. Like, I just don't care what they think. You're the only person on Poker Father in the history – you're the only person in the history of this site ever to show their penis, so uh, you do have that. Okay, so Garrett, uh, thank you for coming on uh, to defend yourself. I, I am not going to ban you. You're going to stay here you know, over the objection of, of many people on the site, and there's going to be a lot of uh, hate toward me for this. And that's the problem. When I run a site like this, when I have to make a decision like this and I, I make the unpopular decision, then, then I take shit about it. It's actually kind of hard to run something like this because you always you have to make decisions sometimes which, which anger people and uh, – uh, and then once in a while, you really anger someone like that six-toed Pete maniac who's who's been you know, harassing me ever since when I had to ban him. Uh, so, yeah, un- unfortunately, you kind of become a, a lightning rod yourself running a forum like this. So, I, I was put in this position here. So, so please don't do anything like this again. You you can't. I mean, I can't allow you to stay here if this is going to happen again with with claiming you escrow when you didn't, even for small amounts of money. I, I just right. that that'll be. And I, again, I apologize, you know, but a lot of these guys that, and, and you know, one more thing, he implies that all these, these random accounts that are negrepping me, and, and I don't know that they're all this guy's sonatized dupe. I do know that he's po- the one who mostly posts all my mug, my mug shots all over, like, you know, but that, but that's on you. You run the site. You can see all these IPs and do all these traces and whatever. And, and I, you know, but for you, Daredevil, to assume that I know that, 
again, they're for, you're starting to... No, I didn't say that. Cyril's doing it. function on logic without full information. Okay. I never said that. By the way, I probably shouldn't have used the word rod when describing a lightning rod, talking about myself right after talking about you posting your penis. But uh, <laughs> pro- probably bad choice of words on my part. I probably had Garrett's penis on the mind. All right. Uh, thank you, Garrett. And, and Jay Searle's here. And uh, we're going to move on to the next segment. All right. Thank you. Sorry. And sorry about that, Joe. All right. All right. Goodbye, Garrett. All right. So that's... That was Garrett and Jay Searles, and uh, I, I think everyone has a little bit of a better picture as to what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And, and I give him, you know, I give him props for calling in and saying you made a mistake, and you know, you've made your ruling, and we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just trying to do what I think is is right and fair here, and you know, not everyone's going to agree, but uh, mm-hmm. believe me, if I felt if, if I felt that this was going to be some kind of danger for future scams to occur on this site. Also, everyone's on guard with Garrett. No one's going to send Garrett thousands of dollars and, and believe that uh, it's going to end up okay. So, <laughs> Okay, we have a, a call coming in, then we're going to move on. Caller, you are on the air. Hello. One Step, hello. What's up? So One Step, uh, your Vegas trip is coming up pretty soon, right? Yes, uh, like 10 days, I think. You've collected a lot of money from uh, Poker Fraud Alert people uh, sponsoring this trip. Now, how much did your GoFundMe make? That that didn't do very well. Yeah, no, that didn't, that didn't do very well, um, unfortunately. Um, people, like I guess, like to donate to kids with cancer and, and you know, whatever, which is okay, Zero you know. Point. Um, Zero. Is that what but, you got? Uh, you know, I wanted to, to thank Daredevil, you know, for his generous contribution to my uh, degen activities. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, now, are you, are you yeah. actually going to go to the, there's some sort of thing I saw, like some kind of pool party or, or water slide oh, yeah. party? Oh, yeah, a gay water park. Yeah, a gay water park party. Are you going to that? Um, yeah, so unfortunately that's going to be the same night as the UFC event. Oh. Um, so, yeah, so that's not going to happen. But I'm, I am going to be going to um, a separate event that's connected to that. So, oh, I see. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, will, I will be attending that. Now, now the question um, is um, – after by the that, way, by the way, if you can, I just got a new phone and I don't know my number. So if you can sort of uh, PM me this number, I, I need to, hold on, hold for, on. I need to tell you your own phone number. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I just got a new phone. I don't know what it is. So, so I've got to interrupt this show and send you your own phone number that you're calling this show. No, so no, no, it has to be. I have to be like, like a, I have that's, to be like a human cool. caller ID here. I'm sorry. I have to be like a human caller ID. Yeah, well, you know my, you know the number pops up, so yeah. All right, so um, so let's get back to the water park thing. Like this gay water park thing <laughs> that you wanted to go to. I, I I watched the promo video for this, and all I could think about is like those poor people who go there the next day, like the regular customers that come there the next day. They're going to have no idea what went on there the night before. I think I think this is built um, specifically for just this just event. Um, They're building a whole water park just for a gay event. I thought it's going on at like a regular water park. No, that actually. So there's a ticket for that water park and uh, after hours club event, and that's it's two hundred bucks per ticket. No, no, but are they building that's, the whole water park just for this event, or is it a, an existing water park in Vegas? I, I have no clue. I would, I, I would have to think that they're uh, that it's two hundred dollars a ticket. 
I think they could build their own water no, pocket no, that has, I, you know, 10,000 people. I think the $200 is so, you know, a bunch of twinks can get together in one place. Otherwise, you go a regular night of the water park, it's, you know, just families and, and mostly straight people. Here it's, uh, you, you get uh, a bunch of uh, individuals such as yourself who are coming to Las Vegas to engage in uh, gay debauchery. I think that's what the $200 is for. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but, uh, you know, but it's a Memorial Day weekend, so I have to assume that any event like that is going to be booked with, you know, regular people. Hmm. Right? I mean, if, they, if they're not building one themselves. You know, I once went on a cruise. It was, it was actually the Party Poker Cruise in 2006, which is many stories attached to it. That cruise was immediately following on the exact same ship. A gay cruise. I'm not even kidding. So, uh, and they so slippery floors. Well, no, they actually closed the pools for a few days. Uh, That was the amazing thing. Like at the beginning of the cruise, all the pools were closed, all the jacuzzis were closed, and then they reopened them in the middle of the cruise. And they they never really explained it, but I'm sure I know the reason. Right, chlorine doesn't kill (laughs) semen. So, I'm not making this up. Yeah, my first my first cruise was um, was actually my parents and. As we uh, entered, like as we checked in, uh, my dad went to go to the bathroom and he found like a bunch of drugs underneath the sink. Yeah. And uh, apparently they raided a hotel room um, that's cruised before, and I guess they didn't find everything. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, so so <laughs> he sort of looked at me and asked, like I was like 13 at the time, and he looked at me with a bag of drugs and I had no clue what that was. And, uh, so wait, he thought these—he thought these were—he thought these were your drugs. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Were, were you doing any drugs at age of thirteen? No, no. He's like, a, <laughs> no, he's like, I—I no. I, I never did drugs, but like, especially as a thirteen-year-old, if my parents found that in the room, they would have never thought it was mine because they, they would have known like that I—I I wouldn't, I wouldn't have lived as fourteen. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so one step. Uh, do you have an update for anything before we move on? Yeah, yeah. Just, just want to, you know, plug my my normal my normal stuff. Uh, I, see. I have uh, ten days till the trip. Um, oh, actually, I have an idea for a prank call. Yeah. You always reject these ideas, but I've you know there's some people that enjoy them. So I had a. I you always reject my ideas, so I figure if we can take an idea from the chat and maybe sort of parlay that into a prank call. Okay. Um, but I think I think uh, my talents are not being used here properly. Okay. If you have an idea and you want to put it together to where it's something viable, you can PM it to me, and then the next week's show I'll consider it. You know, I, I make prank calls on this show. I just has to be something I think will be funny and doable. But you, you've never taken any of my ideas. Well, maybe I didn't like them. I mean, I, there's a reason I haven't. But they're funny. They're going to be good. Yeah. They're going to they're going to work. They're going to be funny, and people will enjoy them. Well, I, I have to evaluate these and see if I think that these are good or viable ideas. I, I have to use my own judgment since I'm the one making the calls, well, since to, it's my own to, show. Yeah, but to be, to be fair, Todd, um, you know, your your judgment when it comes to humor isn't really, you know, I mean... Ouch. Okay, you can, look, you, you, you can start your own show and do the, your own calls then. 
I mean, I'm not the only one in the world who can make <laughs> oh, prank oh, calls. Oh, relax, relax. There, no, buddy. I'm just relax. telling you, I, I'm, the only, I'm not the only one in the world right. who can do prank calls. So I, I'm giving you all this time here to to promote your Vegas trip and your GoFundMe page for your your, your twin. Do you know, I, I don't understand this. so much hostility. Every single time I call, I always have, you know, I, I'm, I learn how to gauge people's um, tone on, on the phone. And it's always it's always like uh you know, I'm sort of bothering you with these phone calls. If you were really bothering me I, it is. No, if you were bothering me I, I wouldn't I take the calls. Content, I know I bring who it content is. to the show and I bring content to the forum. Majority of my threads have at least ten thousand views. So <laughs> I, I, I bring what people call as the hits. So I don't I don't understand that, you know. Okay. One well step, I have look. an idea for a prank call. Yeah. Uh we call one step's parents. <laughs> Tell him he's been arrested in Vegas for a gay debauchery. Yeah, there's some gold yeah, there. Yeah, call up his parents and say that he was arrested for for receiving oral sex in public at a water park. If if there was a fee involved, uh, I would I would definitely arrange some such a thing. <laughs> it's kind of kind of like when Mike on had me prank call his mom back. Uh... <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, it's, yeah. it's funny when people have me prank their relatives and then like do things that really upset the relatives. Sometimes I feel bad, even though I don't know these relatives. I just like, I'm like, oh, I can't bring myself to do it. I, I sometimes will anyway, like, but still, I'm going. I, I can't believe I'm doing this to someone's mother. But like, the guy's telling me to do it, but I, I just kind of feel weird doing it. So, all right. Well, there's a price for one step. So, if anyone wants to donate to that cause, <laughs> yeah, you should harass one step's yes. uh, parents and get them. Free. Again, it is only only ten days, uh, and I'm actually going back to work the following day, uh, arriving at the airport at six thirty, and have to be at work at eight thirty. I, I really hope That's that. Street. I, I really hope that when Benjamin is an adult, that he doesn't sell me out for a few bucks to you know people fund his gay trips then then uh, he'll allow people to prank call me i mean i hope that's not the future for me here all right all right one step th- thank you for calling in here we've got to move on thanks one step you're 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 very you're very welcome Tom, and, and take care devil all right goodbye see you uh, we're certainly not short on calls tonight all right no. so uh I was actually going to say at the beginning of the show, this is going to be a, a pretty interactive show. Sometimes we just get on here and rant for four hours and, and never take one call. And other times it's just we can't get anything done because it's call after call after call. So, well, I like the calls. Yeah, no, I like them too. I wouldn't take them if I hated them. So, uh, I, Whenever someone says like they don't like something and it's something within their control, I say, well, then stop doing it. <laughs> that's that's a solution. So so like I, I can't really complain about the f- phone calls because I'm the one hitting the button to take them, and I even know who it is a lot of the times just from the area code or whatever. Uh, so I, I'm getting a, a text from uh, the gentleman known as Shibun Pickens or Brittany Griner's clip. It says uh, you know who it is. No access to chat at all. Hope I didn't miss the girl. So I, th- I think he's listening to the show. On the road, I, I instructed him. You can actually listen to the show on a smartphone, which means like if you're driving, you don't have to wait till it ends up in the archives. You can actually go to the radio page, and there's a link there. If you're listening on a smartphone, click here, and you click there, and you can actually listen live. I know it works on iPhones and iPads. I don't know about Android because I don't have one, but it definitely works on the Apple devices that you can listen live, and it works very well. So. I think we have land and sea and air all listening tonight. Yeah, so planes, cars. Yeah, planes. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to listen. I I, I always try to make this as accessible as possible. I have a, a number of different ways to listen to this in the archives. You can go directly to the site, 
just download the MP3 off the radio shows forum. You can listen through iTunes. You can listen through Stitcher. I, I always want to make this accessible and easy for people to be able to listen. Because if it gets too hard to listen, people don't want to do it. It becomes too much trouble. So mm-hmm. we've got uh, 20 minutes or so until we give a call to Amanda, and hopefully we will reach her. Let's talk about the beatdown that occurred at the Harris New Orleans poker room. And uh, one steps text. He, he, he's PMing me in the chat room. What's my number? I go, jeez. He said, oh, you don't have to interrupt the show. And then he PMs me in the, in the chat. What's my number? I, there's so many different ways to find out your number. You've got to do it to a live radio show. It's, this guy's unbelievable. Okay, so this Harris New Orleans thing was pretty interesting. And uh, when I, I see like fight breaks out, I'm thinking it's something kind of stupid. But then I watched it, and I was actually pretty impressed with the whole thing of, of what got caught yeah. on tape and the, the, the guy who ended up winning. Here is basically the story that I guess the there's a guy in the red shirt at the table. I don't know his name. But I guess he had won a lot of money off another guy the night before. So the guy he beat, for whatever reason, didn't like him. Maybe just because he lost to him. Maybe they had some kind of words. But we don't know the full backstory. But the guy who he had beaten the night before came back with a friend who looked pretty intimidating, like a muscle-bound guy who looks like he hits the gym a lot, maybe even does steroids. Mm -hmm. So he, he brought this friend there to either intimidate him or or beat him up. Now, I'm not sure, maybe you know this, but I, I'm not sure if the fight that actually took place was uh, between the guy in the red shirt and someone at the existing poker game or if it was somebody you know, who had just been there the night before and brought someone to harass him. Do you, do you know which one it was? No, you can't quite tell from the yeah, video. Yeah, you can't quite tell. Um, he, he just kind of comes in from you know the background, the, the muscle guy. You see the red shirt guy sitting at the table. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure if he was even playing or he just came with his buddy. Or... Yeah, and, and so the amazing thing was that th- this guy in the red shirt, first he gets like kind of hit, slapped in the chest by this uh, uh, the, the guy with the muscles while he's sitting there at the poker table. So he kind of like jumps up and says, like, well, what, hey, what, what's going on here? And uh, then – it kind of calms down for a bit, and the red shirt guy is willing to sit back down without returning any kind of uh, physical violence. But then the, the, the guy in the muscles, uh, the guy with the, the muscle guy, and I, I think the one who sent him there started taunting him. And uh, and then eventually it does break out into a full fight. So I'm going to play the audio here, which I know is not as good as watching the video. If you want to watch the video, go to YouTube and type in "fight at Harris New Orleans Poker Room," and it'll come up there. And it's actually me who posted it up there. I didn't take this video. I took this video off of uh, Facebook. Somebody else had posted it and just preserved it on YouTube in case something happens to it. Because Facebook videos, they can disappear in a variety of ways. So, uh, And also now you don't need a Facebook account to watch it. It's, it's very easy to see. So here's the auto explain what's going on. It's not very long. But the amazing thing is how security for Harris did not get involved. This went on for two minutes. Security didn't show up. And... The floor man completely stayed out of it. Here you go. Make sure 
So something you look like a bitch is, you know, you're already taunting going on here towards the guy in the red shirt. I think. What was that? I, I think, weirdly enough, the muscle guy says to the red shirt guy, you smell like an octopus. <laughs> Which, uh, I don't get that, but. So, so then he, yeah, so he kind of hits him in the chest. And then the red shirt guy pops up. And they have like a standoff here. And, and the floor man's right there. So the floor man's kind of separating them. And at, at the he, he's kind of trying to stay in the middle, yeah. Yeah, he's standing in the middle. At the beginning, it looks very standard. I've seen this sort of thing happen before at Commerce, like where someone makes like a quick, a quick hit on somebody else where it doesn't really do a lot of damage, and then someone hops in the middle and stops them. So this is where I thought it was going to stop, but no. So then they're yelling back to the guy in the red shirt, sit down, bitch, sit down. So he gets hit in the chest. Pops up and they're ready to get in a fight. And then the guy who hit him, this guy with the muscles, sit down, bitch, sit down, bitch. Trying to taunt him that he's just going to sit down and do nothing about it. That was the red guy in the red shirt. Go take some steroids and suck his dick, referring to the friend that sent him over. So and so the red guy, the red shirt guy, says that and sits back down. So he was willing to let it die there, even though he got hit in the in the chest and is getting taunted. He's willing to say, "Go take some steroids and suck his dick and sit back down and be done with it." But it was not anywhere near over. So then the the, the guy with the muscles comes up to the red shirt guy, and now suddenly the the floor man who's between them is just gone. He's now he's in the background. He just moved out of the way, and and then he he makes a a left jab at him. And they're they're like falling all over the table, and the chips are falling. The table doesn't tip over or anything, but they're they're falling everywhere. At the beginning, it looks like the guy with the muscles has the advantage, and you would kind of expect that. This guy in the red shirt's not small, but uh, he's not really muscular like, like this other guy. But then it changes right there where the guy in the red shirt kind of turns the tables and gets on top of him, almost like he may have a background in wrestling or something, and gets on top of the guy with with the muscles and and then starts just punching, 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 punching. Like he kind of just jumps on his back and just starts punching. Then then he... Then he grabs him and throws him down on the table, and the dealer's sitting there. The dealer's actually still sitting in his spot, and he lands, like, right next to the dealer. He's still kind of sitting. They're like, in his lap. Yeah, they're, like, in the dealer's lap. Red shirt guy's still on the back of the muscular guy. And then he slams his head into the wall. Like, I don't know if you ever play that game, uh, the old wrestling arcade game in the 80s. Uh, what was it called? Uh I don't remember what it's called anymore. It had like the Golden Hulk, who's supposed to be like Hulk Hogan, and uh, what was that thing called? No, oh, Matt, Matt Mania. That's what it was called. Matt Mania. No. Yeah, it's like from '86. It may have been a little before your time, but um, it, it, they have something like that where like both people get out of the ring, and then you take your opponent and you can slam his head against the wall, and then he's like knocked out for a long time. You can get back in the ring before 20 seconds elapses, then you win if you just like slam the guy into the wall to where he's dazed and can't get up. Well, this is what happened in real life. He actually took the guy with the muscles and 
after being on top of him and hitting him a number of times and, and just relentlessly holding on to him than just grabbing him and slamming his head into the wall. I mean, this could have really done some damage. Not, not that I feel bad because the, uh, the the guy with the muscles started the whole thing and then started hitting him for no reason. But uh, um, he's really getting his. He was really dazed after that happened. I mean, this is a, this is not just a kind of a, a gentle push into the wall. This is grabbing someone and slamming him into the wall, the, the head first. So, now, so then he's on the ground, and, and the guy in the red is still hitting him. So, so that's when finally this floor man decides, at this point, after letting this go on for a minute and having someone's head slammed against the wall, then he goes, what do I fucking tell you? What do I fucking tell you? Security's coming. Security's coming. Why is he yelling this a, a, a minute later? He's been here the whole time. So, so he still has this guy in a headlock. He actually has him in a headlock, like a wrestling headlock, and then lets him go and shoves him. And and the wrestling guy is like, he's too dazed. He doesn't want any more of this and just, you know, walks off. So then people are kind of just walking around and trying to fix their chip stacks and uh, pick up the pieces here. People are kind of standing up, talking to the guy in the red, who's who's kind of putting up his arms, like going, "Hey, I had to." Like uh, he did, you can't hear what he's saying, but he's he's putting up his arms, like, "Hey, what's I supposed to do?" And, uh, and he's right. So, fortunately, now you've been to this casino, Todd, right? Yeah, I've been here. In fact, I just walked into that poker room back in February. I, I just wanted to check it out, so I, I walked in there, just kind of walked around it, and then left. I, I was only there playing video poker and just as a, a tourist in the New Orleans area. But I stayed in that hotel. I had an incident, fortunately not with a, a, a guy on steroids wanting to fight me. Fortunately, it was a woman who was, uh, who was just acting crazy and slamming the machines next to me and just being very, very distracting while I'm trying to play high-limit video poker. And, and then when, I, when security finally came over, and then she tried to lie about what she was doing. Then I explained to him what was happening. And she was so mad that I ratted her out to security that she was staring at me and saying, lose, lose, lose. Yeah, so, so I finally called security back over. Anyway, she was told to leave and stop bothering me and this other woman who was, who was playing. And she came back anyway in violation of what they told her to do. And then I keep calling security and they wouldn't come for 15 minutes. Now, now, fortunately, this wasn't urgent because it was just some you know, like 50-year-old woman. I knew she wasn't going to hurt me, though, though she was just like sitting next to me and glaring when, when I was waiting for security to come. And I was like I, – I didn't know what she was going to do. I know she's going to swing her purse and hit me in the head. I, I didn't know I'm, – I'm staring straight ahead to a video poker machine and playing. And like um, normally I wouldn't worry about like what, what's a 50-year-old woman going to do to me. But if I'm just blindsided, I, you know, she can still do something. So I'm, I'm, I'm already – while I'm waiting for security to come, if she does anything, I'm ready to like throw an elbow in her face and then push her down. Like I was going to end like a full fight with her, but I was going to you know elbow her and, and, and push her down if she tries to physically attack me. I'm not going to stand there and take it. Uh, fortunately, that didn't happen. But I'm yelling for security. You know, security, come here. Security, security. I call it the blackjack people. Hey, can you get security? Because they're like across the way. Security just does not come for like 15 minutes. They, when they finally came, they ejected her from the casino. But uh, 
So what do you think the issue is? Like, is this an extremely large property? Are they understaffed or are they just I, incompetent? I, I think it's understaffed and incompetent. That's what's my guess here. They just uh, – I was amazed at how long it took security to get there. So this doesn't surprise me that something like this can happen and, and no one is ready to rush over there. So I, it didn't surprise me that of all places for this massive fight to occur, that it was at Harris, New Orleans. Also, the floor man, he, I don't, he's not expected to you know, get beaten in the process of stopping this, but he made no attempt to stop this. He stayed in the middle for a little bit, and then he, he just backed away and let the, that muscle guy approach him and, and swing again. He, never, he didn't stay in the middle. I don't think this muscle guy would have you know, hit the floor man. I think the floor man stayed between them. Probably not. I mean, I guess maybe he thought because they had separated that this was over and he was doing whatever his regular floor man duties. But but it, was, it happened pretty fast. Like It's not like 10 minutes yeah. later he came back and did it. No, this, yeah, right. this is like in the few seconds the guy was back. I couldn't even see how the floor man got out of the way, but he did. So uh, the, the whole thing is a big mess. I, I think the floor man didn't do his job there. He, he should have threatened the guy, the muscle guy. He should have kicked him right when that happened. He should have said, uh, what are you doing? Are you attacking him? Like the, just yeah, that's hit, true. Any, a physical contact had already been made. He should be 86. Yeah. yeah. It's a poker room. This is not a <laughs> – At the very least, you stand between them or something. Don't just walk away after 10 seconds of saying, hey, stay away from each other. So the whole thing was a mess. But at least the guy who was being attacked, who was even willing to let it go after he got hit once uh, and just made one comment back uh, – at least that's the one who won the whole thing. At least the guy who, who thought he was going to yeah. beat up someone who, who he believed to be smaller than him uh, was met with a surprise with someone who was very good at fighting and, and really delivered some damage to him and, uh, and left him dazed and like not wanting anything further. So I guess it they... It was pretty satisfying, at least. Yeah, it <laughs> I mean, was. These fighting videos, usually it's like, that. Ah, who cares? But yeah, there's like this younger guy who's jacked. He's huge. And the other guy's a little bit, looks like a little bit older than him and just, just looks like a regular guy. Yeah. And uh, tried to intimidate him and got what was coming to him. So yeah. it was pretty sweet. So it was sweet to see that. So, so at least the right guy won. And there is a video of this. And uh, shame on Harris, New Orleans for their poor security and this floor man not getting in the middle of this whole thing. And I'm glad this got caught on video. That's a good thing of everyone having smartphones these days. You can catch so much on video nowadays that otherwise in the past, even in the recent past, uh, would have never been recorded. Or if it was, it would have been like by a casino camera and they would have never released it. So now there's right. so many things that instead of just hearing about them, you can see them. And now this is immortalized forever on YouTube on the Poker Fraud Alert YouTube page. And I, I don't know any of these people. I don't know any of their names. Uh, I heard that the guy in the red shirt was allowed to keep playing because he was correctly yes. judged as the victim and that uh, the other two, the, the muscle-bound guy and the friend of his who sent him over, were both 86 in the property. I don't know if they were kicked for good or just kicked for that day, but they were kicked out and uh, and the guy in the red shirt was allowed to keep playing, which he should. And You can't just say, you know, let someone keep attacking you physically and you just have to stand there and do nothing. <laughs> Obviously, if you're being attacked first, you have a right to defend yourself and, and hurt the guy who's attacking you. So, Yeah, for all their mismanagement, I mean, it does seem like they made the right decision in that respect in the end that, that the red shirt guy got to stay and the other two guys are 86 either uh, temporarily or permanently. Yeah, I, mean, I would have kicked them permanently if I were in charge oh, of Oh, definitely. But uh, they shouldn't be able to come back. Maybe they were. I don't know if they were or weren't. But uh, interesting video. I suggest you go watch it. Obviously, it's much more interesting to see than to hear on the radio, but uh, I played it anyway, and we are eight minutes away from uh, 
I don't know how punctual she's expecting us to be, this Amanda. And if I, I swear, if I call at nine o'clock after this buildup, she doesn't answer. I'm gonna be so pissed. But uh, <laughs> and well, I'm only saying this not not to go against her, but just to, because we had such a poor record of calling someone who's scheduled to be on and reaching them. But we do. Do you want to wait till eight? Just maybe cover the Jason thing quickly. Or? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the Jason thing. That's actually nine. But yeah, we'll we'll uh, seven, yeah, minutes, seven well. minutes from now. Eight o'clock, we'd be in trouble. We'd be late. But uh, yeah, Jacep, aka John Sepulveda, who scammed people on this site. We've done many segments on this show before about that. We're not going to go over the whole thing again. Uh, he had a whole charity podcast that uh, he stole a lot of the money that was meant to go to charity. He ran a staking for cash games program for himself and didn't actually play poker and just stole all the money. He did a lot of scummy things, lied about it after the fact, had an arrogant attitude through the whole thing disappeared after everyone called him out on it. And then he was found. Two years later, he was found by the resourceful people of this site that I didn't even do it. Other people on the site found him and basically sent him a threat, not a physical threat, but a threat saying, we found people that are in your life now, such as a new girlfriend and a new job you have and things like that, that are not aware of what you did before. And, we are going to make everything known to these people if you don't come back and address what you did. So, of course, he came back as he was scared. And uh, he sent $250 to me immediately upon coming back and uh, agreed to send $200 every two weeks. And he ha- actually has made both payments. He He was supposed to make it every other Wednesday. So first he was supposed to do it on Wednesday, April 29th. He sent it one day early on the 28th, so I got that. And then he was also supposed to do it on May 13th, and he actually sent it two days early on May 11th. So I've received $650 from him so far. He has not missed a payment yet. I don't want to give him all these pats on the back. This is paying money back that he scammed from us more than two years ago and wouldn't have paid back if he wasn't threatened. But, hey, uh, at, at least we're getting money back here, and this we're going to go back to the victims. Uh, I'm holding it for the moment, but none of this is going to personally end up in my hands. Uh, every penny I receive here is going to be distributed to the victims of these scams. I'm just the one holding it for the moment, and uh, of course you guys can trust me that I'm not going to run off with the money. So uh, hopefully he keeps paying. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that I expect that he's going to keep doing this till $12,200 is paid, but hey, look, this was written off years ago as money that was lost to a scam. And uh, any money that we get back here is, is good. And I'm not saying he should be let off. For, if he sends like only a thousand and disappears, that then he needs to be, he needs to be held accountable in whatever way that happens. But I'm just saying that uh, every time we get a payment, that's a small victory for the users in the community of poker fraud alert, who got scammed and thought the money was gone forever. And then now that money is going to be returned to the victims and in whatever way is decided by the victims together, they're going to kind of come up with a plan to get the money, you know, to have me distribute the money and and whatever plan has come up with, I'm going to respect and, and pay out the money in that fashion. So uh, it has been returned. Now, what's my opinion? Do I think that we're going to keep seeing 200 every two weeks? I think this third payment is very encouraging because from what I've seen of these type of things in the past, the first payment is always very eagerly done by someone who wants to prove a point that they've changed and they're going to make things right. Right. 
The second one, sometimes yes, sometimes no. And the third one is infrequent. Usually by the time we get to the third payment, it has stopped or it is being stalled or delayed. The fact that we're getting them not only on time but a bit early shows that, at least to me, that he's done three is now a little more indicative that he's kind of gotten it in his routine to be used to paying $200 to us every two weeks if he thinks it's going to keep the dogs at bay. So now I think it could stop if at some point uh, he feels he doesn't need to anymore, either if he thinks he's moved and gotten away from where we can find him or if the people in his life that he wants to protect from finding out about this stuff are no longer in his life. All these things I think could lead to him disappearing on us, but um, or just he decides to spend the money on other things and make us last priority. But I, I think he knows that everyone here is so angry and so willing to do what they say. Because they will. I mean, I'm not even uh, – these aren't idle threats. So I think he knows everyone is angry and willing to do what they say, that it's worth it to him to keep paying and uh, keep everything in his life from not uh, falling apart. And, and right. obviously this is righteous action on the part of the people who got scammed. Because they're, they're not extorting money. They're, they're saying, give us money back that you stole from us. So that's exactly. And, and it's, it's good that he's, you know, it's good that payments are being made. Like you said, it is encouraging. Um, I'm slightly worried there's like a Salvation Army kettle missing somewhere. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another problem. He could be robbing Peter to pay Paul here, but, uh, um, and obviously if we had evidence of that, we wouldn't be accepting money that got stolen from other sources. But, yeah, he says he has a job now. And uh, uh, I, I think the fact that there is – it's not a large sum of money that's coming in and it's, and it's coming in regularly is, is more of a sign that it's something that he's making at a job rather than large sums he's scamming from people. But who knows? But uh, unfortunately, there's only so much we can do. We can't – Investigate every detail of where where every penny comes from. As long as we don't have evidence that this is coming from scamming other people, then uh, obviously getting back money that he stole from the community is a good thing. So, okay, it's 8.59. Let's uh, give give a call to to Amanda. And, um, in fact, I'm going to quickly introduce this before putting her on the phone. She made a post on 2 plus 2. In fact, uh, let me... Nah, forget it. I was going to tweet she's coming on, but I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to look stupid when she's, she's not there. <laughs> so I'm not, not going to do it. But anyway, she made a post on 2 plus 2, a long post, which I, I won't bother to read because it'll ruin the interview. We're just going to have her tell us in her own words. She's a 22-year-old girl who has moved to Las Vegas with a very, very checkered past. She's someone who ran away from home dating back to when she was 14, uh, got involved with drugs and alcohol, uh, got got arrested, uh, had a lot of different issues that most 22-year-old girls have not had in their life. This is a, a female degenerate and, and someone who has re- – you know, she dropped out of school. Uh, this is really someone who – has had a very tumultuous life. Most of it was her own fault. Most of it was, was her own doing. I'm not going to make excuses for it, but uh, she had a very tumultuous life, and she surprisingly writes very well. You would expect someone who dropped out of school so early and uh, yeah, lived on the streets and, and uh, 
and, and got so much involved in drugs and alcohol. You would expect when they'd post on a site like 2 Plus 2, you'd expect it uh, looks like an illiterate writing. But somehow it actually isn't, and she writes very well for someone who mm-hmm. lacks formal education very much. And she does seem like an intelligent person. And she is trying to break into the poker world now. She's trying, and she is playing poker. She's trying to become a professional poker player in Las Vegas at the age of 22. And, and oddly enough, she feels that Las Vegas is a good place for her to start over and not get heavily involved in drugs and alcohol. <laughs> so, it's like, did you read that story this week? They're having a recovering cocaine addicts convention in Vegas. No. That's a real story. Wow. So, okay. We're going to call her up here and let her tell us in her own words what her story is and what her past is. And then we can find out what she wants her future to be. And I will give my opinion to her and some advice on what I think she has to do to make this reality. Otherwise, I think it's going to end up in a predictable way and not a good predictable way hmm. welcome to any listeners that just joined in now because they didn't want to hear the rest of the show hello, hello. okay I'm glad we actually reached you unless this is a voicemail that's going to trick me in a second uh, <laughs> welcome to yeah. Poker Fraud Alert Radio uh, Amanda aka McGrinding Life and uh, you've brought us some new listeners who are fans of yours already so I thank you for that uh, I'm the one you. I'm the one you were speaking with through Twitter direct messages. I'm Todd Dandruff Wattellis. I've also got Daredevil, our permanent guest host, who's the co-host tonight. And uh, I was hey, very, Amanda. I was very fascinated by your story on Two Plus Two. And uh, you know, it's one thing just to be a, a young, attractive girl who's entering poker, but with your backstory, with everything you've been through in life by this age, I, I thought would make good radio, especially with the audience we have. So I had an interest in in getting you on here. So I, I was going to read your post of 2 plus 2, and I said, you know, wh- why should I go read a post when I have the actual woman here on the phone? Why don't you give us your background, starting from you know what you started from in the post when you were 13 or 14 when you started having these problems? Why don't you tell us your background leading up to where you are now? Well, I would absolutely love to if you could give me one second to buy something from the gas station. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you're in the, you're at, you're at getting gas right now. Uh, do you have zigzag? <laughs> I I knew there was going to be an issue. I knew there's going to be an issue. I, Sorry, I, bad. Yeah, bad timing. I uh, just got out of the. No, I was saying that when we called you at nine, I knew something was going to go wrong because it always happens on this show. <laughs> It always happens on this show. We have a scheduled interview, and there's always some kind of failure. So I, when I when you answered the phone, I couldn't believe it. I was like in shock, and like, oh. Do you have the rolling papers, like the orange pack? The orange pack. Uh oh. I'm sure these are medicinal. Don't worry. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent for tobacco. Do you have like the rolling papers for tobacco? Rolling papers for tobacco. Okay. Yeah, zigzags. Everyone knows zigzags. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, this guy doesn't. 
No, I was, I was, um, I was hoping, I was hoping when she said the orange, though, I thought she was talking about orange Tic Tacs. I was kind of hoping that was the way it was. Yeah, it is Tic Tacs. Uh, uh, can I just have the packet of um, the uh, mango or peach? peach yeah. Oh, she's getting Tic Tacs. I thought she was getting orange, like rolling papers. Yeah, yeah. Peach, peach Tic Tacs, yeah. Oh. <laughs> they should make orange rolling papers. That's a good idea. Yeah, you know what? I actually, I actually have something in common with you. I bought orange Tic Tacs today at the store. I'm not even kidding. For the first time in like months. Is it? Yeah. I like the my, personally my favorite are the the variety flavored ones. Oh no! See, I I can't get into any of them but the orange. The orange is like so much superior over everything else. You know, mm-hmm. like watermelon or fruit punch. No. It's just the orange. I, I try the other ones; they're just not the same as the orange. When it, the first, I, I remember the regular ones that I used to have like back in the in the seventies and eighties, and. Uh, I was like, ah, what's the big deal with these? And I tried the orange. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, no wonder people like Tic Tac so much. Already. Sorry about that. All right. All right. So you have your orange Tic Tacs, and uh, you, you, can keep, you can keep your breath nice and fresh for this uh, interview. Right, right. Don't, wanna, don't, don't want any kind of stinky information coming out. You feel me? Yeah. So uh, not only that, I, 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 I got to quickly say this, too. Uh, I won a World Series of Poker bracelet in 2005. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, brag about this or anything. But uh, I won yeah. a bracelet in 05, and the last thing I did before going to play the final day, and I was even like two minutes late thanks to this, is I stopped at a gas station and bought orange Tic Tacs. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I did. I, I did, and then uh, I actually kept that little Tic Tac case because uh, I, I wondered if that had anything to do with the fact that I won the bracelet. So, okay. Uh, Orange Tic Tacs, you know, they, I have a good memory with those, so I couldn't help but mention that. So, all right. So, are you done Maybe with the I'll, tic- bring my, I'll bring my case to WSOP so I can make sure to win the bracelet. I already painted my nails green, which means I'm going to get rich sometime soon. So, <laughs> okay. <you know. laughs> all right. So, so, i got to pull out all the superstitious stuff. You, you do. No, I, I, you know, I'm actually growing. I, I have uh, more of a beard now than I've ever had before, and I may actually let it keep growing for the World Series, just like baseball players do when they're on a hitting streak or something, even though I haven't won anything yet. So, okay. So, <laughs> so okay. Amanda, tell us about your past now that you're out of the gas station and you have your Tic Tacs. All right. Well, um, my childhood is pretty much just um, – I suppose I kind of started rebelling around the age of like 12, 13. I moved to Baltimore City with my uh, with my mom and my four little sisters. Uh, my mother has lupus, so when I was like 13, she got really sick and she was bedridden a lot. I had like two, three-year-old sisters and then two like eight-year-old sisters. So I kind of wound up having to take the responsibility of raising them and making sure they ate. And at the time, we weren't really like in school. Because my mom didn't want us to go to the city schools. They weren't really, you know, safe or whatever. So she tried homeschooling us. But when she got sick, she wasn't really able to teach us in the way that she was. So after about a year of the homeschooling, we were supposed to, like, go back to real school. And my sisters went back to, well, the older set of twins went back to school. I was enrolled in school, but, like, started skipping and drinking and smoking weed. So, because I didn't really like the school, I was made fun of. I was, like, one of five white kids oh. in my school and kind of counted, you know, the the other minorities as white kids. So I got made fun of a lot, um, wound up skipping, 
kind of getting in with the wrong kind of kids that just kind of uh, perused the streets during during the school hours and got drunk at night and ran away from home. So, you know, you are the company that you keep. So I managed to kind of get into the same habits of, uh, I guess, um, misbehaving and Eventually, uh, it had gotten to the point where my mom had reported me as a runaway so many times that the state took custody of me. From now, now how, how old were uh, you? When, how old were you when the state took custody of you? I was. It was. It was right before, if I remember correctly. And now, like my memory for like these few years is a little foggy. Um, I remember. I think it was uh, in August of. Uh, 2008, if I remember correctly. So it's like seven years, almost seven years ago, and and you're so you're like almost 50, you're around 15 then. Yeah, I was around 14, 15, um, and they had uh, so like they had started, they had told me that I had to go to a six to nine month rehabilitation program for you know the use of drugs and you know running away and not listening, and I then was put into a group home where I was supposed to transition into, like, you know, rehabilitation or, or rehabilitation and transition into a group home. But I ran away from the uh, group home, and then uh, I, like, I was gone for, like, two months, and they, they kind of placed me in several different, like, uh, juvenile rehabs and um, juvenile, like, uh, psychiatric wards and stuff, and uh, I ran away from all those. So it got to a point where when I was, like, 16, they had picked me up, and I was in detention for, like, three months, and, you know, I went and saw my master, and they're like, well, you know, the only place that is going to take you right now is this lockdown psychiatric facility. It has, you know, drug counseling, and you'll go there for that. So they shipped me off over to uh, Good Shepherd, and I spent 10 months in there, and when I uh, finally left there, I went I had interviewed a couple sets of uh, foster parents and the foster parents that I wound up choosing and had also chosen me were some of the most amazing people that I've ever met. Um, And my foster parents and my foster siblings helped a lot with uh, me readjusting to, you know, kind of uh, going for things that are a little bit better than using drugs. Um, My, I had signed up for like, college classes, and then my uh, probation officer suggested that it was better for me to take GED classes, so I took three months of GED classes when I was, like, 17. Um, I had wound up going from foster care into, like, a transitional independent living program, and then from there, I took my GED, but I never got my transcript. What, what do you mean you never got your transcript? Did, did you did you pass the GED test or what what happened? Yeah, no, no I, I passed the GED test. Um, but my you just never got like the physical certificate. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I never got the physical actual certificate. Gotcha. Um, I every time I tried to like mail in the little like you know form or whatever, it's like somehow the mail person would like drop it and get all rained on, and hmm. I wound up actually like paying them fifty dollars for a five dollar transcript. But um. So, so okay. Yeah, from my foster parents, huh? Yeah, so so by seventeen there, so you had your GED, you you found this foster family that helped you 
turn your life around. One question before that, what was prompting you to keep running away from these rehabs and, and resisting getting better for all those years before you found the foster parent? What, what was on your mind as far as why you were doing that? Um, well, like I said, uh, when my mom got sick, I uh, kind of was, well, when I got older and my mom had, she, for a while she was in remission. My mom was diagnosed with lupus when she was 26 and I was six years old. So for like a few years, she was like, her, her disease was like manageable. And then she got like really sick. And when she got, after she had my baby sister, she like almost died from having them because she wasn't supposed to have any more kids. So then, like, I was kind of, like, you know, in this spot where I had to take care of, like, my little sisters who, like, almost killed my mom. And I was, like, young and didn't really understand. Like, you know, I kind of saw it a lot differently when I was younger. So I kind of ran away from, like, having to deal with, like, the problems of, like, you know, I, I couldn't really, like, handle emotionally. Mm-hmm. I guess that. that. So I, I've always really ran away from my problems um, in the past as I was younger. I didn't really have too many people to like run to and you know get advice or whatever. So, so, so then you, the, yeah. So you got involved with this foster family and they they helped you uh, turn things around. So you, you got the GED and then uh, and and then what did you do? You were around seventeen. What did you do next? Um, when I was seventeen, I went into independent living. And when I transitioned into independent living, I got my very first job at uh, about three weeks in. Uh, into living on my own. I got a job at Five Guys. Uh, and within, you know, I worked at Five Guys for seven months. Um, I wound up working in two different, two, at two different store locations. I had gotten a raise and a promotion within three months of working there because I kind of made sure that I dedicated myself to my first job. I was all enthusiastic about, you know, being back out into the real world and being a productive member of society. Like, you know, that was, that was, uh, you know, goal of mine. So then I wound up, uh, the people that I worked with wound up being, you know, college age kids that like to go party. And I wound up working 55 hours a week and just getting shit faced between shifts. So, um, eventually that led to me kind of saying something that I shouldn't have said and getting fired. Uh, and then I kind of worked, I worked as a catering, worked for UPS, then I worked for catering, and then I got a job at a car parts warehouse through my friend that I've been friends with since I was like 15. Yeah. Um, actually. And, and did that work and out worked, or did that also uh, end because of the drinking? Oh, no, that job, um... That's how I have for two and a half years, aside from a small hiatus that I had taken to, I was supposed to be going to go to school, but wound up moving in with my dad and kind of being like a, uh, working like three jobs instead of going to school. So I wound up um, leaving there and going back to my previous job after uh, getting pretty sick from working at a uh, pet shop. So, so how long how long were you drinking until you, you mentioned in your post that you're you're a recently recovering alcoholic? How how long were you drinking very actively? I've been drinking, binge drinking, and um, you know just a, like ridiculous amounts of alcohol since I was like twelve. 
but, but the first like, time I had alcohol poison, and I was twelve, collapsed. and like what? I've had it quite a few times since then. When, when, uh, did, the when did you stop damage, though? When, when did you stop uh, drinking, or have you stopped? Uh, currently, I have not had a drink since Wednesday. Um, <laughs> since Wednesday, okay. <laughs> I last summer after the series. I, Around, I think, like, you know, a week or so after my birthday, uh, I wound up getting into an argument with my mom, and she, like, punched me in the face a couple times, and I was like, well, you know what, maybe I need to stop drinking, so I quit drinking for a few months until I went to Biloxi and Mississippi for the WSOPC. Was that this year? I wound up having a few drinks down there. This year? kind of... Huh? Was that 2015? Yeah, that's... uh, Last September. Last in September. Okay. So, all right. So, so uh, now you said it's been uh, six days since you last had a drink. Uh, were you drinking heavily up till six days ago, or, or was it has it moderated since then? What what was going on up until six days ago? Well, it's not that I drink heavily. It's that when I drink, I drink a lot. So I could go two weeks without drinking, but then I drink and I drink a hot, like you know, like four hundred vodka Red Bulls, and it's just as bad as drinking every day. Okay. Right, binge drinking. Yeah. All right. So, right. so so here you are currently in Vegas. Now, what made you want? To, when did you come to Vegas, and what made you want to come to Las Vegas? Um, I moved to Vegas uh, March fourth of this year. Okay. Uh, I've been out here for Valentine's Day a couple weeks before I moved out here. I came out here for about a week. Um, the reason I moved out here is for poker. I mean. Uh, idealistically, any kind of grinder would want to be grinding the games out here. There's way more games to select from, so it'd be a lot more likely for me to find a game that I can beat out here than it would be back in L.A. You think it's easier to find a game here than in L.A.? Because L.A. has the Commerce, which is actually the the largest live poker room in the world. Uh, Yeah, I run like shit. I run like shit in that poker room. Okay, so 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 you were struggling. Yeah, you know, believe it or not, I, I actually can understand that. Uh, uh, you, you, people can laugh and say, you know, why does it matter where you're playing? Uh, you're just making excuses, but you actually can struggle in, in one place and not in, in the other. Sometimes based upon the the game type and the players that are typically there, or sometimes even your table image. If you if you're seen as losing too much. People can play you differently that you have a hard time adjusting to. So sometimes it is better to get a change in scenery. Sometimes just also psychologically. So I I, I don't question that so much. Uh, so so in, in March you came out to Las Vegas and and stayed. And uh, so so are your plans in Las Vegas to be a professional poker player or or do you have a job at the moment? Uh, those are my plans. Um, uh, when I first got out here, I had gotten a job at the Oxygen Bar. And over the last two years of being unemployed, I've periodically picked up, like, odd jobs here and there, like, um, pretty much, like, 1099 jobs, and I've quit everyone because I have not been able to stand any of them for, like, more than a week. Now, what is a 1099 job? What is it? It's a contractor. You're a private contractor. You're being okay. hired a private contractor. So, like, kind of temporary is the idea. Yeah. So, yeah, so, like, uh, you what? What do you fill out? Is uh, they're like W fours or whatever. So, so or, you're you're attempting to uh, so so your plan in Vegas at this point is to support yourself playing poker. Is that true? That's the uh, goal. Yeah. 
Okay. And uh, and have you been playing regularly in Vegas since March? Uh, I have not. Um, since being in Vegas, uh, I've not really been able to build the uh, bankroll. I've been more focused on making sure I got food in my belly. So play, putting hours on the tel- on the on the table has been um, not the easiest task. Okay, so uh, to be honest, so okay, so so what are you hoping to happen there? You you always have to. Uh... You kind of have a plan of what you're going to do. What What are you hoping to see happen here? You, obviously, if you don't have regular employment, it is hard to start out with a bankroll. And actually, you know, starting out with a bankroll is actually very important. Uh, I actually personally did not start playing poker until I was almost 29. Uh, just that, that's kind of when I found poker, and I had been working a regular job for a number of years by that point. And because I'm a cheap Jew, I had actually saved a lot of money, and and therefore already had a bankroll by the time I started playing, just, just from saving for my job. So for me, that was never an issue. But I, I know if you're young and, and you don't have much money, uh, starting to play and having to worry where if you run a few bad sessions, you, you bust and that, that's it. Uh, it. It's very stressful and sometimes hard to play your A game. So so the reason I'm bringing this up, what is your plan here? Are you hoping that somebody stakes you or are you hoping you can just make enough money to get a roll or that maybe you could uh, just run it up uh, from a, a you know a few good lucky sessions, then build a role that way. What are you looking to have happen here? Uh, well, currently my plan for poker is uh, I'll probably wind up going back to LA to grind for a little bit uh, before the WSOP. I have credit in several um, of the home games back then, so I don't necessarily need a bankroll to build one. Uh, I also have a, a friend of mine that offered to back me in the games for WSOP, but I'm not really sure if it's going to happen or not so going back to uh, talk to him about that I'm sorry go on I, th- mm-hmm. I thought you were done go on no I prefer to be able to build a role and back myself but um, I won't be able to do that for WSAP I'm not really outwardly looking for a backer but I don't really accept backing from people that I don't know personally Really? So, 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 like, if some listener of this show uh, texts me and says, "Hey, you know, this, this girl seems pretty cool. I want to support what she's doing. Uh, I'm willing to back her in the two-five game at Bellagio." You, you'd say no. Um, I mean, I don't really know if because playing on somebody else's money is not something that I personally take lightly. So. Like, if I don't know them and I've never met them, then I don't know how it's going to be handled afterwards. And just knowing how uh, the people in back in L.A. were about money, I'm not really trying to owe people I don't know money. I see. Now, speaking of people you know and don't know, uh, I know it's been discussed on 2 Plus 2 that uh, you have befriended Alan Kessler, who is uh, a pretty <laughs> well-known person in the these uh, – Poker circles, especially on the forums, uh, love Alan Kessler for various reasons. So are you good friends with Alan Kessler, and is he the one who's saying that uh, he's willing to back you? Um, no, Alan Kessler is not backing me. I actually, after I saw that uh, that mention of him, I hit him up and let him know. Uh, Alan Kessler and I met last summer uh, through the guy that I was living with, it was friends with him, and introduced me. But um, more so, I was uh, the reason that 
the only reason that we really talked, we talked about uh, progressive spot betting and um, oh. on a draw dot com. Uh-huh. And on a draw dot com is uh, a friend's uh, poker gear comp of friends that we are designing personal chainsaw shirts for uh, Alan Cutler. So we were walking, or we were working together and talking and discussing that. But I mean, aside from that, I don't know Alan too well. Um, aside from <laughs> communicating over yeah. the social media and meeting him like once last year. Yeah, someone in the chat room they they said if you're backed by Alan Kessler, it probably means he's going to want to be eating mashed potatoes off your tits. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm pretty sure that I definitely missed that. Okay, so so you know. <laughs> Uh, when what's interesting here is let's say you're just some random dude who just shows up and says, Hey, you know, I've had a hard life. I had some issues with drugs and alcohol as a kid and I'm trying to make it in poker in Las Vegas. I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping I can get a bankroll together, blah, blah, blah. Like if that per, I know you're not, you're saying you're not asking for anyone to back you or stake you, which is good. But, uh, if, if that person was asking for that, just some random guy, he'd be laughed off the forums. Like no one would step forward and do it because there's there's a million guys out there like that that uh, that are broke and that are, want to get a started poker and and nobody cares. Uh, when you're a young attractive girl, then it's a different story. Because there are yeah, it's a different story. Like today, when somebody was like, "Hey, come live to Mexico and I'll back you on poker stars," I'm like, I feel like that's how people get kidnapped. Really? Was yeah. this was this guy's name? Was, yeah, was this guy's name Marty by any chance? What? Was his name Marty? Uh, no, I don't believe it. Okay, Marty. okay. We we know someone who does live in Mexico and that uh, probably wouldn't mind you living with him, but. Look, uh, it, definitely, if uh, you know, with you being a, a young girl who is has a limited bankroll and wants to get into poker, there's a bunch of guys you know who read the two plus two forums or just hear of you in some way or who are listening to this show. There's a lot of really uh, sex-starved and desperate guys out there in the poker world who, uh, if they think that backing a girl is what will get into her pants, then they will do it. And there's, you know, in fact, there were girls in the poker world who took advantage of this in the past who, not that many, there's actually surprisingly few, but there were some that realized that there were a lot of desperate guys out there with a lot more money than sense and, and that they could take advantage of them. So, uh, so you definitely would have no trouble finding uh, guys to keep backing you, uh, regardless of your results being good or bad. Uh, I, I'm sure you've been approached by more than just this guy in Mexico, and if you haven't, it'll definitely start happening. So, ha- have you been approached by a number of guys who who want to help you, supposedly? Um, I really don't pay it any mind. Like, I've been approached for several things, and I've kind of just like brushed them all off because, like I said, I don't really talk. I don't even like talk. It, the set itself is difficult for me to talk about my poker. Because I know, like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, well, why doesn't she share about blah, blah, blah. And honestly, like, I'm not too great at transcribing and articulating, like, the way that I play poker or, like, my feelings about poker. So, I mean, really not trying to involve myself with a bunch of strangers that want to give me money, like I said. 
Okay, but uh, so so now let's say you get in a situation here though where you just can't get it going. You you can't win consistently enough, or your bankroll's not big enough to withstand the swings, and and you just can't make it happen where you can be a professional poker player supporting yourself. But you see on the other side that there are a number of guys that that want to back you and you know they probably want to back you not just because they're nice or or see a promising poker player but because you're female and they're attracted to you uh would you consider accepting it from them at that point or is this like an absolute hard no you're never going to accept money from guys that uh that might want to back you with ulterior motives i will not i will not accept money from anybody that wants to back me with ulterior motives that's just a dead no well what what, is offering coaching and a possible backing and like the uh like the arrangement that i'm discussing with a friend of mine back in la then that's a completely different story but i'm not trying to deal with the emotional stress and the the pose of politics within the you know like expectations of being backed by people with ulterior motives. Yeah, the, the problem is it's a little hard to tell sometimes. Like, it would be nice if the guy just came forward and said, hey, I'm hoping to have sex with you one day. How would I back you? Uh, a, a lot of them are not going to do that. A lot of them are just going to say, hey, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to help out here. And then they seem really, really nice, and they don't seem like they're expecting anything. And then um, one day the other shoe drops and you realize that they've been expecting something the whole time or kind of just waiting for the right moment to, you know, where they think you feel close enough to them. So, uh, that's why, like, like if I were seeking backing, I I would know that nobody's backing me because they're hoping to get in my pants. I know there's like no chance of that, but, uh, when, when you're a girl, especially a young girl, like that's always on one hand, you have a lot more opportunity for that. And also if you could somehow catch on to a sponsorship in some way, which is a lot harder these days than it used to be, but, but you have a a much bigger advantage in getting that type of thing easily over a guy. But at the same time, when someone backs you, uh, you can never be sure of why they're doing it. So that's, that's one pitfall and that, uh, but it can be tough. So you mentioned though, there's a guy in LA that, that, is considering uh, like doing a coaching thing and a, and a staking thing. Yeah, yeah. And- uh, the guy that the game that I hosted at that was the game that I got into poker. The host that I used to work for is the guy who's kind of like watched me, I guess, grow up playing, like grow up in the poker scene. Um, so he, I mean, he watched me from you know not knowing what any two cards meant. And just going all in because it was fun to actually being able to sit down in this five-five PLO game and crush everybody in the game. Okay, so, so and, and w- yeah, where, where were you hosting? Was this in LA? Hostessing, like you know, uh, the cocktail waitresses in the private home game. Yeah, but was this in LA? Yeah. Okay, so I was at one of them once, like. Uh, I went to one of these private games. I usually had no need to go to them because there's there's the commerce in L.A. and uh, I really don't feel a need to go to those games. I, I went to one once, and what I noticed there is the players were really bad, but at the same time the rake yeah. was the rake was just so outrageous. When I saw them drop yeah, a gr- yeah, when they dropped a green chip out of my pot, I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" So I, I just like stood up and cashed out. I, cu- I couldn't believe it. Like they're raking twenty five dollars from me. I couldn't believe it. So like I just I just stood up and left. But uh, um, so, so as a hostess, you were, you weren't like dealing or anything. You were just there to, to greet people and, uh, make them feel comfortable in the game. So, well, initially when I started into the home poker game scene, um, I was just a hostess and then I started like kind of feeling, then I started helping the host games and then 
you know, starting a few games, I stopped in a bunch of games. Like I, it's it's kind of like a whole different like little world, separate from like you know uh, mainstream poker, I guess. <laughs> I see. So you just. But, yeah. And so you went from kind of like hosting there to, to propping and then you, you started playing more and more. And so, so one of the people who was running the games uh, is now offering to, to coach you and to back you in some games in L.A. Yep. Okay. We kind of had a falling out, but, um, you know, it was for, for several things last year before I uh, came out to the series. And he's been... He's actually somebody who has, like, offered to, like, back me, like, several times, but is, like, one of those people who just, like, kind of never gets around to it. <laughs> well, so are are you – do you think there's any possibility that he's offering these things, though, like like hoping that uh, something happens between the two of you? Not even a little bit. All right. Huh. No, because I'm pretty sure my uh, – somebody would kill him if he tried to. <laughs> who would kill him? <laughs> Who would I'm kill- kidding. It's uh, definitely I, a joke. All right. I mean, if, you, I mean, if you're sure, I, I'm just uh, – I, I always think of uh, – just from my knowledge, I've been part of the poker community for 14 and a half years. And, and, and I, I've witnessed a lot of things. And if just in general, there's something I've noticed is that usually when someone does something nice for someone else, there's always something they believe they're going to gain in some way. And – uh, you mean expectations? And, and, feel that people like give with expectations. Yes, or, or, yeah. either expectations or just uh, like hoping something occurs on its own. Like they, this will get their foot in the door or whatever. And like, a, I, I've just noticed that uh, you always have to be aware. I even worry about this sometimes when uh, you know people do favors for me, and I've even been burned before, where you know they're not doing this for any kind of sexual favors, but. Uh, where people will be overly nice to me and offer me things, and then I find out later that they're doing this so they can scam and then tell people that they're my friend. And they say, okay, you know, Todd is trusted. Todd is someone who, who's known as being, you know, someone who calls out scammers and, and fraudsters. And so if they say they're my friend, it gives them credibility. So that's why they're, they're doing so many nice things for me. So I say nice things about them, and then they scam people. And I've had this happen a few times. So now, so now whenever people come out of nowhere and say, hey, I like your radio show. I want to do such and such nice thing for you, uh, I, I sometimes get a little nervous about it, just thinking that, you know, why are they doing this? I'm thinking, is it because they like this show? Or, and just want to you do don't s- think that's paranoia? <laughs> oh, it, 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 it isn't because I, I have real life examples where this actually occurred, where they really were doing something nice to get something later. In this case, it was to use my name for credibility. So uh, now if I were a pretty young girl, I'd really be worried every time someone wanted to be nice to me. I, I really. Well, well uh, in my blog, I, or in the thread or whatever you want to call it, uh, I posted about not being able to control the actions of others, but I control the actions that I take and the choices that I make for myself. So I can't really, like, I feel that if I were to worry about every person who was trying to stab me in the back or had an ulterior motive or, like, you know, just wanted something from me and that's the only reason that they were helping me, I mean, I can't really, like, sit there and worry about it all the time because if I did, then I'd probably be a lot more crazy than I already am. Okay. So I kind of, like... You know, honestly, it's like uh, Confucius said that you must like have faith in humanity when there is one. So that's like kind of like trusting people with, you know, the hope that no, they're not going to stop you in the back. Although it's, it will happen, it doesn't necessarily have to. Okay, so so you're taking a, a trusting, basically a trusting attitude as as much as you can. 
now, how are you going to prevent issues with alcohol or drugs from recurring and torpedoing your poker career? Because I've known some excellent poker players, who some very talented people in poker, who if they didn't get involved with uh, drugs and heavy alcohol use, that they would have crushed it and instead went broke and had a lot of other bad things happen because they couldn't control that side of their life. Uh, in fact, uh, a lot of us come from a site called Never Win Poker, which really doesn't exist much anymore. Uh, the Never Win of Never Win Poker, a guy named Dustin Wolf, he was a very good player who really harmed his own life from substance abuse, and he'll be the first to admit that. So how do you plan to keep that, and, and have you stopped, have you committed to stop getting involved with, with drugs and alcohol, or, or do you think this is still going to remain part of your life at all? Um, well, I feel like to put an expectation of perfection on myself with maintaining something that is, like, difficult as, like, complete sobriety would just be kind of, like, you know, counting myself out before I ever gave myself a chance. So I'm more so focused on, like, you know, the day-to-day, like, the just-for-today shit, that cliche. So um, when I think about the possibility of me getting high again, I know that it's out there. Uh, Getting drunk again, it's definitely out there. Uh, But to worry about doing it, to worry about making the mistake, is going to give me, it's going to bring more opportunity to make that mistake because it's more, like, I'm focused on it. So I try not to focus on it. And when it comes to poker and getting high, like, and drinking, like, I was way worse when I started playing poker. And then in order to get better at poker, I had to stop getting fucked up so much. So, like, over the last few years, I went from, like, doing everything to, like, I just smoke weed. Um, and sometimes, you know, I drink. And, yeah, when I drink, I'm fucking full. So, like, I try not to drink. Um but I really don't, like, as long as I'm not doing, like, hard drugs and I'm not fucking people over and I'm not stealing and I'm not, like, you know, committing crimes. And I feel like I'm doing a lot better than I was. So I can't really, you know, get down on myself if I have a drink or if I want to smoke a blunt. Like, I feel like that's an unrealist, unrealistic expectation of myself that just kind of, like, when I do fuck up, it just sends me down, like, that path of saying, well, fuck it. I already fucked up, so I might as well just like keep fucking up. All right. So I mean, I I I think that's an interesting way to look at it. Unfortunately, I've heard answers like this before, and and it it didn't end well. Where the person ends up uh, just saying, "Well, you know, I can handle doing a little of this," and then it just gets more and more and more and more, and then uh, you know, one day it becomes a big problem again. So I, I hope that. Well, everything could be a big problem. Like, I mean, you you can't worry about, you know, what it's going to feel like the next time you get evicted. Like, you're not going to expect to get evicted, right? Yeah, but just in life, basically with anything in life, and I know know this, I've I've been around forever. I'm 43 years old. Uh, It just, anything you've got to try to lower the chances of bad things happening. You can never be sure that a bad thing won't happen tomorrow, but but you got to try to bring the chances down to that. Otherwise, uh, once there's a high chance that something can go wrong, then it, it, it usually does. That's just that's just what I'm concerned with. But uh, it, my next question here is, since the poker world is, is mostly guys, and uh, like the, the main event, for example, I think is like 97% men, uh, would you consider dating a guy who's a poker player, or do you not want to do that? 
<laughs> what is that? I don't know. Gig, 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 I mean, yes, 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 yes. I don't know. So, would you or would you not? Pass. Pass. Okay. Is that saying that you might be dating someone right now? Like, are are you single right now? Let me ask that question. I don't. I don't even know if I should answer that question. <laughs> Why is it so hard to answer? Uh, I am in a committed relationship to my right hand right now. So uh, oh, it's pretty serious. You know, we never argue. Like, <laughs> All right. I, I just... Like, she plays poker, too, so, you know, it's a perfect match. I see. Well, I'm just I, – I think a lot of people are wondering this. They're They're wondering – like, people are kind of wondering, listening to this, if they fast forward a year from now in May 2016 and say what what happened to this girl Amanda that we had on the show, and uh, and, and where will it be and, and will there be a number of stories she did this guy and this guy and this guy or 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 uh, you know a number of dudes backed her you know hoping for more and it didn't oh, happen or did happen or 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 she got too involved in, in the the drugs and alcohol and it uh, ruined everything and she went back to Baltimore like a like. And that's actually a good question. If things don't work out with the whole attempt to play poker, are you going to stay in Vegas or are you going to return to Baltimore or somewhere else that you're more familiar with? Um, well, regardless of things work out, like, you live in here, like, you know, I've actually contemplated moving, contemplated moving out of the country if I do well this summer. Um, I might, if I don't do well, then I'd probably wind up going back to California, possibly San Diego. Um, I will not go back to Baltimore. I love my city very, very, very much, but it is not a good environment for me. I know way too many people um, that do not like me, so I tend to stay away from that negativity if possible. Okay, so you're not going back to Baltimore. Why San Diego? Do you know people in San Diego? San Diego is beautiful. Have you ever been there? I've I've been there a lot. I don't live far from there, but... uh... I'm just wondering, yeah, you know, just what reason was for choosing it? Does you like the weather over there? You like the way it looks? Like, what's what's what about San Diego in particular would send you over there? It's really close to Tijuana. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then I could just like drive to Mexico to play online. Okay. You know so, I mean? <laughs> all right. So, so you might move to San Diego, but but you know, if the I, whole poker thing didn't work out, then. Yeah, well, no, the poker thing is like, you know, it's never going to not be part of my life. If I don't go pro, then, like, I'm always going to, like, be playing poker. It's not, it's not something, it's something that's so ingrained in just, like, my everyday, like, what I eat, sleep, and, like, dream about that just, there's not a question of if, like, I'm going to be a poker player, like, five years from now. Of course I will be. Am I going to be a good one? No, I might be a fucking drunken one, right? I might be the shoe shiner at Commerce. Like, you know, that might be me. Or I might be crushing it, like, you know, Vanessa Self and, like, you know, or, like, 20 years later, like, Jen Harmon. So, you know, I got, okay. I have all the unlimited possibilities. Now, have, no, be part of my life now have, have you uh, ever considered, and I'm not suggesting this, I'm just asking if you considered it, uh, while you're in Vegas, if you needed money for a bankroll to go in a profession like, like, uh, being a cocktail waitress or, or even being a stripper or something like that. Have you considered those or you said that you're never going to do them? I've seriously con- 
considered being a party pit dealer, like for blackjack, and then I could get like you know I could pretend to be a DJ and like you know pretend that's me, you know playing blackjack or whatever to get my fix. Because <laughs> I'm also staying out of the pits and off of video poker. So a party pit dealer, so, you're talking um, about like like a, like the dealers who who dress up as something or whatever. Like like what is a party yeah. pit dealer? Yeah, the ones that wear all those like skimpy outfits. Oh, I see. Yeah, like Planet Hollywood, that kind of. Thing. I see, but that's, that's like as far as you go. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go work at a strip club or something. You know, they, like dancing on stage is like I've danced before, but like it's a lot of uh, it takes a lot of um, like uh, I guess stamina to like dance and like walk around in heels all night. So no, I don't really ever see myself being a stripper. So, so wait, so you actually were in the past? You actually were. Working a strip club in the past? Um, I've worked at a couple clubs, uh, temporarily. Like when I was back in Baltimore, when I turned eighteen, because huh. I would work, I would dance on the weekends. Like one of my best friends uh, was a manager at one of the clubs downtown. So I see. I would work on the weekends and then work like the nine to five at the car parts warehouse. Okay, and uh, by the way, I, a little tip coming from the chat room. JSTAT says that uh, at the El Cortez downtown, they really will hire blackjack dealers pretty quickly. So if, if you really want to do that, I, I don't think they have like a party pit there or anything, but uh, if you really want to do that, you could probably get a job quickly there, according to JSTAT. But, uh, Ask them, do I got to, like, pass one of those, uh, like, you know, tests that say I don't do I, I don't know. I, I, I've never looked into it myself, but that JSTAT in the chat room saying the El Cortez, they hire pretty quickly. So you may want to. Any, anybody, does anybody know about, like, the casino center, like, temp, temp agency or whatever? Have you ever heard of that? No. Like, casino job center, like a temp agency for dealers. I mean, there probably there probably is one. I, I've never looked into the ad end of it because I've I've never needed one of those type of jobs nor nor wanted one. So uh, I've never right. researched it. But I, I have to imagine something like that exists. Like for example, for the World Series, uh, they have to hire thousands of dealers. In fact, if you think about this Colossus event coming up, that's going to have oh, yeah. you know thirteen thousand people or whatever it gets, they're going to need an obscene number of dealers just for that itself. So. Uh, they must be getting them all from somewhere. Is that the over under thirteen thousand? Yeah. By the way, uh, S double from the chat asked if uh, when you worked uh, as a dancer in Baltimore, did you work at a place called? Uh, did, he asked, did you work on the block in Baltimore? I don't know what that means, but he's asking that. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> what is the block? I, I I don't understand that reference. The, the block is West Baltimore Street one. Street over from uh, City Hall. Uh, it's where all the strip clubs are, and then like the police station is like right at the bottom of the street. Like so, like all the drug dealers stay on the street, and like that's where all the cops and the drug dealers and the hookers walk on the block. <laughs> so, so you, so you never actually worked there, though. Um. Or you did. I mean, a bit. Yeah. I like that's uh like my home, yeah. Oh, so that's where you work. And and uh, he asked if you know a person named Marilyn Dave. Marilyn Dave. Maryland Dave, like the state of Maryland, then Dave. Oh, Baltimore Dave. 
I guess there's too many Daves there that are named after a city or state. I, mean, uh, I, I don't know but any person named like that, L.A. Dave or Las Vegas Dave, but apparently over there that's common. I don't know. No, because uh, I do know like a Baltimore Dave from uh, L.A. Okay. Do you know what uh, Jimmy McNulty? And who? Jimmy McNulty. He's a cop in uh, Baltimore. No, I don't. Oh, okay. No. Okay. All right. So, uh, so basically, to, to answer the question, if you with poker, if if you're not making consistent money there, uh, you, you wouldn't want to go back to one of these uh, these dancing jobs. You really only want to get like a, a blackjack dealing job. Is that what you're saying? I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out when, whenever you go. Let me tell you a little bit. Uh, I'm going to bore the audience with a story I've told before. But uh, 12 years ago, I quit my job and went to be a professional poker player. And and uh, yes, I had a good bankroll at the time, so I didn't have to panic if it didn't work. But I I still thought, okay, I'm going to try this for a few months, and if I fail. And if I just seem to be losing or spinning my wheels and, and not making anything, then then in six months I'm going to start applying for jobs again. So I gave it six months basically, and, and fortunately I did well and I continued and I haven't gone back. But I, I still had the plan that if it did not work out, I was going to what I was going to do to make money after that. So I'm just, have you thought of that, or, or are you just kind of just living for I the moment have, here? I always have a plan. Always. You always have. So so what is that plan then? Um, well, usually I don't think about the plan until I have to, like, enact the plan, because, like I said, that whole uh, not worrying about shit that didn't happen yet. Very, so like, really uh, living in the like, moment, Thomas. Yeah, and I'm really good under pressure, so, like, you know, generally, like, I'm pretty good at taking care of myself. Uh, okay, no, so, I... Like, I just know somebody. I know somebody who always seemed to, whenever he got his back against the wall, always seemed to get out of it in some way, and and then at least semi succeed for a while. But but now that person is uh, is stuck in Antigua with charges against him. So, do you know who I'm talking about? Do I? Know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, th- I thought you were saying that because you know knew the person. All right. So. Anyway, no, I was serious about that, though. That, that particular person was uh, – it was amazing to me how many times he was really in bad shape in some way and then rebounded and recovered. But uh, you know, eventually, I, I think if you don't have enough of an eye on the future, sometimes surprising things can happen and then, and then you're stuck. So I, I, I just don't want to see that happen. I don't want to um, – I, I know on the 2 plus 2 thread, people kept comparing you to, to Brandy Hawbaker. Who, uh, yeah. Um, we knew. You know, I met Brandy, and I I knew her somewhat. I, I was never that close to her. Uh, a, a former co-host of this show was very close to her. In fact, he was uh, her boyfriend for a while. I was just advised not to come on your radio show. But who told you not to come oh, on the really? show? This is <laughs> who told you not to come on here. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna add anybody. You know, I, I had a feeling this might happen. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But... No, 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 no. This is more interesting. That, that I, I want to know who's telling you not to come on here. I actually thought it might happen, though. I, I thought, is this someone you yeah. knew, or just, or just like some random? Uh, not somebody I like really know. I just looked at my, uh, 
Okay. Yeah. No, no, I was like, I was kind of like stressed out about it prior. Anyway. You you were a little stressed about coming on this show. I thought it was No, no, there's nothing to be stressed about. No, here. no, no. no you know what? This guy's first name David, by the way. <laughs> Everybody's first name's Dave. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Uh-huh. Now, uh, <laughs> there, there's a lot of people. I shouldn't say a lot, but there's some people who don't like me or this show because uh, negative things have been said about them because of negative things that they've done uh, on this show. Uh, basically, when something happens in poker that that isn't right, or someone does something shady, or uh, or whatever, I, I call them out, and I I'm not afraid to do it, and and I come out here on this show, and I and I don't care who's going to like me or dislike me. So uh, unfortunately, th- they can develop some enemies here, who then try to sabotage whatever we're doing. So it, I actually was thinking like. If I announced that you're coming on, I almost didn't announce you were coming because I was afraid someone was going to PM you and convince you not to come on, like something bad's going to happen. I, I can guarantee, though, you, know, you have nothing to worry about. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm harmless. I, I don't have any kind of ill motives here in any way. And uh, what was their reasoning? If you, I know you don't want to say who it is. What was their reasoning for why you shouldn't come on? What were they claiming was going to happen? Oh, no. Uh, it was just, uh, they said they listened to 10 minutes and it was horrible. <laughs> well, okay. I, that's a better reason, at least. At least at least it wasn't someone who hates me already. No, actually, at the, at the beginning of the show, we spent like 48 minutes talking about what we were going to talk about. So that's probably what bothered them. <laughs> but that's Good. because the show I goes... Watched, I, watched, I was watching uh, Furious 7. Have you seen that movie yet? What movie? Furious 7, Furious no. Furious 7? No. No, oh, you got to see it, man. And they blew, they blew shit up like the whole two, two and a half hours. Like that's all that was just like blew shit up. Well, I, I've, I've got to thank the cast of Furious Seven for distracting you enough from these <laughs> negative tweets to uh, keep you coming on here. But uh, you know, even if the show sucks, that's that doesn't really harm you if you come on it. Like like, uh, I I was yeah, afraid they were. Yeah, no, no. I didn't think so. I I was afraid that they were. Warning you like something bad was going to happen, but you know there there are some haters of of me you know, in this show. You know the poker fraud alert kind of like threw a red flag with my roommate. He was like, uh, "So you're a fraud? What happened?" No, no. See, this is a a free form show. As I, as I mentioned to you when we were discussing about you appearing on here, uh, um, this show will do a whole lot of things. It's mainly to talk about like scams and scandals in the poker community, but I also talk about just general poker and gambling news and, and any, really anyone who seems like they're an interesting character in poker or that's a current story. Uh, I'll either talk about them or hopefully have them on so I can talk to them. But, uh, but if something's happening, I, I'll definitely talk about it and, and I'll always give my true opinion and I'll always uh, tell people what I really think. And, and we try to cover anything in this world that's happening, this you know, little poker community that uh, is of interest and that the audience, I think, should know about. So, so, what's, so what's your opinion of me? <laughs> yeah. oh, you're putting me out. You know, this is kind of like, uh, you know, when a girl comes up to you and says, does this make my ass look big? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then especially these days, you don't know what to answer. But these days, it, it's actually good to have a big ass. So, so now you're supposed to say yes, I think. I think if you say no, it doesn't make your ass right? look big. Then they say, oh, what, my ass right. looks too small? You don't think my ass is like Kim Kardashian's? 
So <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned uh, that uh, you don't have enough of a plan as far as uh, what you're going to do as a contingency plan when, when certain things don't work out, or if certain things don't work out, like what you do if this happens, then you do this. If you don't do that, I'm afraid you can run into trouble. And and that's what I'm a little concerned. I'm also a little concerned that maybe uh, you know, substance abuse problems can return. And I, I hope I hope that they don't. You know, I, I want to see you succeed with this whole thing that you're trying to do, especially after everything that you've you've been through there. And and I I have to say that the reason you got into the trouble as a teenager is it's understandable versus someone who just kind of I I've known people who are in the nicest families with with parents that are are very attentive and and give them everything they can imagine and then they just want to rebel for the sake of rebelling it seems like with you you had a very hard life and and were almost becoming the mother because your mother was sick and unable to do it and and as a 13 year old this became very very stressful where you kind of just cracked and and wanted away from it because no no other 13 year old girl is put in these situations to have to uh they have that kind of serious responsibility. So I, I can see how that weighed a lot on, on the mind of, of a young girl like that and how it could kind of make you crack and want to make you escape from it. So that's like I, I can see how that happened. And I, I'm glad that you're trying to you know turn around from that and not let that define the rest of your life. Some people you know get into that as a teenager and they never recover from it. And, and their whole life is one series of disaster after another. Uh, I'm, I'm, I saw a lot of positivity in your message there when you know, you're posting on the 2 plus 2 thread that, that you're really trying to make things work and, and leave all that in the past behind you. Uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that in the implementation side that you can actually – you have a, a legitimate plan to make that happen. Now, now Alan Kessler, what, what has he commented on any of this? How does he – feel about like what you're doing and what your plan is and everything like that uh i have not discussed it with alan Kessler. oh you haven't i'm surprised you see he always likes to offer he likes to offer his opinion about these types of things he'll just like blurt it out at you but maybe he hasn't yeah he doesn't really blurt at me i guess you know because we're like besties lol uh, just kidding <laughs> <laughs> You know, if if you play your cards right, uh, you might be able to get some food vouchers out of Alan if you're hungry in Vegas. There, <laughs> he has. A, I got I, I got the WSAP food vouchers unlocked. Right? No, you know who actually has them. Go no, you know who really has them on lockdown is me. I actually uh, because I have a media oh, pass. Yeah, how you doing? How you doing? You want to go get some Starbucks? Yeah, no. I, I listen. I have a media pass. <laughs> I have a media pass, and I am I am uh, Rio rich with food. I, I mean, every every day they drop ten bucks in my pocket that I can spend on food there, and uh, and believe me, I, and, and I can combine them. So like, if I if I don't eat at the Rio on a given day, then the next day I can spend twenty, and if I don't spend that, I can spend thirty the next day. So like these these can really add up. And so you know, you right. what you need to can do you is sell them like food stamps. What? Can you sell them like food stamps? Can you sell them like food stamps? Yeah, I probably should. I should probably stand in the line at the. WSOP poker kitchen and sell my vouchers on like yeah eight for like eighty percent of the value. But but no, I, I actually use every little bit of them though. Like if, if I were to leave town without using every single WSOP media voucher, I, I would feel like I'm cheating myself. So I think what you need to do is like cozy up with a media person, which probably isn't that hard. And uh 
and, and then you, you will. Know, I'm not watching a cozy enough type. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I, I will. I mean, I cozied up with Kevmath and got his ten dollars vouchers. So, I mean, I'll, I, I will, I'll hang out in the media room and try to get other people's vouchers. I'm going to be like the king of vouchers at the. Uh, my, my dream is to just like walk into uh, the Voodoo Steakhouse and just say, "Hey, everybody here, this meal's on me," and just like pull out a hundred vouchers for a thousand bucks and just hand it to them and go, "I'm just the king of the vouchers." But uh, that, that's that's my dream, not yours. King, king, king of the vouchers. <laughs> yes, I, I want to be the king of the uh, the media food vouchers. So there you go, close, go. So are, are you going to you're going to be in uh, you're going to be in Vegas during the World Series? Absolutely, I wouldn't miss it. And, and are you, are you not going to play any events there? You're going to just play the cash there? Are you going to play World Series events or satellites? What are you going to do? Uh, anything's really possible, especially when I could, like, satellite in off of WSAC, so, uh, I am hoping to play some of them. I will not know until closer to WSAC, like, probably, like, you know, after WSAC starts, because, like I said, I'll probably wind up going back to LA, might fall off for a little bit, oh. recoup, rest relax and then come back to the series and then I'll have an update on my schedule and what about poker. I see. And uh, so, so you'll, you'll be there like for the entire world series probably. And uh, now you said this roommate you have, is, is this guy a poker player or, or not? He's a blackjack player and a computer business consultant. Huh. How did you meet this person? Um, because when I met my first backer, I met my first backer at um, Ventura Casino Players Club. Because I was uh, I was playing the fifty dollar buy in like one two or whatever, and this guy comes over and he like sits down on my table and he's like, I don't care what you bet, I'm gonna double or raise it, right? And I was like, Oh, I had my shades on. I was being all cool, right? So I was like, I'm going to fold into I get, like, aces or kings. And I used to run really good. So, like, six times later, I got king, and I was, like, uh, in the hijack with a cutoff. And I forget I forget the action. I really don't want to do the action. I'm real bad at doing this. Well, did you win or lose the hand? You, wait, you waited for the kings there, and did you win or lose but against I won. You I won. won. Okay. I like got it all in like six ways, and my king's gonna get cracked. Huh. So like, <laughs> I, I thought this was gonna be a bad story. Like, uh, you, you know, you were waiting, yeah. you were waiting for the premium hand against this guy. You got it all in. He had do seven offsuit, and and he rivered you with two so pair, has, and, and then he had, he, like, he had like queen seven and fought like top pair or whatever. So like, it, he wound up winning the side pot. Like there was so much action. The side pot was like three hundred dollars, and I my pot was like one hundred and fifty. And then, uh, so, like, I immediately racked up, and wow. I got up, and they, like, got up, and they, like, shook my hand. It was, like, that was pretty damn lucky. Right? So, so then so he said, like, okay, you want, you want to be my roommate now? Like, how did it go to you being a roommate of his, though? Well, I was with my friend. I was with my friend Bucket, and this guy is Indian. So he actually wasn't even talking directly to me. He wound up talking to my friend, just, like, I guess out of, like, some weird respect thing. He was, like, he was all, like, hi. And then, uh, so he invited us back to, like, play, like, a three-person, like, tournament back at his place or whatever. So we go over there, and we're like, dude, like, I was all fucked up. So wait a minute, hold on. He wanted to have you at a three-person tournament, like, you, him, and some other person? At my club. 
At your pub? Now I'm really confused. And my friend. Her friend. And my friend. Oh, and your friend. Okay, I thought you said something about a pub. Okay. And, and so, like, no. yeah, because, all right, so, like, we had started talking, and then we eat, We were all trying to give each other advice. Like, you know, we all thought we were the best poker player and had the best advice. So we were playing for the right to give advice to the other two people. Where, where the like, you know, on top of like the money, but like the other side bet was whoever won the tournament got to tell the other two people how to play poker. Hmm. But how, how do you become a roommate? I'm still missing that part. Oh, well, this guy, uh, when my background sent me out here last summer, this is, uh, he introduced me to this guy who picked me up from the Greyhound station. <laughs> and, uh, we kind of like hung out and played black stuff together and kind of. He taught me how to play with box sets, so. Hmm. Interesting. Um, we just, it, it's like, it's, it's, you know, weird. We made friends, like, in yeah. Okay, so Daredevil has a question here. Oh, no, I see. Yeah. I was just going to ask Amanda. Uh, you know, we have callers on the show, and I see people wanted to call in and ask you some questions. Would you be up to that, or? Uh-oh. Um... Okay, so guy, I'm sure the phone's going to ring off the hook here. Seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. You can also call the Mount Charleston line seven zero two four three zero eighteen zero eight. You should really visit Mount Charleston, by the way, in, in Vegas when you uh, sometime while you're there. Have you been up there yet? What Mount Charleston? Have you been there yet? Uh, I don't believe so. You should. You should, you should go. It's it's by Vegas. It's like forty five minutes away. It's a mountain. 702-430-1808 if you want to call that number or 775-FRAUD-55-775-372-8355 if you want to ask questions here of Amanda. And I, I'm, I'm actually surprised no one's called yet because there were some calls coming in during the interview which I declined. I wasn't sure if you wanted to take them. And then uh, Daredevil here broke the ice by asking you, which I probably should have done in the first place. And uh, and now I think uh, these people are getting shy, or they gave up on me and just quit listening to the show. But uh, uh, yeah. while, while we're, I was, I was actually sure we we're going to like get inundated, and we're not. Yeah, yeah. I thought people were clamoring. I, to call I guess it. everybody's got uh, cold feet now. Uh, I think they they wanted to call. Oh, here we go. If, uh, okay, got a call. The call from your hometown of Baltimore. You're on the air. Oh yeah. Oh. Hey, yeah. Hi. So you uh, a bad you a bad guy calling too. And go back and forth and tag team with a couple good questions. Okay, well, we have some from the 708 area too, but we'll we'll let them ask second. So, so go ahead, uh, uh, Scott. Go ahead and ask your question. So, Amanda, what part of Baltimore are you from? Hamilton. You know that? Where's you? She said ha- Hamilton, I think, right? In northeast Baltimore. Oh, okay, okay. I got friends over there. All right, so back to going to Vegas to grind cash games. What do you think you're going to grind there? And why would you do Vegas? Why did I choose Vegas? Yeah. And what was the question before that? And what else, what do you think you're going to play? What is? What game are you going to grind? Um, well, I think Do you think you're going to one, two, and you're going to run the one, two, one, two for the Banty Jackpots? Do you think you're going to play 10 20 limit? Do you think you're going to play PLO? I think that uh, my goal is to play the two fives or the five heads. Uh, the limit would be a goal. I'm currently like when I grind, I grind on the one two and one three, and I do decent. When I play one two and two three, I don't really lose often. 
are consistent results. The games are a lot softer out here with yeah, bigger buy-ins. I mean, back at Commerce, you got the one, you got two, three on the 100 no limit, and out here you got like one, two with like no, uh, like no max buy-in. So you think you think the games are easier in Vegas than they were at Commerce? They're they're easily bigger, like and softer, yeah, comparatively for like games that I want to try to beat. Okay. More on a one-two game out here than I can back in LA. Okay. Okay. Um, back to a couple other things. Um, did you ever work at fantasies? Did I get? Did you ever work at fantasies? Fantasy is the best. Was that a yes? No, she said no. No, no. Oh, I apologize. Todd, I'm losing her. I can hear you clearly, and I can hear Well, yeah, else the problem her. is um, she's a little bit soft, and um, and I, I think yeah, between yeah. the, the – since it's two calls together, it's harder for you guys to hear each other than for me to hear you. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the audience can hear okay. I think they can. I haven't seen any complaints yet. Okay. Um, one last thing. You've met Alan Kessler, right? Yes, I've met Alan Kessler. Todd, I'm sorry. I gotta go, man. I can't hear the girl. Okay, I'm okay. He's, give, he's giving up. He's he's giving up. Right. He, Thanks for calling. He, he can't hear. <laughs> okay. Here, I, I have something for you. Uh, someone did a search for your name and found this video, which I think is three years old. Tell me if this is you. <laughs> Everyone moves. Can you hear it? Ew. I can't. You ready? Hi. Hey. Today we're going to read you a book. And it's called Everybody Poops. Is that you? Oh, no, no, that is an author with the same first and last name as me, but a different middle name. Okay. I, I thought you have kind of a, a unique name, but I guess not. So it, what was weird is this was made three years ago, but the girls look very, very young. I couldn't imagine you were 19 in this video. I was confused. These girls yeah, look no, like... I, uh, I have not, I've not read that book on video ever in my whole life. I can guarantee you. <laughs> so, so you didn't do Everybody Poops on... Uh, <laughs> good, good, on, good, on a YouTube good, good video, and, and and you didn't look thirteen three years ago. Okay, that's good to know. All right, now here comes a call that may be a little bit harsh. Uh, bad guy twenty three. Uh, hello, welcome to the show. What do you mean harsh, man? I don't know. I was just thinking hey, that you're going to go I, off here. I mean, I have fucking serious questions here, man. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, I have a question. Hey. How do you afford your rent in Vegas? You don't have a job or anything. How do I what? How do you afford the rent? I don't have that. So, so where do you live? I live with a friend, and I clean and take care of this house. In the Is it a guy friend? Yeah, like a sixty-year-old guy. So he and he pays for your and he pays your rent. Well, she she said she said that uh, she's like house sitting there. Is is that what you're saying? Yeah, like he goes out of town a lot, and he has like six cats. Six cats. Okay. So she takes care of cats and then she stays there for free. I, I should find out who this guy is. I want to live there. That sounds like yeah, a, I have one cat, so I have experience. That sounds like a good deal. So what made you go on to uh, the other site and write this whole big thing? And you know, right before the WSOP, because I think you're, I think you're a scammer. Uh oh. This, this is, this, I think, this listen, is what I, I know I mean. from a mile away, man. I got a good record on this site. I think you're full of crap. 
Okay, so it's a bad and guy. Believe me, I'm a scammer. So take it from a scammer, man. Yeah, so bad guy, bad guy who is uh, who has done it himself is is saying that he thinks he recognizes his own kind. Uh, what what is your response to this? Do you believe that uh, he says that this is, you know, what he's getting from you? And why why he's asking why did you decide to post this on two plus two right before the WSOP is starting? You know, um, being through a lot of shit in the last few years, and this being my second. I think you've been through a lot of weed tonight. Well, I mean, uh, how high are you? Hold on, let her answer, bad guy. Let her answer. Does it really matter? Is it that important to you? Yes, it's, it's very is important. It big, is it that big? I'm here to drag your name I... down, lady. Yeah, please try. Oh. Any words to them what I've done to my own name? So please, please try. Now she's Thank giving it back to bad guy. I'll give her that. She's not. She's not she, she, wait, she what? Well, she, she's I can't not, hardly hear her. I know. It's for some reason the callers can't hear each other that well tonight. I don't know why, but uh, uh, she's she's. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, she can hear you fine. You're very loud, actually, bad guy. You're you're always loud, but for some reason she she's a little bit soft. So uh, and I, the problem is I can't I can't turn the whole thing up or otherwise bad Jeff, guy. I don't got any rich stories, so shut the hell up and let me. Can I have my chance to talk? Go ahead. Now I have a question. Another question. Would you rather? Um... Wait, wait, let me. There's a question from the chat. Since Jeff doesn't read the chat, it's a good question. Dark Star asking. I can't find it now. <laughs> Would you rather uh, go, get a four years to go to college or a pound of weed? Truth. Say that again. Would you rather get four Would years ra- to go to college or or a pound of weed? What, what would you rather have? Like a four year scholarship to college or or a pound of weed right now? Oh, I can get first. You can get both. You, you can get both because you're, they, yeah. Because you know what? Here's my read on you. You're a fucking hooker, man. You were, you were a fucking escort or something before. You probably still are. Your pimp's probably right next to you. This is all a fucking setup. And if you screw fucking chainsaw, I'm coming looking for you, bitch. You understand <laughs> okay. that? You right. tell him the bad guy. All right, I've, I've got to drop the bad guy here. See, oh, I, I, I told you to watch out for that call. This, uh, I apologize for that. No, he's he's not going to come look for you. Don't worry about that. I, I don't don't threaten our guests on this show. Come on now, bad guy. Jeez. All right. So so um, no, I, I can't I can't have this on the show that that you know I have yeah. girls come on the show and he says he's going to come looking for you. That's that's inappropriate. But um, yeah, bad guy. He wasn't a fan. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to be done with this stuff. Are you going to be done with a call? I apologize for the end here. That's why we, we asked if you wanted to take calls. And I, I had a feeling one like this would eventually come through. I tried to warn you. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, I really don't care if they believe me or not. I'm sharing my story to help myself and anybody else who cares to read and find inspiration in it. No, I know. I, I appreciate you coming on here. I uh, you, you have to understand, we, we have a, a listener base that is, uh, we, we have a lot of, People on here who can be uh, be critical sometimes. So uh, that's that's what people like to listen for sometimes. So we uh, when we take calls like that, that's always the risk. But uh, anyway, you were a good sport with it. You you fought back with him. It was it was good. <laughs> so, so don't worry. No one no one's gonna come look for you or bother you or anything like that. It's, it's, I, I knew when bad guy called in, I was I was afraid to take the call. I, I had a feeling something was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I was I was well, getting scared. When Scott from from Baltimore called in, I was okay with it. But I was like, when bad guy called in, I was I'm, like, 
I mean, he's quite the man to threaten a woman. Like, all right, good job. No, it's just it's kind of his his shtick. It's kind of his. You got to get yeah, used to. Him. He's kind of a character. He, he's he's like he's the, not he's harmless. He's though. like the comic relief of this show. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... What was that? That's what I'm comedically relieved. Okay, so all right. Uh, I apologize for that. That was that wasn't intended to get as, as harsh as it did. And uh, but don't worry, nothing, nothing's going to actually happen with that. Uh, is is there anything else you'd like to say? Give giving your uh, your Twitter out to anyone who wants to contact you, or you want to do that, or. Anything you'd like to say uh, to finish can, off here? You can follow me at MixGrindinLife on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, that's, um, that's MCGrindin, that's G-R-I-N-D-I-N, not with a G at the end, MCGrindinLife, MCGrindinLife. That's uh, Twitter and also Instagram, same thing. And you can see some pictures of her. I've got to ask one more question. I, I went to your Instagram and and I saw an odd picture of you and I guess a friend of yours where you're holding her boob. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I so, like so, I like boobies. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, what was that picture supposed to represent? Was it supposed to suggest uh, like like you two are more than friends, or is it just supposed to be for a joke? What what was with that picture? Uh, it was meant to be controversial. I see. Mm. All righty. Now, does this girl play poker too or have an interest in it or not? Nah. Is she from Vegas nah. or, or from uh, Baltimore or somewhere else? Yeah, she's from Vegas. Hmm. All righty. Well, let's see. I don't think I have anything more. I think I think I've asked everything I need to ask, and uh, you know I appreciate yeah, we, we covered a lot. I, I appreciate you coming on here, and and I appreciate you being willing to take calls, which were potentially harsh and were. And uh, you know, good luck to you actually making it with your your poker career, and uh, you know maybe we'll, we'll see you around the World Series, and. Uh, Hopefully, and now do you regret coming on this show because of the bad guy thing, or are you still okay with it? I'm cool with it here now. Uh, I don't have many regrets. Yes. Okay. This wasn't a setup or anything, by the way. We weren't. Uh, we weren't trying. No, no, no. To... <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I, you know, I just. Uh, we have our fans. We have our our certain listeners who are critical, and you know, we we take the calls if the listener is willing to take it, and sometimes, uh, sometimes it gets out of hand. But uh, that's that's the way it goes. So, okay. Thank you for appearing on this show. And uh, I think for having me. I, th- I think we have a better idea of, of what's going on. That's uh, Mick Grindin Life at, on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow her or uh, communicate with her, and she does answer you usually. So if you have any any interest in talking to her and being the next Alan Kessler, you can go right ahead. Yeah, I'm, I might have to beat you up for that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. All righty. Mm-hmm. Th- thank you for coming on, Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, the reason people are going to say, why were you kissing ass to her after the bad guy thing? And I'm sure the chat room is probably saying that. I- I'm I'm never going to get guests on this show if this is what, <laughs> this is what it gets. <laughs> this is what gets around. Jeez. Well, I mean, it was like an hour-long interview, and that was one minute of it. Come on. I know. Yes, it's a free form show, 
I mean, we asked if she wanted to take calls. She said yes. One by number. So I know. You know, it's it's amazing. Anytime we seem to have a female on this or any other show that I do, that there always seems to be something like this that happens. It's uh, uh, and then and then they end up going away with a negative opinion. And the the one where the only one where it really didn't, uh, the girl was uh, paying like sixty five cents a minute to talk to us. And then, and then someone promised his free roll money to her to pay her phone bill, and it turned out it was someone who wasn't even eligible to win the free roll prize. So she never got the money. Oh, right. Yeah, see, see we have some people that are angry about the bad guy thing. Like, like yeah, Bob, we do. We have some people saying that we're dicks yeah, for letting bad I, guy I got, call in, how that. he's trolling a young girl. This isn't fair. But I, 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 I think that's kind of sexist, to be honest. But No, I, I hung up on him when he got too harsh. I mean, I could I could have let it go. If I, if I was just doing it for radio entertainment, I could have let him keep on ripping her, but I didn't. I, I hung up on him when he got inappropriate and uh, – you know, I, she said she'd willing to take calls. I said it was someone who might be harsh, and uh, she was giving it back to him. And then, uh, yeah, once he got into, I'm going to look for you. I'm like, okay, I got to hang up on this. But uh, <laughs> I, I think I've learned my lesson. I think the next time we have a female on the show, I can't take a bad guy call. I almost didn't. Too. I, I was so close to just not taking the call too. I was so close to not doing it. Well, the segment was kind of dying on the vine, though. I, I don't know. It, it what kind of was. It kind of was. So I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I am interested to see what happens, but uh, she doesn't have much of a plan, unfortunately. So. Well, she's taking it day by day, and yeah, good luck to her. Yeah. See, Hope some, she makes it. Some people are angry she didn't have answered in the first place. I can, I can never do. Well, you can't please everyone. I don't know. People are clamoring, let bad guy call in, let bad guy call in. And then he calls in, how dare you let bad guy call in? <laughs> Okay. This is why it's so hard. I, I I try so hard to to make everyone happy, and then I can't do it. If if I don't take the call, they give me a hard time. Ah, oh, you're kissing her ass. Ah, oh, you're only doing this because she's a pretty young girl. You know, you're protecting her. And then and if I take the bad guy call, oh, how can you let her uh, you know, get abused like this? Like I, I can't win. I can't I know. win. I know. So someone asking Druff, if you weren't in a relationship, would you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, don't pretend you weren't trying to talk her into going to Mount Charleston with you, Todd. I heard I, it. I was selling Mount Charleston, and the truth is, you know, the good thing would be about Mount Charleston. So let, let's say I, I wanted to to cheat on my girlfriend, and uh, if I were to do this in Vegas, like people would see me, and and my haters would would see me with another girl and take pictures and post it on the internet, and and she, you know, my girlfriend who reads the site would find out immediately. But if I took someone to Mount Charleston, like no one would be there. Like I, I, oh, could really? to, I could totally get away with it in Mount Charleston. I, I couldn't get away with it in Las Vegas, probably. But uh, mm. in, in Mount Charleston, the, you know, the, the haters wouldn't be around. The, the gossipers wouldn't be around. So that's. Uh, so what, what's your opening line? Uh, Want to see my rotary phone? <laughs> yeah, would you like to twist my rotary? Please. Would you like to put your finger in my rotary phone? Come, come on. Uh, so Clean it up. And then Lou Father thinks I was trying to set up a threesome with her and that uh, that blonde girl in the picture where she's holding her boob. <laughs> I mean, they are both in Vegas, and she said she likes boobs, so I guess it's kind of like sitting right there. <sighs> and uh, no, so so yeah, uh, if I were single, I think I would stay away from anyone who is in the poker community for various reasons. I think I would just stay away from it. And in fact, I was single in Vegas for some time. Not a very long time, but I was single in Vegas 
for a few months, and I, and I actually did stay away from people in the poker community. Not that there's so many girls in poker, but I, I was specifically trying to stay away from that and meet girls from outside of, of poker and gambling. So That's probably a good idea. I would never want to date a female poker player. But. Yeah, so, all right. Uh, and, and honestly, you know, if a girl's that much younger than me, she's 21 years younger than me. That, that's then I start to wonder, okay, you know, why would she want to be with me? And I, I, I start to question like how genuine it is that they have any interest in me in the first place. Whereas as a woman who's closer to my age, I wouldn't have those questions. So, right. So that, that would be it too. And so, uh, bad guy 23. See, he just doesn't quit here. He says, uh, I'll check Backpage.com in Vegas tonight and apologize if that's cool. (laughs) All right. Now now he's saying he feels bad. He's like, if this jack-off would have let me finish, referring to me being the jack-off, I would have told her I'm just kidding. Yeah, like, like I could tell that was coming. Like, like I could tell yeah, that, just, that doesn't usually come at the end of bad guys' phone. Yeah, it doesn't. I was afraid. This, I was afraid this was just going to get worse and worse, and then this was going to be awful. And then, the, like, I had to stop it at some point. I think this is easy. It's easier to have dudes on here because dudes, I don't have to worry about this. I just let them fight back and you know scream obscenities back to bad guy. Then I don't have to feel bad. That's true. Get TMMLK on the line. I, I think. I think I better. Be worried, though. I think maybe Alan Kessler is going to be told about this, and, and he will come confront me and, and challenge me to a street fight. So, uh oh, that's that's terrifying. <laughs> I better I better watch out for for Alan this World Series. So, okay, let's let's look at what else we have to do. It's a good thing we're not really on a time restriction tonight as we used to be. Hooters Las Vegas. That's an interesting segue. <laughs> Hooters Las Vegas is being sold and it's going to be rebranded. It's not going to be Hooters anymore. And and let me say good riddance. This place was a shithole. Definitely. Yeah, I've stayed there. It's oh god. Yeah, and and the problem I, I saw the problem right when it started. I think I even commented like back on Neverwin Poker when I first heard of Hooters coming to Vegas. I said, Who's gonna be excited by this? There there's so many things going on in Vegas with kind of a, a sexual theme or vibe to it that no one's going to say, oh, wow, I get to go to a place where the where the waitresses wear tight shirts and they have big boobs. I got to go there. Like, no one's going to say that in Vegas. In Vegas, there's so many places to go where you can see and do more than that if you want to see girls with big breasts or, you know, or g- girls with uh, tight, revealing clothing. Like, you don't go to Hooters for that in Vegas. It's just not... It wouldn't even come to your mind. So, well, I see what you're saying. Although, I don't know if that was the problem so much as the actual like hotel and building. Also, I don't know if you heard this or not, but they are opening a new Hooters, not obviously a whole casino thing, but just a standalone restaurant in the Palms. Yeah, and that's actually going to be the biggest Hooters in the world. So, I guess the company does see some viability for that brand in that market but yeah, yeah i can uh, see as a restaurant that's just standing alone inside of an existing casino that that once you're already there it's it's mm-hmm. right there then then you know yeah why not go to hooters but but to go there to a whole hotel casino in an old rundown building just based 
upon it being Hooters. I just I, I didn't think it was enough of a gimmick to get people over there, and, and apparently it wasn't. I think they got a lot of people through the door, but the, then the problem is once you're there, you realize it's a shithole. Okay. So, I don't know. But. So, by the way, we got a text about the last segment from uh, actually from Shibun Pickens, who said that he says, "Where does it go here?" Uh, I was her biggest fan, and I want to make a statue of bad guy right now. That was beyond amazing. So he liked the bad guy call. He liked he liked her, but he also liked the bad guy call. Mm-hmm. So, well. uh, and so someone also asked me. I won't say who it is. Said, "Is this Amanda chick hot?" And I, you know, I, I posted her picture. You can see it in, in the radio thread. But uh, this, she's a pretty girl, and she's only twenty-two. So uh, you know, there's definitely not going to be an issue of finding guys attracted to her. That's not going to be the problem. So, anyway. Uh, Getting back to the Hooters thing, it, it's the former San Remo Hotel, and it's next to the Tropicana. It was bought in uh, in 2006 by Hooters, or by a group that was representing the Hooters Hotel. It's a but anyway, it was uh, it was purchased in 2004. I guess not 2006, 2004. From yeah, the owners of the San Remo for seventy four point six million, the Hooters Hotel was sold just now for fifty three point eight million, basically twenty one million dollars less, and a substantial, you know, substantially less than it was sold for eleven years ago. And keep in mind, two thousand four was nowhere near the peak of the Vegas real estate boom. This is not like it sold for that in two thousand seven. This is 2004, where the prices were going up for Vegas real estate and anything associated with Vegas, but but it was far from the peak. And also right now, uh, things have gone back up since it, it hit rock bottom around 2010. So uh, 53.8 for that property is actually a pretty good deal. I think so. I, I don't know if they're assuming debt as well. That might be part of it. But yeah, I was surprised to see how cheap that went for. Yeah. So uh, now, now it, it does need work there it's, it's a rundown place it, uh, uh, it it's not right on the strip which is another problem for as far as getting traffic in there something that pissed me off about Hooters and I still haven't gotten over this it happened several years ago but I'm driving around the strip and I see billboards everywhere about $200 free slot play for new customers now this wasn't shocking oh, because yeah. there's a lot of promotions like this especially at the time where you really do get something like $200 free slot play. Or mm-hmm. at, at the worst, it's something like where they will reimburse you for your losses and only do half now and half a month later. But since I was living in Vegas, that was easy. So I said, all right, you know, I'm sure there's, there's some, there may be some small catch to it, but no big deal. So I go down there, stand in a, a fairly long line for it, and then they direct me over to a certain bank of slot machines. And I go, well, wait – do I have to play in these machines? And they said, yes. I'm thinking, well, that kind of sucks. These are probably rigged against me. Well, okay, it's still free play. I'll just run it and keep whatever I win. Nope, doesn't work that way either. They sit you down at the slot machine. They whip out $200 bills, and they feed them into the machine for you. <laughs> now, you may say, well, uh, why do you care who feeds the 200 into the machine? 
Well, that's because this isn't a real $200 that, that uh, in free slot play. This is just symbolic. They might as well feed in a million dollars to the machine because you're never handling it. They're feeding it in, and then once it's fed in there, can I hit the cash-out button and get $200? No, of course not. Can I run $200 worth of spins and then cash out what should be remaining? Well, that's the way it should work, but it's not. Instead, you have to keep playing and playing and playing until you either bust or reach $1,700. So if I reach Mm -hmm. $1,700, do I get to keep $1,700? No, I get $100. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. You you have to run up your, your 200 in free play that they insert for you, up to 1700 and then you only get 100 of it. And if you don't ever get to 1700 you get a whopping sum of money known as... Zero point zero. And, and these were very tight machines, too. Where That's the other thing. It's not like you could pick any machine. There was a special bank yeah. of, like, six machines, three on each side, that you had to play that were obviously tightened way, way yeah. up. Yeah, so you're, so you're busting on this very easily. Now, what was even worse is before they modified this a bit, these machines were, uh, I guess you were playing at too low of limits. So you were some people were stuck spinning the thing over and over and over for, like, three and a half hours, getting, like, Jesus. sometimes getting, like, fairly close to 1,700, getting to, like, 1,450. And it's just so slow because they were set to a denomination too low. And then they then eventually would grind back down to zero and, and end up walking away with nothing. So uh, at least mine was over quickly. And uh, my girlfriend at the time played too, and hers was over quickly. And we couldn't believe what a scam this was. And uh, uh, I think we even made a prank to them with Alvin Finkelstein and, and Colonel Fabersham or something uh, about this whole thing. And, hmm. and, and they, they were – I mean, you may wonder how this is legal. Well, because you're not paying anything to enter, they can do it because you're not losing anything. They're just wasting your time. Wasting a lot of your time and trouble. And boy, I was pissed about that. So that's just uh, representative of of how awful this place is. And it's not like this is common. All the other free play offers I've seen in Vegas, uh, some are better than others, but uh, they are real free play. This is the only one that wasn't. So anyway, uh, the Tropicana next to it also has been struggling. It's a more valuable property. M Resorts has not purchased it yet, but they're going to buy it, supposedly, for $360 million. Uh, I guess they're hoping that if the Tropicana gets bought and revitalized, that maybe they'll get some carryover foot traffic. And and it's not clear what they're going to change Hooters into. And as you said, they're moving the restaurant over to the Palms. Mm-hmm. They said it will be some kind of national brand, so it's not going to be whatever, uh, you know, Jerry's Hotel. It's going to be a Best Western or a oh, Ramada. It's going to be some kind of brand. They just haven't confirmed what it is yet. Yeah, and uh, it's it was bought, by the way, by Trinity Hotel Investments of New York. They do not currently own any other Las Vegas properties, so they're, they're new to this. Hmm. And that hasn't historically worked out well. Yeah, when people have come in and bought properties and they've never been in gaming before. But yeah, and there were rumors for years that this was going to either sell or close. In fact, I think I even announced on the show a few years ago that they're closing, and then it didn't happen. Which the Trop or the Hooters? Uh, Hooters. Oh, okay. But uh, it, it finally sold, and it's going to be rebranded and and good riddance, especially with that awful promotion they had. And boy, was that promoted heavily around town. So yeah, and it brought you. The in poker room was also terrible. There's like two tables in a corner. 
It was really sad. It was a, it's the saddest poker room I've ever seen. You know, it looked it, it looked like somebody had forgotten to move them into storage, and they just like left them in the corner for a couple hours. Like, but that was the quote unquote poker room. And, and often when they have something like like a scam promotion, it kind of sets the tone for the whole place, for the way people are treated, for the way it's kept up. Like, it's, you just get a whole vibe of shadiness for the whole place, and uh, mm-hmm. that, that's that's. The, the, the- the rooms were, uh, I'd say, tied for the worst rooms I've ever stayed in in Vegas. Really? And I stayed in the El Cortez in, like, 2003. What, what was the worst? Or what was the other worst one? The El Cortez? El, El Cortez, 2003, Hooters, and IP right before they ran out of it. Uh, Those are probably okay. all on the same level of terribleness. The worst I ever stayed in Vegas was, uh, well, it was probably a tie. Like you, I stayed at Casino Royale once, which has a good location, but there's a crappy, crappy motel in the back. And uh, and the other one was I don't even remember the name of it, but some kind of extended stay sort of hotel, not even anywhere near the Strip. It was I, I made a spontaneous trip to Vegas in like '02 or something, where I just drove up there Memorial Day weekend, and then I, I knew it was going to be tight with a hotel situation, but I didn't realize how bad it would be that it was just jammed everywhere. And they had some kind of special thing going on. So literally everything in town that I tried, full, full. I even tried like Circus Circus. No, even they were full. Like everything was full. So I had to go like way off strip to some sort of uh, some sort of hotel that is mainly like extended stay people, like people who have been kicked out of their place and need somewhere to stay and, and pay cash by the right. week. So mm-hmm. so and and as you can imagine, it looked like. It was mainly a bunch of meth heads there, and uh, so that that was probably even worse than the Casino Royale. That was. That oh, was... I'll give honorable mention to. Uh, I stayed at the Boardwalk about a month before it got <laughs> demolished, and it was funny too because they had they had already sold the property and they had uh, fired all the staff and they hired all these people from a temp agency to work like every aspect of the hotel, and they just did not give a shit. And it was, it was bad. They had like, just like Circus Circus, they had like the main tower and they had like a three story, you know, manor lodge thing at the back. Yeah, the animals. And, and, and I had to stay there on the first floor. And like at night, I heard two hobos, no, no joke, fighting over a shopping cart. And they woke me up. I was like, that's my shopping cart, motherfucker. <laughs> so, good times. Good times. Yeah, I, I think back to these, it, you know, like, I stayed at the Stratosphere once. That was great compared to the places I just described. Like I, I enjoyed the Stratosphere yeah, a, lot, a lot more than I did the Casino Royale and that extended stay type place that I went to. So uh, yeah, even Circus Circus compared to those places is it's not as bad as you think it's, it's going to be. But you know what's funny? It's... In the seventies, my parents actually would stay at Circus Circus when they came to Vegas, and uh, it actually wasn't bad then. It had. It was new, and it had not been run down yet, and, and the clientele there was different than it is today. So they, we stayed there all the time, and I loved it because I was a kid, and I loved those games of theirs. So that, I thought that was great that we stayed mm-hmm. there. And then, and then one day my parents uh, said, no, this, it's gotten tacky here. It's crap. We're not staying here anymore. Started staying at the Hilton, and I was disappointed about that. I don't know if you were there in its heyday, but I was reading about when Circus Circus opened. You actually had to pay a fee to get in there. Um, because they constantly had circus acts going on, and you <laughs> you came in on a slide. You actually slid down into the casino. That I know I didn't do. I would have remembered that, unless I was really, really young, like younger than four. I would have definitely remembered. Uh, let's see when Circus Circus opens. Let's, let's see. I'll look this up here. 
now that we're discussing this. Oh. These land values, too, are really interesting. Like, Hooters went for 53. The Tropicana's, like, right diagonal from it. It went for 360. And the Riviera sold for 180. Yeah. So it's all over the place. So this is interesting. I didn't know this. Circus Circus was opened October 18th, 1968. So it was a little bit before I was born. Four years. Mm-hmm. Three and a half years before I was born. But uh, it was opened by Jay Sarno. Who, yep, the guy who did Caesars. Who did Caesars, yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah. the, the uh, there's a little service road that uh, runs across Caesars called Jay Sarno Way in honor of him. That's where the, if you get into Self Park, it's Jay Sarno Way. Yeah, I actually have a book. I haven't cracked it yet, but it's all about Jay Sarno and um, his building of Las Vegas, Circus Circus, then the Caesars. And then he had plans for a third place that never launched called Grandissimo. And uh, apparently uh, that was supposed to be pretty interesting what he had in store for there, but hmm. I haven't cracked the book yet. And I was... Uh, now, I started going there, I believe, after they had uh, that they had sold it, because it was sold, it says, in 1974 to uh, William Bennett and William Pennington for $25 million, which you have to understand is uh, you have to multiply that about about six now for the inflation since 1974. Right. Maybe, maybe five to six got to multiply that. So it's it's probably near $150, 000, uh, $150 million by today's dollars. But... Uh, I think we probably started going there around then or a little later than that. I, as I wouldn't be able to remember 1974. I would have been too young. But uh, I know we were going there. I remember going there like in 76, 77, somewhere around then, and, uh, and enjoying their games. I definitely didn't have to – we didn't pay any money. We didn't go down any slide at that point. Though I, I, I loved those games, and I, I you know, watched the circus acts there too. It's interesting how MGM treats that place as like <laughs> they kind of like pretend they don't own it, <laughs> like it's not in M Life. And if you book sometimes on their sites, they'll say, "Oh, have you considered you know the the Luxor or the MGM?" But they never advertise Circus Circus. I remember the '90s. You know that Slots of Fun that's right next to it that they own too. Mm-hmm. I, I went in there in the '90s to play, and I, I could not believe how rude they were in there. Like that was such an awful place. That's Slots of Fun, and. Uh, I used to, when I was a kid, and I would see it, we'd drive in and say, oh, slots of fun. It's like I thought it was so funny that they call it slots of fun instead of lots of fun. So for whatever reason, it stayed with me. And, and when I was old enough to gamble, I, I even though I thought the name was stupid by that point, I, I thought, oh, I get to finally gamble in slots of fun. So I go in there, and boy, do they treat you like shit at the blackjack pit. And I wasn't like <laughs> even counting cards or anything then. They were just... Uh, they were so obnoxious there. And then I actually went in when I could count cards, but I found the game wasn't very good. But I went with some friends, and boy, were they they were obnoxious about everything, about uh, the, the, the just sticklers for rules with every little thing. And, and then the IDing, they went crazy. And there was a guy with us who was like around 50, and they forced him to show ID. I'm not, I'm not even kidding, and he didn't look young for his age. They just they made everyone show their ID. I couldn't believe it, and I I, th- I was like around early 30s at the time and looked young for my age. So I thought, all right, well that makes a little sense. But when they asked the guy who was around 50, I, I knew that they were crazy over there. So, well, that's gone now, right? It's it is it's only slots now, right? Because those used to be like right on the strip, those tables, but I don't think they exist anymore. Yeah, I haven't been there and since since that last experience. I, I was in there twice, once in the 90s and once in the 2000s. The 2000s, I totally didn't want to go in there, but the people I was with just, you know, for some reason really wanted to. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then they, they admitted afterwards that it was awful. So uh, 
I, I haven't been inside Circus Circus in a while. But I have. It's uh, it's what you think. It's you know, it's kind of dirty. There's a lot of you know, bright pink everywhere. There's children running around. It's not good. Um, I actually, I, I kind of went on a last minute trip like a year ago, kind of like you mentioned there, and it was the only place that had rooms. And uh, as part of staying there, you get this, you know, little booklet for whatever, 20 bucks off here, this, that, for the, your resort fee. So one of the things was like $5 off at this breakfast place. So I was like, okay, I'll go down in the morning. I'll get some breakfast. Uh, I waited an hour and 10 minutes in line to get a pizza bagel. <laughs> and the employees were just like, I mean, uh, uh, I don't know how they don't have those like net catcher things like they do at the Apple factory to keep them from jumping off the roof <laughs> because they just looked like they were so depressed, couldn't care less. And yeah, an, an hour and 20 minutes for a pizza bagel. So. Well, I see these signs, or as I used to, driving to Vegas that would say, Circus Circus, rooms available tonight. And this was not like a, an electronic sign which would keep track of this in some way. It was a printed sign. Rooms available tonight. That's just always up there. So, <laughs> that always got me frustrated. It's like, how do they know? Like, that's false advertising. How do they know for sure rooms are available tonight? So, but maybe they are such a shithole now that they absolutely never sell out even on the, the busiest nights. Like, even on New Year's, maybe they don't sell out. Like, uh, I... I but that sign was permanently there saying rooms available tonight. And they even had radio ads saying, come to Circus Circus with rooms available tonight. And again, they're not checking with that before they run that radio spot. Well, I'm sure they're right. They're probably right. They, probably <laughs> really are available. they also have that three-story motel that's like 20 bucks a night, so yeah, no one's staying there. That's probably what they were talking about that's available tonight. I've actually heard the steakhouses really good. That's what it people fre- keep saying. frequently makes like the top 10 list and they literally say like hold your nose and walk to the back of the casino and go to the steakhouse. That's what I've they keep never saying. Been. It's like hard for me to believe this. I'm so afraid to try that. I know. Like they, they talked about the Vic and Anthony steakhouse and, and the Golden Nugget. And the Nugget, good. yeah. And, and I went there and it was pretty good but that, that one at least I wasn't afraid to try was the Golden Nugget supposed to be like the best place in downtown. Mm-hmm. So I go well it's downtown but it's the best place in downtown and I, I can understand this but Circus Circus is just so hard to picture. It's just so hard to picture with that being. Yeah, they've been on those like top ten lists though for like twenty years. Yeah, I've seen that. So they always make the list. I, I mean, I guess they must be good. Huh. Okay, let's let's take a look at the next thing on the agenda. All right. Uh, I'll have to check the two plus two thread later <laughs> about this whole thing with uh, with Amanda. There's going to be people who have listened to it going, "Those assholes! They put out a guy who threatened her. They, you know, they're." They, yeah, t- they took 48 yeah. minutes to talk about what they're going to talk about. And this is a terrible sh- – I, I could just imagine they're going to rip us there. Okay. Uh, Shane Bridges of Lock Poker. I'm not going to go into a long thing about this, but I was given a small transcript of a conversation that he had with uh, Hip Ain't Cheap. who uh, the, the guy who's been doing all the research about them and pretty much scared all these Lock people from – out of the woodwork to to show up and try to defend themselves, some of them, including Shane. Like, they, like he really came up with a lot of good info, and they've all been panicking that, that the hammer's going to come down on them. And Shane, if you remember, tried to even talk to me, and then when he wouldn't give me anything useful, and, and I pressured him, then he freaked out and pretended like I'm using... That, that I'm using the questions to him 
as clickbait for my site. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, cl- clickbait for a site that, that makes no money. But uh, anyway, that, that was his excuse to get out of the conversation. Well, uh, Hitbane Cheap got tired of the crap and got tired of the fact that Shane stopped responding to him after claiming he will cooperate. So this is what he wrote. He, Hip Ain't Cheap wrote to Shane, This is your last chance to cooperate with me, or I promise you what is about to come your way, you will be forever sorry for. And he's referring to legal stuff coming his way, not like killing him or anything like that. This whole fucking scam, blowing us off and not accountability, will come back to end either nicely or someone getting what they deserve. So then Shane says back, keep on, this is after Shane's been pretending to cooperate, but uh, ignoring him, dodging questions, not responding, you know, after saying, oh, I'm so sorry, let me help you guys. So that's why this frustrated message came through. So Shane writes back, I've tried to provide assistance to people like yourself in the past, but the fact is nothing positive ever comes from it. Isn't that nice of Shane to try to help them out for the scam that he was helping perpetrate, that he was uh, the spokesman for? That he's he's been trying to help, but nothing positive comes. Poor Shane. This reminds me of like the Seabock at the end of UB era. <laughs> it simply dredges up a traumatic period that I prefer to forget. <laughs> that traumatic period for who, Shane? You you're the one who made the money from it. I mean, you you got paid for for lying to people and getting them to deposit on lock and keep playing there. Keep the games going while you BS'd and BS'd and BS'd about what was going on and knew you were lying and didn't care because you were getting paid. How was that traumatic for you? It should, it should have been a great period in your life. Then he says, now here's the real reason Shane is unhappy. I was ripped off too, and I'm owed many thousands of dollars in unpaid wages as well. So now it's really bad. Yeah, now... now now, now you understand. Now you understand. Now, now Shane's actually getting cheated too in unpaid wages. See, he was being paid before to lie to everybody, but now he was lying to everyone for free, and this gets him mad. If Shane is going to lie right. to you and right. Shane's going to help cheat you, he better get paid for it. But they had the nerve not to pay him for helping cheat you. Scumbag. Shame on Lock Poker for doing this to innocent Shane, who all he wanted to do was make a living lying to everyone. So he goes on to say, I don't appreciate being threatened by one of the people that I tried to help recover their funds. <laughs> you were very helpful, Shane, for all these years denying there's anything wrong, claiming that payments are being processed and the funds were segregated and there's nothing to worry about. Keep depositing. Keep playing, everyone. We're getting in good shape. We have so many different excuses about what's wrong and none of it's our fault and everything's going to be fine. But yeah, he tried to help. How dare you attack the victim, Todd? He writes, it certainly doesn't make you seem like a trustworthy or competent person. <laughs> so he's saying that that, that uh, Hip Ain't Cheap, who's been spending so much time and energy investigating these scumbags at Locke and exposing them and trying to bring them to justice, that uh, this is the one who is not competent or trustworthy, that the one who is trustworthy is Shane, who lied to us for years and tried to get everyone to deposit onto Lock Poker, which was a scam. And so he finishes by saying, please don't contact me again. Goodbye. <laughs> so, so Shane, uh, the victim of harassment here, mm-hmm. please yeah. don't contact me again. He's, he's just trying to help. 
He's oh, trying yeah. to help. How dare Hippe and Cheap be threatening or, or not appreciate everything Shane has been doing for him and done for all of us. Ungrave. Oh, awful. Shane. Well, I am so outraged by this. And, and you know, Shane, he's rightfully not going to answer Hippe and Cheap. I'm, I'm so outraged by this whole thing uh, that I think that our audience here needs to contact Shane and tell him how much they appreciate everything he's been doing. Mm-hmm. So his email address, if anyone would like to write to him, is Shane Bridges, exactly as it sounds, S-H-A-N-E Bridges, B-R-I-D-G-E-S, just just all one word, Shane Bridges at gmail.com. And I'm serious. Write to Shane and tell him what a great guy he is and write to him and, and tell him that you appreciate his honesty over the years and, and how much concern he showed for other people's money and uh, how he was so selfless that he didn't care whether he got paid himself. He just wanted to make sure nobody else got cheated. So uh, you can let Shane know how much uh, you guys appreciate him at shanebridges at gmail.com. And, uh, uh, of course, you should never be threatening or, uh, or hostile like hip and cheap was. You, you should be sweet and kind to Shane. You should never say anything that might upset him if you email him at shanebridges at gmail.com, uh, especially if you got cheated on lock poker. But even if you didn't get cheated, maybe you should write him a note of appreciation. In fact, uh, you yeah, know. he's earned it. I, I heard... I don't know if this is true, but uh, I heard that Shane had a secret interest in gay pornography. I don't know if this is true, but um, maybe he's been so busy trying to get his deserved wages from Lock Poker that he hasn't had time to sign up for certain sites, that uh, you know, gay, gay pornographic sites that I think he otherwise would really enjoy. He probably hasn't had time to sign up for these sites. So maybe you guys should help him out and sign him up for some of these at ShaneBridges at gmail.com. Maybe uh, sign him up for sites like that you think he might appreciate on, and get him on those email lists. <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> there it is. That's really his email address. Whatever you want to do with it is up to you as as an adult, and I I, I can't tell you what to do because I'm I'm just another person, and I'm I'm not uh, telling you to do anything or really suggesting you do anything. But you use your best judgment on how you feel Shane should be treated for how helpful he was to all of us. All right. So uh, speaking of depositing onto poker sites. If you played on any of the non-legal poker sites, even dating back to very early on, you probably faced the heartbreak of the declined credit card, where you're all ready to put money on the site or maybe to reload, and you get that declined message. And that meant that your bank figured out that you are trying to deposit onto an online gambling site, which at the time was illegal. So it made sense to you why they were blocking you. Uh, Wells Fargo is actually the best about this. Wells Fargo took the position for a long time that they don't care what you're spending your money on, that it's up to you, which I thought it was a very good position. And I used to That's very good. I used to use them all the time to deposit onto PokerStars. They were great because I had like like unlimited deposits. What you know, basically whatever's in my account, I could I could keep depositing using my debit card, and there was no fee, and and they never declined it. So I just. Uh, I didn't have to keep much of a role on Poker Stars because I could always just keep reloading with my Wells Fargo card. Uh, eventually, they stopped this. But uh, anyway, 
now that the legal sites exist in some states like Nevada, New Jersey, and Delaware, you would think that this would not be an issue anymore because they are they would be allowing transactions to play poker or other games on a legal and licensed site. But that is not true. It has become harder and harder to deposit on these legalized gambling sites. In fact, Brandon reported that he used his total rewards visa card that he got through Caesars to deposit on WSOP.com and it was declined for being a gambling site. <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds like a joke, but it's true. You cannot use the total rewards visa Caesars. to deposit to WSOP.com. How crazy is this? So, so here's an article from businesspress.vegas. That's actually a real site. You, there's actually a .vegas extension now. <laughs> you can actually uh, go to .vegas sites. Uh, let, I've always wondered what would be on this. What is on las.vegas? Let's try it. Uh, nothing. It, it's really? Not, it's not available. Snap that up. It, yeah, it's not no. available. I, I know I tried to get it when it first came. But I knew there was no chance. Like, I just wanted to see if by some chance, some miracle it wasn't taken, but it, it was. But it's, nothing's yeah. on it yet. Nothing's on las.vegas. But there is businesspress.vegas, which you, you would think business press, they could have gotten a better suffix than .vegas, like, I would think almost like businesspress.com would be available, but okay. Businesspress.vegas had the following article. Credit card transactions have been a challenge for online gaming operators in markets where internet poker and online casinos are legal, including Nevada. There have been banks that seem to have no issues with processing these transactions and others that have been risk averse. I will tell you from experience, by the way, that Citibank seems to let you deposit on these. I had no problem at all with my Citibank debit card on WSOP.com. That's what I've been using. Considering the changes that were required of banks, as well as the increased risk exposure due to the UIGEA in 2006 the fallout, and the fallout of Poker's Black Friday in 2011, it's understandable that the banks have been cautious about accepting internet gaming transactions, said Bill Reaney, head of online poker for Caesars Interactive Entertainment. Black Friday was April 15, 2011, the day the Justice Department issued indictments against the nation's three largest online poker websites, Full Tilt, Poker Stars, and Absolute Poker. The indictments halted a nascent internet poker boom. Rini said Caesars Interactive has been meeting with processors, issuers, and banks about how online gaming is properly regulated and licensed in several states. Caesars Interactive operates a real money poker game in Nevada under the WSOP.com brand and in New Jersey under the CaesarsCasino.com, HarrisCasino.com, and WSOP.com brands. Rini said that teaching credit card issuers about licensed operators' internet betting safeguards hasn't been easy, but we're optimistic that things will only improve over time, said Rini. Well, I'm not very optimistic. I, I don't think it's a teaching issue. I don't think that they don't understand. I think they don't want to deal with it. No, they know what's going on. Yeah, like they—it's the problem. They're, they're kind of out of it over there. Like you—you you would think that uh, they would understand that they're not so worried about safeguards that uh, are in place. They just don't want to deal with people who do some sort of online gambling, lose, and then make up a story. Oh, it was fraud. Oh, it was my kid getting a hold of the credit card. Oh, someone stole my credit card. Like. And yes, WSOP.com can show them what they claim is proof 
that these people really were the ones gambling. But the, the truth is, uh, without a video camera in that person's home showing it was them doing it, uh, there are ways to get on using someone else's credit card and information. It's not all that hard. It's not impossible to do. And this will become a big headache, or maybe already has become a big headache, for certain credit card issuers and banks that get these fraud claims from someone who wants to get their money back that they lost online or even feels they're justified in doing so, believing that the game is rigged. Not saying that it is rigged, but I'm saying that people lose and blame it on the game being rigged. So then they, right. they all just claim it was stolen and I'll get my money back that way. So mm-hmm. like, like even if the banks ultimately deny them, who wants to deal with the angry customers calling over and over, no, you, this was stolen, this was fraud, I thought you guys cover all fraud, what is this, this is BS. Like, like I can imagine they're so worried about this shitstorm coming in that they say, what are we gaining from this? So we allow these transactions, you know, we make a little of you know, commission on it, but is this worth the hassle? No. So screw it. We're, we're not even going to bother. You know, what if the legal landscape changes again? What if Sheldon Adelson succeeds? They, they probably figure they're not making very much money on these transactions. There's too much of a downside, not enough of an upside. So they say, F it. I don't want to deal with it. And I, I don't blame them so much. I mean, Yeah, there was a famous case. Was it in California? Do you know what I'm talking about, Todd? That uh, woman charged like six figures to a casino on a credit card. Yeah. And she took them to court and got it all back, basically. Yeah. Under some pretense or another that, I don't know, they weren't a licensed site or whatever. So, yeah, these banks, they just think, well, let's just not touch this. We're making so much money anyway. Why worry about it? Yeah, and this doesn't generate that much money either. I I think maybe if online poker became huge and and, and the banks that were taking these deposits were making huge money and the ones that weren't were not, then they might consider it. But right now, the Mm -hmm. industry is so small with the legalized online poker sites. In the best case, at the moment, they're going to make very little extra money. And in the worst case, they're going to run into all kinds of big hassles and customer service nightmares that they don't want to have, they don't want to deal with. They don't want their fraud department to be taxed with this. Uh, they, they don't want to uh, deal with possible federal laws or issues that come from this. The, they don't want to have to set up a whole structure with dealing with these problems. There's just so much they save by not dealing with it and so little that they lose by not dealing with it. And that's the fact. And I don't like it. I, I wish that this was just easy and they just all instantly agreed. That's better for me as a poker player. And, and like WSOP.com, I was so happy I found that Citibank does it because I was running into failed credit card transactions and I would call their, their useless support number and I'd get some guy in Antigua, of all things, who's, who's you know, of no help and, uh, and just repeating from stuff from a script – and I had to finally figure it out for myself just to keep trying different banks until I found one that was uh, willing to do it. And, and and also, I also found that people were getting charged fees because, you know, sometimes these, these transactions were, were being processed in a, in a different way that incurs fees or as cash yeah. advances. So so I, yeah. I was so happy I found the, the Citibank debit card, which, which, you know, because it's debit doesn't come up with any kind of fees. And, and is they t- they basically take it and will keep taking it as long as I have money in my Citibank account. So uh, that's how I would deposit WSOP.com. But but most people don't realize that or don't have a Citibank account, and they can't do this. So uh, it's a big hassle, and it's also holding back the growth of these sites. And, and unlike Bovada, they can't just claim they're selling golf balls or women's clothes from Malta and do it that way. You know, they have to process these legally. They can't circumvent it like Bovada does. So, so once again, the pirates win. 
Now, at this point, can you go to the cage at wherever the Rio or Caesars or Harris and say, hey, this is money for my online poker account and give them physical cash? Yeah, you can do that, I believe. You can, okay. Yeah, I think you can. But uh, but, but it is a, a pain in the ass, that, especially if you're not staying in one of their hotels. You know, like Let's say right. you're staying at the Bellagio or, or something even further from a property that's a Caesars property. Like, like you're in your room playing online poker and you bust. Are you going to really get dressed and you know go out to some other casino and bring money down to the cage? I mean, if it... Also, this is marketed, I'm assuming, mostly to locals because I don't think a lot of people are going to want to sit in their room and play on a computer on their vacation. So I know locals avoid the strip like the plague, yeah. so they probably don't want to go down there. Yeah, so they, I mean, they, they got to work these things out, and they, unfortunately, that uh, this this could be a big barrier. Like, the same thing's going to happen to California if they eventually legalize it, and if there's not enough banks like Citibank who are willing to get on board for it, then it's going to be a problem, and then maybe it'll never get off the ground. So this is a – it's kind of a hidden – gotcha to legalize online poker that people don't really think about. People think about the legal standpoint of is it legal or not. People think about the action standpoint of just, you know, people going to be interested enough in playing there and are fish going to want to play there, but people don't really think about the depositing issue, but it's uh, it's actually a big problem. So. Yeah, the, uh, the only way um, that I've known consistently to do it is to buy like those little prepaid MasterCards and that, and some of those will work, and some of them won't. Again, it's kind of trial and error. Yeah, and, and I know that's a, that's a big thing these days are, are people uh, getting those prepaid cards, and that's that's how people are getting money on, on sports books and on, on Bovada and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because like like Western Union, they've they've really clamped down. They've they've really yeah. You can't send it to a guy named Juan in Mexico anymore. Yeah, Not falling for that. Yeah, they've. I just got under the wire with that, with my Bovada account. I'm so happy I did because if I, if I couldn't, I would have just given up. But, uh, like, I, I literally days before they clamped down on the Western Union thing, without me even realizing it, it's not like I was clever and got down there before they clamped down. I just, I just did it, and then days later they clamped down. So, uh, And then I was so happy I did because I, I ran it up big time from a $2,400 deposit on there in September. So I was like... But I just got under the wire. But I'm always worried about busting there now because it's such a pain in the ass to get money back on now. Uh, so It is. I can do it straight on my credit card, but I found out the hard way. Like you said, they treat that as a cash transaction. Yeah, and then there's always so not only and there's is there another on fee, but then it's higher interest, and it's from the day you put it on there. Yeah, it's, it's awful. So it's I like, crazy. Yeah, so like I, I, I keep more money than I, I wish I had to keep on there on Bovada just because of the – you know, but it's huh. a, this thirty sixty game. I'll play two or three tables. Usually two. I don't play three, but usually two. But these are aggressive games, and and if you run bad, boy, you can get. I, I've lost twice twenty k. At once twi- twenty and once twenty two k in slumps on there. Hmm. And Bovada is one of the only poker sites. I think you can't transfer money to other players. Yeah, you correct? can't. You can't. So, yeah. so it was. I mean, it's it's tough. I, you know, overall, I've I've done well there, but but uh, I, I've got to keep like I keep enough on there, be, knowing that those swings happen, and and they really happen to anyone who plays thirty sixty regularly. And I bet at no limit, there's big swings too. Uh, Call you're on the air. Yeah, somebody's got to um, take you to task since uh, your permanent co-host seems to stroke you for all he does is stroke you basically. Never has a different opinion. So um, I'd like to take you to task on your um, idiotic position on the the charity that 
poker stars the donating to the charity that you were talking about a couple weeks ago. All right, you can you can take me to task, but first of all, who is this? Yeah, good question. This is uh, Lauren Kling Terriass. Okay, that's what I thought it probably was. Okay, so go go ahead and take me to task for the uh, statement I made, which was basically that uh, I, I was encouraging people not to donate through Poker Stars uh, to have them basically triple the donation uh, for because basically it's like a donation to their marketing for it. And, and furthermore, that they may have already a budget that they're going to donate no matter what, so you're really not increasing the donation. And that was from my own experience 11 years ago for the uh, the, the tsunami in, in Indonesia. That was that was what I said in a nutshell. So, so go ahead and, and respond. Okay, first of all, you were totally wrong. During the telethon, he said it was from Poker Stars and the players. That's number one. But besides that, it's... You have such a Jewy position. You're not giving if your whole point was you were pissed off at Poker Stars for adding to the money to rounding up because that meant you gave nothing in your mind. You should be giving out of the generosity of your heart for uh, the donation for the charity. Should be whether your donation counted or not. If Poker Stars give a couple million extra, you should be happy. Not not be pissed off because your hundred dollars didn't mean anything. Well, if I can answer that, what I felt was that had I donated directly on my own, that the people who were affected by this would have a hundred more dollars than had I not done had I done it through Poker Stars. They would actually have a hundred more real dollars for this effort, this relief effort, if I had done it directly than done it through Poker Stars. That's what bothered me. How can that bother you? What if everybody did that? I mean, then, then you know, there would be no matching. There would be, in, in your other point, that they were taking all the credit. That That is the most asinine position I've ever heard because, number one, you would you want poker stars to market to that kind of an audience. If poker stars wants to blow $100 million a year on advertising, that does nothing but help you and help the players to bring new players in. So your position was, oh, they're taking all the credit. It's like a commercial. Of course it's a commercial. That's what you want. But I don't want to pay for it. You want them to market. I don't want to pay for their commercial. I'm fine if they market. I just don't, I don't want to be the one paying for it. How, how, are you, how are you paying for the commercial when you donated and they matched you? Because you are paying. then part of the money came from me, late, right? You are paying. They're going to use their budget any way you want. And you hope they market more. But I, you okay, don't want listen, them to market less. Let's, let's say... Forget the charity thing. Let's say Poker Stars had a marketing effort on TV. Would you donate money directly to them to advertise on TV? I know I sure as hell wouldn't. I'd say use your own marketing budget you get from my rake. I'm okay, not giving you directly all, money. That's not a good analogy. You're you're going way off the track because the whole thing was for the charity, and you're telling now now they're 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 double matching, and now you're telling you're telling people do not do that. It's a trick. Poker Stars is using this for their, for their, um, to their benefit. Well, I think they are. That, that is so wrong. You, you're you're hurting the charity. You're hurting. I told people to donate poker, directly. Poker I... in general, any any time Poker Stars tries to market to new players and not to like grinders or whatever, if you can get them in a in a telethon type situation, you're, you're going to speak to people that that would never think about poker. But but I want them to I want them to advertise. I don't want them to do it. Oh, so with wait, money what happened I dir- to giving out of the goodness of your heart? Now you're saying you want to give to attract fish. 
I'm no, I'm saying that that's all <laughs> part of it. His whole point was that that he doesn't want to get to the charity because oh, he'd rather do it on his own because PokerStars now is taking credit for it. By the way, someone says in, you sound like fact, someone said you sound like Lee Jones. I gotta agree with that. It's funny. <laughs> you do kind of sound like Lee Jones now, now that someone in the chat mentioned it. It's you common act- sense. It's common sense. Other than you're so Jewy that, that you're worried that your hundred dollars doesn't mean anything. No, I was more. Of, I, I don't care about hey, personally maybe, getting credit. My hundred dollars actually turned into three hundred dollars, and. PokerStars is trying to bring in new players. It's a win-win-win. I don't care about personally getting credit. I care about that if the money I gave, if I didn't give it, and instead had I given it directly instead of through PokerStars, if they would have had more money in their hand for the relief effort if I had done it directly, that is preferable to me. And also, I don't want to pay while I think it's good. You're looking at it from only one point of view, your own. Well, what other? other, You're telling so. You're number one. You're telling your one thousand listeners to all do that. A difference. I'm telling them that I don't like. Had your opinion, the relief, the the relief efforts would get a lot less money. No, I I don't think they will. I'll tell you why I don't think they will. I think PokerStars has a budget in mind already of what they're going to spend on this, and and so whatever it comes, even if every single listener here. Most of which can't play on PokerStars anyway, but most are in the U.S. But every single listener here, uh, even if they chose not to when they were going to otherwise, I don't think it would matter because I think they have their budget and whatever, uh, you know, provided it stays under that, which it probably will, they're going to donate that amount no matter what and claim they're, quote, rounding up. And then they're doing this, of course, uh, partially for marketing, you know, and they're going to present it somewhere. At least I presume they will like they did 11 years ago and therefore get some marketing value out of it, which is fine. But I want them to do this with their own money, not with players' money. I'm saying the players let poker stars donate their own money completely, market themselves with that money, and then the players separately can send their own donations, and then that money will go directly. And yeah, it won't be, quote, triple match, but I think that money was going to go there anyway, whether you did or not, just like my $100 ended up being completely meaningless, whether it went uh, over to Indonesia or not. That was my problem. So if Poker Stars, so if Poker Stars raises twenty thousand, they're going to get four hundred thousand or whatever. That, that's what you're saying. Whatever their number is, doesn't matter. You, you really believe that? I think they have. Very. Yeah, I, I think they've think, decided. Why? Why do you think? Why do you think? You you love to just. Because I saw what they did 11 years ago. I, I didn't think 11 years ago I thought it was totally legit. And then when I saw what happened, I go, ah, they probably had this budget so the whole way. It's insane for you to be pissed off because they didn't match it dollar for dollar, but they added money. So that means your money didn't mean anything. I, I, so I, insane. I felt like what they that, did that, here is that they, is so, that they, that is so they realized awful. that they had a $400,000 commercial that they were going to pay for either way, whether it came from the players or from them. And they figured, why not let the players foot some of the bill? And then uh, and claim that they're quote donating. I realized, well, hey, they would have done this whether I donated or not, probably for the same four hundred thousand. And then I could have donated separately and given an extra hundred dollars over directly to the charity. And that's what bothered me. And that's why I, I just want to see okay. that happen again. Any poker site that, that markets in any way, who pays for that? Who's paying for that? They can pay for it out of their profits, not directly from me. There's a big difference. Who's paying it? Where's the profit coming from? Oh, the profits are coming from the players, but indirectly, directly and indirectly, two different things. If they make money, just like if a, if a pizza place I go to wants to donate some of the money they've made from me buying pizzas over the year to whatever they want to, that's their business. They've made that money from me directly from the business. If the pizza place says to me, hey, 
you know, donate $100 to charity through us, uh, that's a different story with them directly giving the money to give to charity when I could just give directly to the charity myself. And instead, they do it and they get the benefit from it. There's, it's a, that's a big difference than making regular profit from me and then choosing to use some of that for either marketing or charity. Then it's up to – once they've gotten that money from me, from whatever service they're offering, then at that point it's their money and I have no say in what they do with it. So you, you don't get the fact that if PokerStars does donate to charity – Brings out this big, huge check, makes a big deal about it. You don't, you don't get that that's good for you. You don't, I, you don't understand. I, I get that it's good for them, and that sometimes, you know, if you're a player on the site and you can beat the games, it's good for you by extension. But the players should not be paying for that. that that's my point. The players are paying for it through rake or any other but way. But they shouldn't be paying for it directly. There's a di- big difference. There's a big difference. I mean, we're How not going to a big difference other than that they are matching what you're giving and. In- all right, we're if going we're go going around circles look, here. I, I don't think you're going to convince players. me. I don't think you're going to convince me. I'm not going to convince you. We're going to we're going to go around because circles. Because you're so Jewy on this that you that you want you want everybody to say good. You, you want like a medal for giving a hundred bucks. And, and I don't want a medal. Feel, I, I don't want anything. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy if I I'm never recognized for it. But I know the hundred dollars gets there, and I know that if the hundred dollars, what I want to feel when I've given a hundred dollars to a charity is that if I did not do it. The charity would have had a hundred dollars left. That I've actually made a difference for a hundred dollars. I don't need credit. I just want. I just want to. I want to know myself that what I've done has increased their budget by that much. Not that uh, um, I haven't had an effect, and not that I have donated to a company who's doing this to market themselves. That I've. I've given it. That no one's. And no one's gained from it other than the charity. That's what I want. That that's the problem. You you can't be part of a team that that's. It's a team effort. You, all the players rose up and gave 150000 whatever the number was, 140, and then PokerStars added and made it 300000 So instead of you thinking, yeah, that's great, I'm part of this, no, you think, oh, I didn't have to give anything and it wouldn't matter. Well, it's true. It wouldn't that, have that is so, <laughs> that, But that is so off because you're not thinking of the good that it's doing. You're only thinking, oh, what the fuck? I didn't have to give anything. I could have. I could have just sat. I could have just stood up and did nothing. I, I thought more that if I, I gave, mean, if I gave directly, they would you, have even you, more. You That's how I felt. No, you get no. You need to take solace in doing the right thing instead of. That, That's what I was hoping. See, I wasn't. But see, the difference is, I wasn't looking to save a hundred that I had otherwise spent. I was hoping that I could have given the hundred. Directly, and they would have had a hundred dollars more over there. That's what I was hoping, and then they didn't have it. That's that's what bothered me. Okay, we're we're going around in circles. This is uh, I you know I appreciate you being able to call in and and give an alternate point of view or, or or call me out for something you don't like that I said. And I I think yeah you've done it and you've you've made all your points here and I've made my points back and we're we're both going to be in a deadlock over this. And uh, you know we, me and you actually once went, went back and forth. Uh, in text messages about something else, I don't even remember what it was anymore. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was a, it was a promotional gift card thing. <laughs> so, so you know, I'm, I'm glad that you listen. And uh, this guy, by the way, who's calling in here, I'm not going to you know, identify him beyond what he calls him. But this guy is actually a uh, um, a, a big winning uh, limit player, also. So, uh, just just in case you're wondering about this guy calling in, who this is, I'm not going to say anything more though because he, you know, uh, I don't reveal people's identity if they don't want that. So, But, uh, you know, thank you for calling in. Everybody's welcome to make these calls, whether they agree with me or disagree, and I'll always give them time to say so. So, All right. thank you for your call this evening. Thanks for being a fan. <laughs> so, 
Uh, anyone who thinks that I agree with Druff on everything has selective hearing, I gotta say. Now tonight you did. Tonight you were going off about the Garrett thing. That uh, well, I, I've 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 been taking you to task for about a week about the Garrett. Yeah, thing in the, the in the forum. If you go read the forum, the Garrett thread, uh, you, you'll see you'll see he keeps Daredevil keeps going off on me there. So, but you know, if anyone feels that I'm not being taken to task by the co-host enough, then then call in and. and do this. I mean, I gave the guy time here. I, I wasn't going to let this go on for an hour. We were we were both making the same points back and forth. That's why I finally ended. Yeah. Not not. I wasn't trying to shut him up. I will always let it, someone get out everything they want to say. I'm I'm not saying I'm going to bow down and agree. Oh boy, I was wrong. Thanks for showing me the way. But you get to say your point, and then the listener can decide: Are you full of crap, or am I full of crap, or is it somewhere in between? And you know, now you've got all the information, and that that's the whole point of the the exchanges here on radio. Right, which was kind of odd because his assertion was what you're saying is influencing people not to give, but he heard those same points and disagreed with them. Yeah, the so, X, the, I mean, you can just, it's, someone's just making a point. You can agree with it, you cannot. Yeah, the X Factor just said in chat, Druff only donates to charities that are endorsed by Jacep. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that is, that is, that is true in a way. I mean, I was. Yeah, you got that one. I, I, I did make the Poker Fraud Alert server available for the charity podcast, which ended up being a scam. So I was uh, not one of the prouder moments of this site. All right. You know what's funny, though? This this caller, though, he did he did sound like Lee Jones, not so much in what he was saying, but but his voice actually sounds like Lee Jones. This is so funny. I, I kind of felt Well, like, also in what he was saying. He was no, I know. defending poker stars. But, but. but like when I said he sounds like Lee Jones, people are going, oh, you know, yeah, he, he sounds like Lee Jones because he's defending poker stars. Not, not just that. He actually really sounds – his voice sounds like Lee Jones. His mannerisms mm-hmm. sound like Lee Jones. Like I kind of felt like I was debating with Lee Jones about this, even though I know who this guy is, so I'm not. But uh, – um, and Lee is a limit hold'em player, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that's where I learned. That's where I learned limit hold'em from from reading his too. book. So yeah, so that's it. maybe mm-hmm. it was Lee Jones. Uh, bad guy said Lee Jones is holding his own. I think he's going to call Druff a slimy Jew at the end. <laughs> it was bordering on that. I got to say. I mean, there was there were some hard J's thrown around in there. Yeah, you know, uh, pe- people uh, they can get passionate about these things. Uh, when I, I make these statements, people are sometimes angry at me for saying things on the show that they think will have influence on the thousand listeners. There really are a thousand listeners, so uh, people are. There's are, probably more. I mean, yeah, there's no way to track like iTunes subscriptions, right? Well, yeah, this is kind of an estimate, but I, I know it's somewhere yeah. around there. It, it may be a little more, maybe a little less uh, in some weeks, but uh, but it's somewhere around there. I, I, and I've been watching for this, and uh, and it's important to me to know what the audience is. But people sometimes are upset when I say something that they're afraid may have influence on, on a thousand people. And, uh, and some, in some ways this helps me because sometimes when something shady is happening, especially directly to me and, and they know I'm going to come on this show and talk about it, then they get a little worried that a thousand people are going to hear this. And then they, they start to reconsider doing whatever wrong they're doing here. Whereas if I didn't have that, that sort of uh, uh, forum here, I don't mean a literal forum, but uh, to have this radio show to complain about these things and reach this many people every week, then uh, maybe I'd be shown less respect in some of these things. So in, in that way it helps. But it also it can harm me is that people get mad rather than just like you make a, for- a forum post and say something people don't agree with. They're afraid that what I'm saying 
will be taken as gospel by a thousand listeners. But I don't even think that necessarily happens. I think people just that's like, an odd argument to me. But I, I think people just like to listen, and and they don't necessarily have to agree with everything I say. And we have people like like Jimmy from San Francisco who who disagrees with most of what I say, but still listens every week. But uh, anyway, that's uh, I always give the other side a chance to call me out, and I'm, I'm not going to try to just monopolize my point of view on this show. All right, so a lot of calls tonight. Well, speaking of poker stars. Speaking of poker stars, yeah. Uh, a documentary is going to be released on their main sponsored pro, Daniel Negreanu. And Daniel Negreanu, he's, he's really becoming a polarizing figure because uh, while he is friendly and, and good for the game and, and generally has a, a clean reputation uh, and, and he always gives his fans a good show when he's playing and will talk to people on the rail and, and will be very talkative at the table. Uh, some people don't like that he gets involved with some weird things and then lets everyone know what he's involved with and... Uh, uh, we'll, we'll say some odd and controversial things on his blog or on his videos or basically recently it's been his Choice Center affiliation, which is a, a cult-like self-help group which resembles Scientology in some ways, and he is super involved with that. So uh, now Daniel Negreanu goes way back in poker. He's, he's not that old. I think he's like uh, two years younger than me. Two or three years younger than me, so he's around forty. But uh, he's been around in poker for about twenty years, and he started playing in Toronto, where he's originally from. And uh, he was a limit hold'em player originally, and eventually he got into other games, and he, uh, you know, got into the tournament scene where he's found the most success. He he was a winning cash player. That was really where he earned his money originally. Now, of course, the games were easier then. There were a lot fewer you know, really talented limit hold'em players back then compared to now, but uh, he, he was originally a winning limit hold'em player, and, and then when he got into tournaments, uh, he really found that was where he had the most talent, and that's uh, that's really where Negreanu is the best. And the, the, Basically, the book on Negreanu is a uh, cash player. He's nothing that special. But but tournament players, as far as the tournament players go, he, he's great. So uh, here is the trailer for the documentary on Daniel Negreanu's life and rise in poker. It's called Kid Poker, which was his original nickname. It's kind of funny to be called Kid Poker at this point when he's 40, but that's still his name at this point. And here's the trailer. I, I got to mention this before it gets going. <laughs> you st- you, st- you start the trailer. <laughs> you start the trailer, and it says contains flashing images. Oh yeah, that was weird. Like for people with epilepsy. Yes, I don't know. Yes, they're actually. I mean, doesn't the whole site of Poker Stars contain flashing images? Doesn't like, every video on the internet <laughs> contain flashing? I, I, I first I thought it was like trying to say. Something about like Flash. I go no, what, like Adobe Flash. I go no, no, that's not it. Because mm-hmm. if you're playing the video, you don't need to be warned about that. Then if you can play it, you, the only way to see this is if you have, uh, um, yeah, the, the proper things installed on your computer to be able to play a video. 
But uh, <laughs> that wasn't it. They're actually saying it contains flashing images like you're going to have a, a, an epileptive seizure from watching this video. <laughs> it's just, it's, I've never seen that warning before. I mean, that's, that's really uh, overcautiousness. All right, let's go on. I'm not surprised where I am. I always felt like I was going to be successful at whatever it was I did. Poker Stars original films. Is, is that such a thing? It is now. Poker Stars original films. Now they're showing the obligatory Bellagio Fountains theme or scene. When you think of poker, most people think of Daniel Negreanu. I don't know who that is. When I met Daniel, he was already a legend. I think Daniel Negreanu is the most notable, most recognized, most famous poker player in the world. I don't know who these people are supposed to be. Maybe uh, other pros, maybe just voiceovers. I don't know. They're, they're not. You don't know who they are? You, they, they don't show who they are. Oh, well, that last one was Antonio, obviously, and I heard Phil Ivey. Oh, okay. See, I guess you're better at recognizing these voices. I, I, I kind of don't memorize these voices. I just... It's funny. It's funny you recognize that I didn't. All right, let's go on. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's start from the beginning. Both my parents came to Canada with $5 in their pocket and really just worked their way up. My dad was my Superman. We just had a perfect, loving family. When he started having success, he knew that he was always going to be a winner. In Toronto, I was a bull. I just pushed people around. And then I go to the bull. I don't know why that kind of sounds sexual to me. In Toronto, I don't know either. In Toronto, I was a bull. Actually, I know why it sounds sexual to me. I don't know why I know this, but the term bull is uh, the term for a guy who has sex with other men's wives when these men allow it. So, like, you know, people who are okay. in that lifestyle, that this, uh, it's not even a swinging lifestyle. It's known as a, a cuckold it's lifestyle. A cuckold, yeah. yeah, to where, and I can't imagine a guy wanting to do this. Not the bull so much, but the uh, the cuckold. This is a guy who's <laughs> who's married, but wants other men to have sex with his wife and gets turned on by it, and, and doesn't he doesn't get to have sex with with other women. It's not like uh, an open relationship or swingers. Uh, so, the bull is the man who's actually having sex with his wife. And so there's guys in the scene who are bulls who, who go around having sex with the cuckold's wives. And there's the cuckolds who are the let men have sex with their wives. So he's saying he's a bull. At least, at least he's not saying that he was a cuckold in Toronto. I guess that's, uh, <laughs> I guess that's better. In Vegas, big cocky 21 year old, like, yo, I'm going to bust everybody here. And no. He ended up going broke. He learned a long lesson to having to start over again. Now, that's Jen Harmon. They did show her. I'd started down a path of self-discovery and introspection. Uh-oh. Oh, no. There we go. Oh, no. I was wondering where we could get this. You don't get to be the world series player of the year without being astonishingly talented. There was just something about him. It's unexplainable. That's a Tony again. When I hear people saying, I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm like, oh, really? Oh, man, do I want to shove this in your face. He went through a phase where his kind of ego ran riot. I win! I love nothing more than being under the lights, on center stage. This is my comfort zone. Sometimes I say things where I do cross the line, and on major issues, I stood alone. I mean, did anybody buy that that's all I had to say? No, I got a lot to say. But I'd rather be that kind of person than someone who has no opinion at all. 
to avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. You can't see this. It's on the radio, but they keep flashing to all these old pictures from his childhood. Like that, every one of those are showing a different picture. It's almost like you're watching a horror film, like a trailer of a horror film. It's it's really kind of unnerving. Those are those flashing images. Yeah. Okay. Now I know why they warned me. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm about Terrifying. to have a seizure. I'm about to have a seizure. All right. And that's not the way I live my life. Kid poker, it says on the screen. Coming soon. Coming soon. <laughs> uh-huh. So they didn't directly mention Choice Center, but they were already alluding to it a little bit. Oh, it'll be in there. About the introspection and the, even the part about him getting a little out of control of the ego. And I think that's, that'll probably lead up to the eventual choice center part of it, where he let his ego get out of control and then started to go down a path where he wasn't uh, succeeding as much at the tables. And then he found choice center and he toned his ego back down. And then he had those great years that he's had recently. So, uh, it's, it's hard for me to believe with Daniel this much into Choice Center that he's going to allow them to leave that out. I think no, and he obviously has final cut on this. So. Yeah, yeah. So he's not, he's not going to say a poker star is. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm cool with that. Just just show my past. Just show my poker accomplishments, and let's just let's just gloss over the Choice Center. Nobody needs to know about that. Like there's no no way he's doing that. <laughs> there's no way he's. This is no. going to be like. A, I think the end, by the end it's going to be like kind of a commercial for Choice Center. If, if, when this airs on YouTube, there'll be one of those boxes with like a link for Choice Center. <laughs> yeah, say like, click here if you want to uh, attend Discovery next week. That's what it's going to say. Uh, yeah. I, I think that uh, you know since Poker Stars is producing this, they're not going to let it be completely a Choice Center ad. The, Poker Stars no, is no, doing no. this to promote Negranu as their ambassador and and to try to make you feel like. Maybe you can be the next Negranu by playing on their site. So, mm-hmm. so it's got to start with the I rose up from the humble beginnings in Toronto and and uh, and hit some pitfalls along the way, and and now look where I am. Now look at the adversity I overcame. But but I'm sure he's going to want in there, you know, what he did to overcome the adversity. I'll be very surprised if they allow him not to mention Choice Center. Uh, but uh, I guess there's a small chance that they'll talk him out of it by saying that they can't have any other company named in there. That this is a Poker Stars video; they're paying him this much per year, and you know this is more promotional video for them. But uh, but since it's supposed to be like a a documentary about his life, he can say, "Hey, this is a huge part of my life now. You can't leave it out." Yeah, it, I mean, I'm sure he has a huge hand in it, and this is kind of his biggest thing at the moment. So I'd be shocked if there's no mention a choice center. Yeah, I mean it's it's really taken over. This is this is really a, a bigger part of his life now than than even poker itself. Sadly, I mean it shouldn't be, but uh, but it is. And, uh, and well, I, I don't know. I always say whatever works, whatever works for you, might not work for me, whatever. If he's if he's really that happy and changes his whole life for a $1500 weekend, uh, good on him. But <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. But. Yeah. I just, I mean, if he just did this himself and, and shut up about it, then it's a different story. I, I just, I, I hate when people find these sort of groups and then they feel obligated to push everyone else towards it. That, that if you could just take it and, and then you don't 
mention it to anyone unless they ask you, uh, then that's fine. And it's just I, I don't like when, and that part of Choice Center's focus in in the third course they teach is is you know once they see you haven't dropped out after the first two, then they push you toward getting people involved who you know under the guise of well look how much we've helped you now. Find other people in your life who can benefit from this, and you'll do all kinds of good. And that's what Daniel really thinks he's doing. He's not. He doesn't think mm-hmm. he's doing anything evil or wrong. He's not doing. Oh. I don't think he's doing this for personal gain. I, I, I oh. really think he believes that this helped him so much. And, and why not turn on other people to this that can be helped? And there's a lot of people in poker who need help for things. I mean, that's true. There's yeah. There's a lot of he, wayward souls in poker. He's much like a newly, you know, religious convert. And, uh, you know, those people are annoying, too. And, and some of the people he got involved with this were ones who had various issues with, with managing their lives. You know, people like uh, like Theo Tran and uh, – uh, uh, what was his name? I'm forgetting the guy's name now. Uh, crap. I know Antonio went, too, right? Antonio uh, – I, I don't know why I'm forgetting this guy's name. It's a, it's a Canadian guy who – Oh, Sorrel Mitzi, right? Sorrel Mitzi, that's something that was escaping me. Sorrel Mitzi, he, he mm-hmm. pushed to it, and Gavin Smith, another one who had a lot oh, of really? pers- personal issues. Yeah, the, Isn't he running a poker room in, like, Alaska? He is, yeah, last I heard. But uh, he's married, too. But uh, Yeah, he's been married for a while. Yeah, he's been married a while. But, yeah, that's uh, Gavin Smith had a lot of money management issues and, and a lot of drinking issues. So, you know, he found, he knew these people that he generally liked – that he felt had a lot of problems that were interfering with their lives, and, and they did. But but he felt the Choice Center was the answer for them and then pushed them towards it. I don't know if all these people are still involved, but I know they were at, at some point. And, uh, and, and sometimes, unfortunately, even if the problems these people have are improved, uh, if it's replaced by something else that's problematic with, with over-devotion to a cause like that, then... That can also be an issue. And some people say when Daniel posts that he kind of comes off like a Stepford wife, which I, I can kind of see sometimes. So, Yeah, there, well, that or a little, like you say, kind of Scientology. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, you read that thing in 2 Plus 2 where he said he's not certain you can't control cards with your mind. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying you can, uh, but I haven't seen evidence that you can't. <laughs> There's plenty oh, of evidence. There's plenty of evidence that you can. It's pretty easy to prove you can't actually. Yeah, the the only thing you can do by by thinking positive is not allowing is allowing it to have you play more confidently and make better and more confident plays, and and stop people from running you over and, and you can play a more intimidating game of poker. So, uh, uh, you know that can help if you are feeling good. In fact, I I've talked about before how I found the Bovada anonymous tables were helping me in that on other sites where I could see who I'm playing, when I get to know certain players who always seem to run well against me or who my style doesn't match up with well, then I feel intimidated when I'm, I'm in hands against them, where in anonymous tables I don't, and I probably play better against these people when I can't see who the hell they are. So so like sometimes confidence or the lack of, uh, of fear at the table can actually help you. and that's so, so in that way, you can be helped, but you can't influence the cards by thinking positively. It's absurd. All right. So, uh, by the way, a, another message from the individual who called in before and, and took me to task. He said, this is a text message. 
I wasn't sticking up for poker stars, just making a point of how wrong you are. <laughs> so, okay. He wants to let everyone know that uh, he's not a poker stars fanboy necessarily. He just is. Uh, he just wants the world to know that on that issue, I'm very wrong. So he definitely got that out. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see what else. We, I, I think we're at the end almost. Of, of the Near the end. I don't know if you still want to do this advice for WSP listeners. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. I, I may skip the editorial right. tonight, but I'm, I'm kind of getting burned yeah, up. It's getting late. Yeah, it's, it's getting late. But let's, let's do the WSP advice. I know it's still two and a half weeks away, but I, I think some of this advice is better said two and a half weeks before the WSP rather than like the night before. So some of these things, yeah, you could think about, you could sink in some of these involve you know, hotel reservations or plans so these things you can't do at the very last minute so let me get to the uh, where is the uh, here we are uh, now this originally came from a guy who hosted the show with me once co-hosted uh, uh, Jamie it, it, it reads as Jay Jammy in this forum but he said it's just Jamie so okay and then I added to it, and I, I thought this was a good thread to have. This is actually in the uh, casinos in Las Vegas section of Poker Frogler. I should probably move it, actually, because it's uh, more for poker than about casinos. But anyway, a lot of times I get requests for things like this, because I've been going to the World Series of Poker since '05. So this is going to be my 11th year there. And like anything that I do repeatedly, I, I, I try to find especially from a logistical standpoint, ways to do things that are optimal and that sometimes allow me to do things better than the general public or the general crowd. Uh, For example, driving to Dodger Stadium, I learned ways to get there, kind of like secret ways through the streets over there that uh, avoid the normal traffic. And I learn that eventually after sitting in awful traffic and saying there's got to be a better way. So uh, similarly with the World Series of Poker, I, I learned over time some things to do and to not do. And so of others, of course, I'm not the only one who notices things like this. And uh, so Jamie posted his list of suggestions and I added to it. So the, the, here are his suggestions, and I agree with most of these. Uh, he said, get a good night of sleep. Ten rounds of play which it usually is 10 one-hour rounds, sometimes it's eight, but eight or ten, is much more mentally exhausting than you can imagine. And that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you may not even realize it. If you get like three hours of sleep and then go play, at, at the beginning you may feel fine, but you may make a mistake later in the day and go, wait a minute, why did I do that dumb thing? And, and you'll, you'll, you'll want to punch yourself in the face for making such a dumb play, and you go, what was I thinking? How did I make this play? How did I not see this? How did I not realize the guy must have flopped the set? How did I, you know, you, why did I make this dumb bluff here? Uh, why did I, whatever, that, you know, that was wrong, that, that cost you chips? This could possibly be because you were tired and you weren't thinking straight. And, and there's a lot between being super mentally alert and being so groggy that you barely know what's going on, there's a middle ground where you can be alert enough to feel like you're normal, but you're actually not. You're actually making some poor decisions because you're tired. So get a good night of sleep. That's true. Uh, he says, eat a good breakfast. It's a long time until the dinner break. 
Well, it, it, the dinner break, it depends about what you're used to. Because the dinner break is usually uh, at uh, after level six. And so what happens is you play two levels. This is a, a, an event that starts at noon, for example, which is most of them. You play two uh, two levels, which are two hours. Then there's a 20-minute break. You come back at 2.20. You play another two hours. It's a 20-minute break again. You come back at 4.40. You play another two hours, and the dinner break is at 6.40. So if you are used to eating something after you wake up, then you definitely should. I personally don't need to do this because I am actually used to not eating for a while after I wake up. I can wake up and go several hours without eating. I, I have to drink something, but but not eating. So I, I, six and a half hours between when I enter, you know, and I always get up only a short time before the World Series event. So if it's at noon, I'll wake up at 11 something. So uh, it really doesn't feel that long to me. Just eating a small snack is fine. So I, but if you're used to eating breakfast or used to eating something, you know, and it would really bother you to go six hours, seven hours without uh, eating, then definitely yeah, eat beforehand. He says, eat a light dinner. It will help you stay mentally alert during those last late rounds. That I fully agree with, because people believe that it's important to eat a lot of food to keep yourself alert, and, and you know that you should have a big dinner so you have all the energy. Well, you don't. If you eat a big dinner, a heavy dinner, your body will expend energy to burn those calories and uh, you're, to digest the food. So, uh, not burn the calories, but digest the food is what I meant. So, I've had it before where I've had a heavy dinner and I feel so crappy when I come back. I, I feel bloated. I feel like uh, I feel tired. I've actually had it before when I'm playing cash games that I've been there so long, like I'm in a 16-hour cash session. And even though the food is free, I don't even want to eat because I'm afraid it'll make me tired. And it does if I try. So uh, eating actually does make you tired. So while you probably have to eat during the dinner break, it's probably better you don't stuff yourself and you eat a light dinner. Uh, and this is, you know, this is a good tip if Druff's refusing free food. <laughs> yeah. I actually was, was really paranoid about this when, you know, the dinner break's coming to like a final table. Like, I, I really don't want to eat a lot then. I'm especially worried, like, what if it brings on some kind of stomach problem? I, and especially if you're getting late in the tournament and, like, if you start developing stomach problems, the last thing you want to have to do is run to the bathroom. So believe me, uh, then especially eat the light dinner. He says, walk around and get your blood flowing during the breaks. Use the time to mentally recharge, review your play, and develop strategy for the next two hours. That, that's also good. Uh, it is good to... Really, kind of like what he said, take a break between rounds. That 20 minutes is important. Walking around is good to stretch. Uh, Think about not only what mistakes you made and how you can not make them again the next time, the next rounds, but also think about where you want to be at the next break. How many ships do you want to have? What's your general strategy going to be? And, and not just kind of come back and play, but, but stop and say, okay, am I happy with how things went? Am I happy with how I played? If not, why? What can I do to improve? And where am I hoping I'm going to be next time we're at a break if I make it? And how am I going to get there? You know, think about these things. And I think it's more important to do this than to socialize with people. Not, not to say you should ignore everyone you see around, but you may see people you, you know or meet people, but 
don't stand there for the whole 20 minutes and, and just talk, 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 talk. It, it's probably better just to spend some time with yourself and, and uh, think about how it's been going and, and what you want to do. And uh, a lot of times that can make the difference. Uh, he says, be aware of the, how the tables are breaking. You can't set up any long game strategies against your opponents if the table is going to break soon. So he's saying, uh, don't try to do something for your image, like like uh, play overly aggressive so people give you action later if the table's about to break. Don't don't <laughs> bluff so they call you later if the table's about to break. Look around you. They actually have up on their on the screen the breaking order, and if you don't see it, then ask the floor man what order do they break the table? He'll tell you. And and you can also watch if the table's near you or starting to break and, and what direction it's going. And if it's going to break soon, then, then do that. And uh, uh, one other thing, someone may call this angle shooting, but uh, <laughs> you may want to consider it anyway. If it's really, really close to break and, uh, and your blinds are about to come, uh, you think it's like a minute away from breaking, maybe you want to stall a little bit before you fold the hand before the flop or before, or if you get involved in a hand uh, before uh, you, you fold in that hand or make your action. I'm not saying to stall ridiculously to whether the clock is called on you, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable strategy because uh, there's nothing worse than paying your blinds, your table breaking, and then you get moved to a table in the blinds. And there's nothing you can do about that. That's just the way it falls. Right, but it's all random, right? You're just as it, likely to not yes, play the blinds. Yes, it, right? it is random. But if you see it coming up and you, and you, uh, you know, if you think it's going to happen in the next minute and, and you think you could, uh, you can, and, you know, you shouldn't make it obvious. You shouldn't be a jerk about this and, uh, you know, pre-flop sit there for a minute thinking what you're going to do. People are going to know what you're doing. And But, uh, you know, if, if you're in the middle of a hand on a flop or in the turn and you, you want to think of what to do, or pretending to think what to do. I mean, I've pretended to think before, not for this purpose, but I've pretended to think before just not to give away what my hand was and make it look like sure, that was a, 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 a tough decision. Obviously, that's a, so. Yeah, if you, if you want to, uh, especially if you're getting short stacked and you you don't want to pay the blinds and the table break, uh, as long as you don't go too extreme with it, I don't see a problem with uh, you know, taking longer time to fold your hand. Uh, the next thing, consider playing a warm up tournament. So he says, I know Druff hates Sheldon Adelson, but the deep stack events at the Venetian give you a lot of chips and a great value. They're much better than the daily tourneys at the Rio. Whatever warm-up tournament you play, and I, I said this last week. I think I said it last week. Well, if I didn't, I'll say it now. You need to make sure it resembles somewhat the structure of the World Series. Otherwise, you may actually get yourself in the wrong mindset. You have to be mm-hmm. careful that you don't uh, get too used to playing a, a much faster structure or against much weaker players. Uh, you really want to, if you're going to warm up, you really need to make sure you're playing against uh, competition and a structure that's somewhat similar to the World Series. Uh, otherwise, you may be actually be doing yourself a disservice. And uh, I, I've seen this before where I've watched players who are very successful online at tournaments or successful at local turn smaller tournaments and then they go to the world series and they just make moves that i can't believe it like i'll see them uh raise and uh you know someone three bets them all in for a lot of chips and they snap them really fast and i go wow this must be two huge hands and i i see the guy who snapped him really fast at ace queen i go what 
And of course, the person yeah. who who three bet them all in has has something very strong that, that crushes ace queen, and and then they lose, and they they just they take a huge hit or they bust, and I go, what the hell? How do you? And it was against a player, you know, who's who's not known for making this type of moves, and I go, how could they not be seeing this? And I think, oh, maybe where they play, not only do they see this type of thing a lot more often, but uh, but also you have to you you can't be as conservative with, with making these folds because. Uh, uh, the blinds are constantly moving up, and you've got to either chip up or you're going to bust. So you have to always be mindful of the structure. And also, if you're playing, if you're used to playing things that are of a different structure or different caliber of players, you almost have to forget everything you learned at these other tournaments. Right. So Jamie there suggested the Venetian deep stack. Do you think that's appropriate? I don't know those that well, so I don't know if they are or not. Uh, I, I think there's probably there may be one of the better comparisons. So maybe that's not in, a bad in general one. though. Deep stack is yeah. So I think it may be a better comp- except that I think they may be a little different than than you know, like a deep stack of the Venetian versus the uh, fifteen hundred dollar event, no limit event of the World Series. Those you don't start deep, but but you do get more play than the typical tournament just because the, of the levels taking an hour and and not moving up as quickly. So. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know which one gets more play overall, but uh, uh, so they don't have to be identical. You just don't want to have it where you're feeling – you don't want to play a warm-up tournament where you're feeling rushed to constantly chip up or where most players raising you are, are going to not have it or you're going to have to be making a lot of hero calls. Those are not going to be tournaments to prepare you well for the World Series. You're just going to end up uh, getting too paranoid. You're going to be bluffed, and you're going to end up uh, – shooting off chips to people with very strong hands. Uh, he, he says, uh, now this one I, I I can't agree with, but I'll, I'll read it anyway. Play the highest event, highest buy-in event you can afford. The higher the buy-in, the more starting chips, the more time to make plays before your short stack. The 1,500 events don't give you as much play as you think. Well, the problem here is that there's a barrier, what I call the amateur barrier of uh, 2,500. For whatever reason, it's been like this for years. Any event that is 2,000 buy-in or less, and I don't think they have 2,000 buy-ins anymore, but 2,000 or less gets a lot of amateurs. 2,500 or more gets a lot more pros. And you don't want to play a 2,500 or up event unless you are really good at that form of poker because you're going to be playing against a lot of really good players. So uh, – if you were a decent but not great no limit player, you don't want to enter the three thousand dollar buy-in no limit or the five thousand. It's going to be very tough. You want to stick to the fifteen hundred and the thousand. You're going to start with fewer chips, but uh, but you're going to play a, against a lot more amateurs that you can beat and you can run over. So beware. So of that. what he's saying is the higher event, the deeper the stack, so the less the variance. But wouldn't just entering more tournaments actually still be less variance? Yeah, well, he's like, saying that you can you can just kind of it's it's not so much of a variance. He's just saying that it, it's it's you have to get off to too good of a start in these smaller buy-in events, the, the thousand to fifteen hundred buy-in events. You've got to get off to too quick of a start, and if you don't, then you're screwed and you get short stacked. And if you start with these, you play a higher buy-in event, you start with more chips, and you you're less there's less of a of pressure to get off to a good start. And that's true. He didn't say that directly, but I think it's what he means. I'm just saying that the competition is so much different at the 2,500 and up events that uh, you have to really keep that in mind. And I wouldn't advise entering those unless you were 
really used to playing that caliber of player where most of them are really good at your table and that you've proven you can win at those events. Uh, He says, be friendly and courteous at the table. Never give away free information, though. You will encounter many, quote, friendly opponents who will try to engage you in conversation. Do not fall for this ploy. The less your opponents know about you, the better. Well, it depends who's talking to you. If if it's uh, Daniel Negreanu trying to talk to you, then maybe uh, he's trying to extract info out of you. But the average recreational player, you actually want him talking to you. And I can tell you this from a lot of experience that, first of all, he's totally correct. You should never give away free info. But they will give free info to you if you just talk to some people. I've had so many times at the table where a guy sitting next to me and observing, like a recreational player, observing other hands going on that neither of us are involved in, then he'll see the showdown and go, oh, my God, look, that guy open raised Jack-10 under the gun. Jack-10 offsuit. I would never play a hand like that under the gun. I'm only playing Jack-10 offsuit if I'm in late position. And uh, He'll start telling me when he's going to play Jack-10 offsuit, or he's going to tell me he's not going to cold call a raise with such and such hand. Like, okay, well, now now I know. Or or I've even had ones tell me they don't bluff, and they really don't. <laughs> so so then when they raise me, I fold. Like, uh, And, and this, it's not even a level. Like, they, uh, uh, they really are telling me this, I don't know why, just to be friendly, or maybe they think that, you know, like they think we're together looking down on these crazy internet players there. I, I don't know what it is, but, uh, uh, you know, and obviously I don't say, hey, stop telling me how you play. If they, if they want to tell me this, that's fine. And uh, it, it just makes it easier to play them. So you, if you engage in conversation with players at the table, they will volunteer things to you. Now, you should never volunteer yourself. The only team you should ever volunteer anything is so you look like that you know you're being friendly. So I've I've had it before where someone will show me their hand when I fold because uh, you know I, I fold and I look frustrated even if I know that I have crap. But I, I like I feel like I make it look like I'm making a tight fold, and then they'll to be nice they'll turn over their hand and show me they had top set or something. And again, these yeah. are amateur players that aren't doing it to to uh, for any kind of strategy reason. And, right. and so, so what happens is later on when I'm betting into them and they fold, if I have crap, I'm never showing that to them. I don't want them to think I'm bluffing them and, and, and get them frustrated and not want to tell me anything or show me anything anymore. Uh, but if I'm betting and I have a big hand and they fold, oh, then I'll turn it over. Because th- then they'll feel good for showing me their hand before that I'm showing them now. And it's not like I lie to them and say, hey, I'll never bluff you. I'm going to show you every time and, and you know, trick them. I'm just... You know, the ones I'll choose to show them will always be the ones when I really have it. That's that's when I'll give the information because I'm not really giving actual information. I'm just uh, uh, selectively showing them, so so they believe I, I'm rarely bluffing them, and that allows me to. Uh, and th- these are right, just, these are just table straight. This is an angle shooting mm-hmm. because I'm not I'm not lying to them about anything. I'm no. just uh, I'm, I'm just selectively showing, and and yeah, it's their fault for for volunteering things to me that they shouldn't be volunteering. And the bottom line is, when you're sitting at a poker table, everyone's an opponent. You're all you're trying to beat each other. It's not uh, um, you, you can't be soft playing anyone or not using every advantage you have as long as you're. No, not, that would actually be unethical. Yeah, as long as long as you're not being dishonest um, about things like, uh, you know, I wouldn't feel good about telling someone next to me, Oh, I never bluff either. I absolutely never bluff. And then, you know, go bluff the guy hard. I mean, yeah, there are people who do that, but I, I don't feel good about doing that. But at the same time, if you know a guy who will, uh, 
lay down a lot if you keep putting a lot of pressure on them and he tells you, oh, yeah, I fold if people keep uh, betting into me unless I have the nuts. Like that. Well, then you keep betting into him. Then he just gave you a, the information that you uh, should use against him because he stupidly told you. So uh, that, that's part of the whole strategy of poker is to keep your opponents guessing about what you're doing. And if you stupidly tell people what you're doing, then you, you deserve to lose. So... Uh, he goes on with, uh, don't be afraid of being the bubble boy, except possibly the main event, which is an interesting uh, asterisk he puts on it. Your goal should be to get to the final table, not just cash. If you go into a shell when you're close to the money, your opponents will notice and take advantage of your tim- timid play. Uh, I, I pretty much agree with that, that you should, pl- first of all, you should be comfortable enough with the buy-in that getting the min cash should not be exciting to you. It should not be something that's uh, a goal. And if it is, then, then you're approaching it the wrong way because the min cash is usually around double of what the buy-in. So you're basically making the equivalent of the buy-in. If it's 1500 and you catch 3000 you, ha- you haven't made 3000 you're making 1500 because you're getting your original 1500 back. So you, to do that, you're beating 90% of the field. So you're beating 90% of the field and only getting the equivalent of one buy-in, which is not a very good deal. So the only way it becomes a good deal is, is when you make the top few spots where you're getting many, many, many times what the buy-in is. So you should be going for not just cashing. You should be going for hitting one of the top spots. Now, that doesn't mean play recklessly because sometimes by preserving chips uh, and not wasting them, that will allow you to happen to be in a good spot to, to make a lot. You, know, you don't want to blow off all your chips with queen high when the next hand you might be dealt in top set uh, against bottom set and you could have you know you could double or triple up uh, but at the same time uh, when the bubble comes you should just play normally or or even play more aggressively if you see people being very timid on the bubble now with that said it can be tough to do psychologically with something like the main event where you've been playing for 4 days and where you're going to make five figures for making the money and, and where it's the difference between pretty much having wasted those four days or getting a decent payout for it. And that, that in my opinion, is very different than playing one day or one day in a, in a few hours the next day and, and making $1,500. I think that's, it's much easier to play aggressively there than the main event where, where it is a lot harder. It's, I mean, it's easy to say, oh, you know, don't worry about the bubble on main event. Just keep raping the bubble. You can say that, but uh, if you've played four days... And in an attempt to rape the bubble, you bust. Uh, you know, it, it takes a pretty strong person to walk away and say, "Okay, I did the right thing. I'm happy with it." So, um, I can understand in the main event not doing it. But with that said, two years ago, or sorry, three years ago at the 5K limit event, I was the stone bubble boy. They paid 18 spots. I finished 19th, and I could have easily folded to the money, and the money was 11,000. But I, I didn't. I played four hands, four good hands. But they weren't like aces. I had like ace-queen, ace-ten suited, ace-king, and, and maybe you know, pocket-tens or something like that. Like good hands, but not super top premium hands. It wasn't like aces and kings I'm, uh, but I, that I said I had to play. So, I mean, I, I could, yes, I could have folded the ace-ten suited. But, but I didn't because in the position I was in, it was definitely the right play to enter with these hands. And I lost all four of them, and I was the next one to bust. And I, I didn't regret it because I wasn't going for a min cash there. I was going for my second bracelet. And 
Well, I think that's the most important thing. Just be honest with yourself about what you want. And if you, you came in on a $60 satellite and you just want a min cash, then yeah, lock it up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you got in on a cheap satellite and, and, the, and the money means a lot to you to min cash, then, then you know, I'm, I'm not anyone to tell you to, oh, no, you have to go for the gold. And if you don't, then uh, you're a loser. No, that's not true. You know, but, but if you can afford to enter the whole buy-in yourself, making that same buy-in back for outlasting 90% of the people, uh, you shouldn't do it. Now, there's one exception here. If you are very short-stacked to where – and it's a very large field, so – People will drop off pretty easily. It's it's different if it's a small field and there's a, and you're the shortest stack at the moment or you know one of the sh- two shortest. And uh, but if you're in a large field where there's a lot of people constantly dropping, and you feel like you pretty much need a miracle at this point to run really deep, and you, I'm sure we've all felt this before, where you're just you're so low, and there's it's such a large field, and the chance of going from your super short stack all the way up to near the top it just seems like it's it's insurmountable and you want to say hey i i just going to kind of survive to to get the money here and then uh, and then from that point uh ship it in and try to get lucky i i don't see harm in that because here your your chance of succeeding anyway is so small succeeding meaning like really making the big money then uh i i think there it's probably worth it just to hold on uh, not to cripple yourself doing it, but I mean, if you're if you're very short stacked and there's a few spots left, I'm not saying you know keep going all in and try to rape the bubble. You, you shouldn't. Uh, you shouldn't be scared. If you get a good hand, you should go all in. But, but at the same time, you, you shouldn't become obsessed with uh, playing overly aggressive with the bubble or or feel bad about trying to make the money if your stack is so short that uh, in all likelihood you're you're going to bust. Right. The other thing is it's not really going to work. I mean, you can't really be raping the bubble with a short stack. Right, right. It's People are going to call gonna you and they're going to snap you off, yeah, especially the bigger stacks. that are They're not going to have this. So, so uh, uh, now I will say I finished 10th in the limit, no limit combo, the, the, what they call the, uh, the mixed hold'em, which is now gone. I finished 10th in 2008. I was very much looking like I was going to be the bubble boy there. I think they paid 36 spots, and I was, uh, with 37 left, I was definitely the shortest stack. And I was not afraid to get it in. I, I was shipping it in with, uh, you know, the type of thing that like would go fold, 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 like in the no limit heart. Fold, 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 and I've got king five offsuit in the cutoff. Not a wonderful hand, but, uh, but you know, being the short stack, it's correct to ship in the king five. Mm-hmm. So I shipped in the king five, and I, I think one of the times I, I, I put a bad beat on king queen... And, and I survived, but um, I ended up eventually rolling up a, a big stack from there. Not only cashing, but uh, and not only finishing tenth. But at one point, I was looking like I was uh, in good. I was never the chip leader, but I was I was going up, and it looked like I was in good position to win it. Especially because most of the good limit players were gone, and so half the event was limit. And and I, I could tell everyone at the table was intimidated at the limit part, except for like a few people. So I felt like I would I would crash it there. But unfortunately, I took a few bad beats at that point, and I got then I got low again and went out tenth. But uh, the point is that uh, there I was not afraid. There I was just you know I was playing the proper strategy. I said, forget the bubble. I'm not worried about the bubble. It was like a fifteen hundred dollar buy-in. I said, I, I I'm not going to worry about the bubble. Uh, what I'm going to worry about here is what is the proper strategy with king five offsuit with a short stack within the cutoff. Is the the proper strategy to go in? Yes. Okay, I'm going in, and I did. 
And and you know, so what if I happened to run into a, a better hand that was acting after me? And I got lucky and won it. The point was I did the right thing and I wasn't fearing the bubble. But at the same time, if, if I had uh, you know eight three offsuit, I wouldn't have done it. I would have folded. So of course. So you know, I wasn't trying to say, oh, it's the bubble. These people are going to be afraid and, and fold. I, I was like, look, the correct strategy is, is right here. I'm, I'm supposed to go all in with this hand, and I'm not going to be afraid to just because the bubble's coming. So I, I, th- that's the way I feel you should do it. Now, uh, some other things. That's the end of his advice, but. Uh, I also want to say, in general, at the World Series, people bluff a lot less often than they do online. If you're used to playing online tournaments or even small local tournaments, uh, and you start calling down light, you're probably going to get crushed. Now, there are a few people who are very aggressive that you may have to call down light. But for the most part, the people at the World Series are not there to play a few minutes and bust. It's, it's different online where you can have 18 tournaments running and you don't care if you bust in, in the first few hands. Uh, the, the World Series, people come all the way down there, especially amateurs. They come all the way down there. They get excited about it. They don't want to sit down and, and play for 10 minutes and be gone. So for the most part, people really show aggression when they actually have it. Are there times they, they don't have it? Of course. Are, are there times that they go nuts with the draw? Yes. Are there times they overplay top pair? Yes. Uh, but uh, for the most part, people are showing aggression at the World Series when they have it. So I would suggest a lot less of the hero calls, unless it's a player that you seem to notice is uh, betting way too much and probably doesn't have it. But for the most part, the average player you'll run into there, they probably do have it. And if you if uh, and you don't want to call off a ton pre-flop when you're only holding ace-queen. You don't want to call off too many chips with just top pair. At the no limit events, you've got to be careful with things like that. You've got to look at the player and say, "Is this the type of guy who I think probably has it when he's going all in?" Yes. Okay, I'm going to fold. And um, so that that's another thing. Now, here here's some logistical tips also for me. People ask where to stay. That's a common question. Where should I stay for the World Series? And if you ever say stay at the Rio, you have all these people saying, "Oh, the Rio is a shithole. It's awful." You're going to hate it. Big mistake. You should say it's such and such other place. It's so much nicer. I disagree. I don't like crappy hotels. The Rio is definitely not a nice hotel. It's not a luxurious hotel, but it, it's passable. I can stay there and not feel like I, I'm, I'm in a shithole. No, it's fine. Yeah, it's 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 all right. And so so it, it, the convenience you have there is is so big compared to staying anywhere else. Because you don't have to drive there. You don't have to park. Your stuff is in your room if you need to get anything. You can go back to your room during the dinner break. It's a big thing. Uh, you can even run back to your room if the bathroom lines are really long, if you're fast enough. It, there's such an advantage to having the Rio as your home base. And if I can give you another suggestion, ask for the Ipanema Tower. Because that's the closer tower to where the World Series is. Now... Neither tower is really close to the World Series because it's in the convention center, but the Ipanema is the closer of the two towers. So I would suggest the Ipanema Tower. It's also a quieter tower, especially if you sleep during the day, which you may do on the off days in between events. Uh, Your sleep schedule may get all messed up. You may want to take a nap during the day. The Masquerade Tower can be noisy during the day, and also sometimes even in in the evening. 
So I, I would stay in Ipanema Tower for all those reasons. The Masquerade is slightly newer, but believe me, it's, it's not much nicer. They're, they're pretty much equal. Uh, what about food? I would suggest, first of all, staying away from that uh, WSOP Poker Kitchen. The prices are higher than elsewhere in the Rio. The, the food quality, for the most part, isn't very good. In some places, they're really gouging you for like the $6 bottle of Gatorade. Uh, you're just not getting good value at all for your money. Now, yes, it's a little more walking to get further into the Rio to go to the other places. But uh, I, I would avoid the poker kitchen for that reason. Uh, bring a portable cell phone charger if you can, unless you're not going to use your cell phone at all. But if you're going to use your cell phone, and you may say, oh, well, I'm not going to use my cell phone. I'm going to watch every hand as it plays out. Well, you can say that, but you're there for 10 hours of play. And there's all this tanking uh, bet. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? People sit there for three minutes. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like, you're going crazy. You're like, oh, my God. When is this going to end? When is this hand going to end? Like, a, If you have a phone to get on here, you're not going to get much more information watching a hand like that play out. And also, at some point, you get to know your opponents well enough to where you don't have to watch everything they're doing. At the beginning, it's important to watch everybody. But, but you know, after you've been with people for a while, you don't have to watch every move of theirs. But especially in these slow hands... Uh, having a phone, which is allowed, you can use on the internet, you can go on the internet with your phone, it is allowed now at the table. Having your phone, uh, it can be nice, but the battery can burn down very fast, especially as it's trying to get a signal in the Rio. It, it, you really want to take a portable charging device with you. And you can buy them, uh, I think it's a company called New Trent that sells them for a reasonable price and they have a lot of power in them. And, uh, and they're perfect for the World Series because some of these things aren't very small or easy to carry around. But uh, when you're sitting at the table for hours, that's fine. You know, just bring like a little backpack and put it in there during breaks or put, just put it, you know, you can even just leave it next to your chip stack during breaks. The dealer's watching the table so no one's going to steal it. And if they, even if they do, it's worth like 40 bucks. So you're not leaving a really expensive device there. But it, it's nice to have a backup cell phone power. Uh, I, I would suggest bringing that. Another logistical tip going to sound strange in the summer in Vegas. Dress warmly. It can be very cold in the Rio. They over-air condition sometimes. You never know. You should dress in layers because sometimes it will be warm. Sometimes it'll be hot. Sometimes it'll be very cold in the room. It's especially cold at night after a lot of the human bodies disappear because they bust and the room becomes empty, yet the AC is still cranking at the same level it was when there were 3,000 people in the room. And boy, does that make a difference. I've had it when it's just freezing in there, and even with a jacket on, I feel cold. And I feel bad for those who didn't bring a jacket or in its shorts. So bring a jacket down, as strange as that sounds. Wear pants. And um, <laughs> I mean, it sounds weird, but I, it's, I'm telling you, you're going to hate it if you're down there for 10 hours and freezing. So, and, and you know, you can always, if you take a jacket, you take it off. You wear a short sleeve shirt and a jacket, and you can take it off if, it's, if the room is warm. But uh, you're going to be inside way more than you are outside. You may be outside for a few minutes when you go to the bathroom if you choose to use the outside bathrooms. And speaking of the bathrooms, the bathroom line, unless you're female, the bathroom line will be incredibly long on the, those big field no-limit events. I can only imagine what the bathroom line is going to look like during the Colossus event. Oh, God. Yeah, you, you, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're not even going to get there. You're not even going to get there without, you know, 
you're not going to get through the bathroom in those 20 minutes. So what I would suggest is one of a few things. First of all, you can walk back to as if you're walking to the hotel or toward the main cashier. Not the poker cashier, but the main cashier. You know, pretty much leave the convention area. There's a bathroom over there, which you'll see some people walking to who are in the know about this, that has a much lighter crowd. And you can easily walk to that bathroom, do your business, and get back easily in that 20 minutes without even rushing. Even if there's a small line there. You can also go to your room. If it's in the Eponema Tower, you can easily get to your room if you want to do that for the bathroom. Uh, if you don't want to do either of these things, then be ready to pop up and walk briskly or maybe even run to the bathroom when you see the break coming. Uh, this reminds me of... I, I saw... I'm actually going to tell you a, a, a Vancouver area story. Maybe, maybe you can appreciate it. Do tell. Uh, have you ever been to the fireworks at Bouchard Gardens in Victoria? No, I've been to Bouchard Gardens, but not for the fireworks. The fireworks are great. They're the best fireworks I've ever seen. It was on, on Saturday nights they run in the summer. But uh, um, I, I didn't know actually how good they were going to be. But uh, you know, Benjamin likes fireworks. When we were there uh, last time, you know, last year, we uh, we went to Bouchard Gardens and saw the fireworks and. Benjamin's mom was so worried that we were going to get in a horrendous traffic jam on the way out, especially because they had warnings that you can wait an hour and a half or more to get out and that you should know this before you see the fireworks. And she was she was so anti-seeing the fireworks because she was saying, this isn't worth it to me to sit in a traffic jam for an hour and a half or more. And I said, we don't have to. There's a way out of that. We will sit in a place that's accessible to the exit. You know, We're not going to sit all the way down at the bottom. We'll sit near the top. We'll be ready for when the finale is going, and as soon as it stops, we'll pop up and briskly walk out of there. We don't have to run. We'll just pop up and briskly walk out and be ready to do so. And and she didn't believe me. She she thought that this is not going to be enough. She said, oh, a lot of people are going to do that. I go, no, trust me. We don't have to beat everybody. We just have to beat 90% of the people, and we're fine. So we did it. She was very skeptical. We got to the car. We drove right out. We didn't even have a one-minute delay. Why? Because we beat like 95% or more of the people just by being ready to get up and leave and walking briskly out of there without pausing. We didn't run, didn't do anything unreasonable. That's what you need to do with the World Series in the bathroom if you don't want to do the two things I just described. Just be knowledgeable when the break's coming. Be ready to pop up. In fact, if you fold a hand and see the hand's going to take longer than uh, what remains of the time leave immediately and walk briskly to the closest bathroom and you may beat the crowd. Now, the Colossus event that probably still won't work. Another thing you can do is go to the bathrooms outside. There are some bathrooms in the... It's hard to describe where this is, but it's uh, kind of behind the Amazon room outside. You'll see people walking through these, like, double doors. And... Uh, oh, yeah, and that weird little... It, it's not quite an alley, but it's like... Yeah, and it's it's where actually the outside. De- yeah. yeah, it's kind of where the you had to walk through the area where the dealers go on break, and uh, um, but but you walk outside. and It's totally allowed. In fact, they have portable bathrooms there that are for the players. It's also where All American Dave's is based, if you know where that is. And those bathrooms tend to be a lot less busy. The downside is it's outside and you're going to roast out there. But actually, if it's too air conditioned in the Rio, it may feel good to be outside. Sometimes I actually walk outside on purpose in the 109 degree weather just to warm up, believe it or not. 
so that's those bathrooms are less used, especially if you get out there quickly. Uh, let's think what else as far as uh, World Series tips. Oh, parking. If you are not staying at the Rio, uh, you should try first to park in the, the general uh, you know, convention area. That'll be the closest walk to there. Do not valet park because it, it'll be a long time to get your car probably, especially on busy days. Uh, there's also the garage, which is uh, kind of by the Flamingo entrance of the Rio, but there's a parking garage. There's two parking garages. There's one there, and then there's one off of uh, Valley View. If you go down Flamingo to Valley View, which is on the other side of the Strip. And if you, you, know, if you go west from the Strip, you go to Valley View, you turn right, and you'll eventually reach the Rio other parking lot, which has an open lot and a garage. Maybe you can find spots there. Uh, but uh, those are not as good as far as you have a, a big walk to get to the convention area. So I, w- I would try the convention area a lot first, but uh, maybe it'll be full on the, the Day of the Colossus. That'll be really jammed. So uh, I, I... But just remember where you park. Don't lose your car. <laughs> it's, easy, it's easy to do, especially with the stress of the World Series. Just remember where you park. And, um, and and don't panic so much. Cars don't typically get broken into over there. I haven't heard of that really happening. So, like, you wouldn't want to leave an iPad sitting out. But, uh, you know, just don't leave anything in plain sight that someone's going to want to bust the window and steal. But, it, but short of that, people are unlikely to break into your car. Also, don't leave anything in there that can't stand uh, Vegas summer heat. Yeah, yeah. Don't bring anything that can melt there. And it, it, your car will get very hot in the sun. If it sits in the sun, in the outdoor parking areas, in the summer it will get really, really, really hot. So Yeah, people have come back to melted iPhones and stuff. Yeah, in fact, sometimes you'll get into your car just during the day, if it's been sitting there a while. You'll actually get in there and it'll be so hot you can't even touch the steering wheel. <laughs> you'll have to like turn it on and wait for it to cool down a little bit and, and run the AC. Uh, or, or just you know use a cloth or something you're holding to to drive the steering wheel. It can be that hot there. The cars can really bake in there. So uh, that that's my suggestion for parking. And again, don't use the valet. Uh, the, let's think what else here. Someone's asking about the cash games at the Rio. Oh. Good, bad, yes, no. Okay, well, that's interesting. I'm glad that was brought up. The cash games... By the way, I think how bad guy was uh, proud of me for knowing that bull reference, <laughs> the, the cuck holes and the bulls. <laughs> anyway, the cash games uh, the, the you know it's a mixed bag there. There's some people who believe that all cash games during the World Series are great, and it's not, it's not true. It's just not true. Uh, limit holdem I notice is worse because you have too many. Limit Hold'em All-Stars in Vegas that normally are not in Vegas, and, and you just have too many really good players at your table, at least at the middle and higher limits. Um, I, I've heard from other people that play other games, like No Limit in cash, that uh, that sometimes they can be better. You have a lot of just you know, people in town that are trying to run it up and, and play for, you know, get the World Series buy-ins or whatever. There's a lot of mediocre, lousy players, and that, that these are lucrative games. I haven't played those, but but just be aware that while there are some bad players that will be in town for these games and action players, 
there will be a lot of good players who normally are not in town because it's the World Series of Poker. So be aware of that. Uh, the the I, For example, the Bellagio, I will not play Limit Hold'em there during the World Series. It is so much tougher in those games than, than when it's not the World Series. And ask any other Limit Hold'em player that uh, plays there regularly, well, they'll tell you the same thing. Uh, X-Factor is saying in chat, don't smoke pot in the parking lot. That's true. You will get banned. They will actually ban you from the World Series and from the Caesars properties if they catch you. It's not worth it. So uh, just don't do it. It's not It's not worth it unless you don't care if you get banned. You can appeal this, by the way. People have successfully appealed this. If you have been caught smoking pot in the parking lot and you've been banned from Caesars, uh, I, I would contact them and tell them you're sorry. Tell them that you didn't realize the parking lot was against the rules. You know it now. You'll never do it again. Make up some BS that you've stopped smoking marijuana entirely, that you've realized it's wrong. and, and you know, Just convince them that you're never going to do this again and that you've even stopped the marijuana completely. And if they, if they buy your story, then there's a good chance they'll let you play again. But uh, uh, if, if they do 86 you for doing that, don't be an asshole about it and create a stink and cr- cause a scene. you gotta, you got to be polite about it and and uh, try to appeal it, but uh, but don't don't make threats to them or legal threats or uh, or, or shout. And you, you don't want to do anything that makes you unlikable if you're getting 86. If you want to get back in there, but yeah, don't do it. They 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 if they catch you, they really are serious about uh, not letting you come back. Uh, I would suggest bringing. A lot to drink, unless you want to order drinks from the, you know, there there are guys who come around with drinks, but uh, they don't always come. They're sometimes slow. I always just put several waters in a little backpack and and drink them throughout the event. I'll bring little snacks in there too sometimes, like uh, nothing that's going to make too big of a mess, but like uh, crackers or whatever, sometimes candy, just just something in case my, I, I want to fill my stomach with something if I start to feel a little hungry. But it's not bad to have that sort of stuff on you. Uh, definitely don't drink or do drugs the night before the tournament. You don't you don't want to wake up in in bad shape. You, you've got to wake up completely fresh and not hungover in any way. And uh, definitely don't do drugs or drink during the tournament. People actually do that too, but. Uh, Try to just uh, stay away from that stuff while you're playing poker. It's not going to help you. Or even the night before. We even had, remember we had that woman on here who was suing that guy that she had backed? Yep. And, and, and she, one of her complaints was the guy was drinking the night before with his dad playing blackjack. and you know, Not getting to her whole situation again. You, you just don't want to do that. You don't want to drink until 2 a.m. the night before. It just—it's a negative uh, free roll. <laughs> yeah, you, you just—you just don't want to do it. You know, drink the next night after you've busted, and you don't have another event coming up. It's just, it's just not the right time to be drinking. You just—you really—you really don't want to physically handicap yourself. Oh, here's another one. Speaking of physically handicapping yourself, if you feel sick, don't play. Just even if you plan to, just don't play because it's. Uh, uh, I tried that in the past when I had like a bad cold. And not only was it distracting, just being stuffed up all the time, I was actually finding I was making dumb mistakes, and uh, 
I was kind of out of it, and I, I even once had to explain to some online player that had known me from before, and it's like, you know, he's oh, Dandruff, interesting to finally meet you. And then, like, I, I'm just so confused with various hands and not reading the board right, and, and just weird things like that are happening, and I, I just seem like an idiot. And I kept repeating, I'm not usually like this. I've just got, you know, I'm not quite <laughs> myself today. Like, I was embarrassed. But I... Um, in that particular event, and this is this is years ago, but I, I actually chunked off a good start partially because I just wasn't playing well. So I, in later years when I would be sick, I just would not play. And in, most notably, an event I really wanted to play, the 10K limit, I did not play in 2010 because I was sick. And I had been sick for a week, and I still didn't play. I, like, I, I didn't say, oh, it's been a week, it's got to be okay by now. I, I was still bad. And I, I didn't feel anywhere close to 100%, not even close to it. And I said, there's no chance I play this. So, in fact, I had people who bought pieces of me. I just kicked back the money to everybody who, who bought the pieces and said, sorry, I can't play. I'm not in good enough condition. And that if I'm going to miss events this year, aside from making days two or three that conflicts with, with upcoming events, uh, the highest chance that I would miss an event would be because I am sick and don't feel up to playing. Also, if something has happened in your life that is uh, depressing or stressful, you don't want to do it. So if your long-term girlfriend dumps you while you're in Vegas and she you know, calls you up and says, guess what, I decided I'm leaving you. When you come home, I'll be gone. Uh, unless you were happy to hear this or don't really give a crap about her anymore. If, if this is really distressing you, you, you don't want to go play the next day. You're not going to be able to keep your mind on it. Uh, if, if, if a family member is sick or passes away, you don't want to go play the next day. I, I don't mean just a little bit sick, but I mean like you know you, you find out something devastating about a family member you really care about. You, you don't want to go play a tournament the next day. In fact, it's hard to even care enough about the results of the tournament when something really bad is happening that's occupying your mind. Uh, so So make sure you're in the right mental state to play and that what you can focus on is the tournament itself and not anything else that's going on off the felt. If it is, don't bother with the tournament. You're not going to be able to play well enough and it's, it's not worth doing. Uh, do not try to multi-table. <laughs> Some people will do this where they, they really want to play an event and they, but they made a day two of the previous event, so they, they are conflicting. So what they do is they still enter the second event and just kind of hop between tables or, or will play one on the breaks you know, and, and mainly focus on the other one. You're wasting your money. You're blinding off. It's just not worth doing. If, if you've made day two, congratulations, then uh, play day two. And, and if you bust early enough, maybe you can enter late. But regarding entering late, don't enter too late or you're going to be uh, at too much of a disadvantage. They actually let you enter now up to six levels in, which which I think is uh, pretty ridiculous that you can enter six levels in. But you can't. I thought they, I thought they don't allow you to register like multi-table anymore. I hadn't heard that, but maybe you're right. But... Mm. but but definitely don't don't I see people entering six levels in. I mean, they're doing this to make more money. That's why the World Series is allowing it. Uh, yeah. But uh, and the funny thing is, you can actually register now. Some of these events where people drop off super fast, like those thousand dollar buy in events, you can actually enter like after the dinner break, and, and come in with like sixty percent of the field gone. So you can actually beat sixty percent of the field by just not registering until the dinner break, which which sounds great. But you're also now very short stacked. 
Correct. So you, you just don't want to do it. It's 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 foolish to do. And if, if you can't register and play the event or almost the whole event, I'm not saying if uh, you know, let let's say you have something going on and you can't play at 12 and you you, you late register for 1 p.m. Okay, that's not the end of the world. So you missed the first level. Uh, it's not something I'd suggest, but it's not the end of the world. I'm not saying you should not play. But but if you can't come in until level 5, don't do it. Or if you just bust another one, if you just busted an event, unless you played a really short time, don't go play another event that same day. It might be tempting to do, but don't do it. So, like, uh, I've seen people, it's amazing. I see people make a final table, have a disappointing finish at the final table, and then they go register for, for like a $1,500 event that same day. Or, or that's currently going on. In fact, I, I think uh, at the final table of the, uh, the, te- the 5K limit hold'em two years ago, Greg Mueller, who was sitting next to me, I couldn't believe it. He busted seventh and was very disappointed. He just ran really bad and lost almost every hand. And, and then Greg got up frustrated with you know, how it went and, and registered for some $1,500 no-limit event that had been going on for hours. I couldn't believe it. But, uh, you know, that's – I couldn't do it. I, I would – after the final table, I, not only don't I want to play that same day, I kind of don't want to play for a few more days. I, I kind of feel like I've got to take a break. But uh, definitely don't go register the same day. It's just you're not going to play your best game when that happens. So that, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, I think I'm running out of tips. Can you think of anything else? No, and I've only played one event ever, so okay. I, <laughs> I, I usually go down there and play the cash games. But. Okay, I, I can think of one other thing, and that's uh, to talk about the Colossus event specifically. Uh, first of all, here's an important one. For these big field events, especially the Colossus, register the night or two nights before. Do not register that same day. It'll be a freaking disaster. Yes. There, there's some debate whether it's smart to pre-register for these I don't know. I can tell you for some previous from some previous years. I watched the pre-registration line. That is where you've pre-registered and you have to re- have to turn it into a physical ticket to play. I've seen those be up to six hours long. So that's that's brutal. So I, I've been terrified to pre-register since witnessing that. Fortunately, I didn't do it. I just witnessed it. But uh, I've been terrified since then. Uh, but now, if you're a seven star or diamond, you can actually enter the you know the special room to do it, and and the line won't be as long. But I'm not sure if you should pre-register for the Colossus. I can think of the reasons to do it and to not do it, but I'm not going to. But definitely go, like, the night before and go pretty late. I know I'm a little bit contradicting my advice to get a good night of sleep, but this is the exception. You don't, you don't have to do it, like, where you get no sleep. I'm just saying, like, like go at 2.30 in the morning or something. If the event's at noon, you're fine. Right, and that's the other benefit to uh, staying there. Yeah, yeah, but but just pop downstairs. Yeah, but don't show up the day of, and and do it. You'll you'll stand in a, an obscene line, and and don't uh, don't show up at prime hours the day before. Even you'll, you'll probably get a bad line. I'm talking for the massive field events. I think the Colossus is going to have just crazy out of this world lines. So be careful for that. Now, don't worry. Like the smaller events, if you're entering an event that's not likely to have a giant field, then don't worry about it. Then you can register the same day. I uh, got a text message here. Um, uh, should I avoid the, the PH Amos poker? I think it's the famous or the Planet Hollywood poker series and the series of the Golden Nugget. 
I mean, I don't know those very well, so I can't answer that. If, if they're too different from the World Series and, and you think you might have a hard time adjusting back when you play the World Series, yeah, avoid them. If you can if you can play them but realize that you have to play differently at the World Series, then, then go ahead and play. I'm just saying that uh, that's something you should be aware of. There's, there's too many people who, who think that they just have to warm up on these smaller tournaments and then they'll know what to do with the World Series, but it, it can actually harm you. That's, that's just what I'm saying here. You got to, uh, if you can separate them, if you can say, I'm not going to play it this way, but it can be hard to separate. I, I sometimes even have problems with these no-limit events where, where I'm too tempted to play hands like a limit player. And then I have to stop myself and go, whoa, 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 I'm, I'm not supposed to do this. This is, this is a, a limit move I'm about to do with a no-limit game. So even that can be tough if, if you're too used to doing one thing. Uh, and, and of course, always think before you make your moves with anything. Don't don't feel rushed or pressured. Just always think before you act. And I, I've always said with these tournaments that you actually want to play like you're a super user. You you, you almost want to play like like you know. It, it, let's say you could see everyone's cards. You would just dominate. And of course, you really can't. But Sometimes the way your opponents play, especially certain predictable opponents, you can almost see their cards by by the manner in which they play certain hands. So you should always really, really, really try to put them on a hand before making your actions. Almost like, you know, pretend like you could see their cards and say, okay, I can see them, I think they have this, now what do I do either to avoid losing too much to them or or extract the most out of them? And then go from there. Just just always try to put a lot of thought into every hand you play, especially at no limit, where uh, you know each hand can mean so much. But even at limit, they they really start to matter, especially as the tournament wears on and the blinds get bigger. So just just always be aware. Take the time you need to think for every decision. Uh, here's another good tip, just a general tip. Come up with a general strategy of what you're going to do. And then ask yourself, this general strategy I've come up with, how does it differ from the other players in the event? And if the answer is, well, it's pretty similar, then you're going to lose. Barring amazing luck. You you can't play the same way as everyone else, or as most other people. You're you're, you're not going to have the edge. Mm-hmm. I'd say that more applies to the table than the field, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the table. But even beforehand, you can think about it. I, I did this, the, the main event where I was most successful and where I felt I actually played very well was the 2010 main event where I finished 88th. And before that one is probably the one where I put the most thought into how I'm going to play, what my general strategy is going to be, what I'm going to do in various situations, what I'm not going to do, and I, and and I and I talked this out with myself before I even sat down to play, and and, and that ended up being the one I did the best of any main event I've played by by far. So, I think that's something, and I'll admit, last year I I didn't do that as much, and I actually made some mistakes that uh, that I regretted afterwards, and I thought it maybe wouldn't have happened if I had done the same level of prepara- mental preparation for it. So, but go in with with a plan in general. What style you're going to play, what you'll do in certain situations, uh, uh, 
and, and there's a lot of different ways you can play. There's different ways to approach it, all of which can be successful. There can be the conservative style where, you, where you're figuring out the right spots to fold and, and take that style. It could be the, the aggressive style where you're, you're just going to put a lot of pressure on your opponents. And, of course, you're going to need to get lucky when they actually call you, but uh, uh, but uh, put a lot of pressure and, and hope to chip up a lot and, and uh, you know, really put them to tough decisions and, and win chips just through blind aggression or through smart aggression, should I say. Uh, there's the kind of hybrid where you play aggressively sometimes, but also watch out that you don't spew chips. There's the uh, the changing gears where you think your opponent, this only works if you think your opponents are observant enough, but where you're going to play one way for a while and then switch another way so they... Uh, they don't see it coming, and they, uh, they they believe your style of play to be different than it actually is. But you have to decide which one you're going to do. And it's better to think of this beforehand. Of course, you can change on the fly, but it's better to think beforehand of, of what your general approach is going to be. But if, if you're doing what everyone else is doing, uh, you're probably not going to win. You probably don't have much of an edge then if you're doing what most of the other people at the table are likely to do. Now, yeah, as you were saying, when you get to the table, if, if things are different than you expected, then you have to change. So, mm-hmm. so, I mean, that, that's that's for sure. You have to look at the table and adjust to them. And uh, and, and also remember, and this you don't have any control over, but remember the table selection is huge. And since you can't select tables at tournaments, uh, if you end up at a good starting table, good meaning good for you, meaning the, the players either aren't good or you match up well with them, uh, that's a big advantage for you compared to if you get a poor table that's, uh, that, that we're, you're against a lot of good people or a lot of people who are... Uh, give you a hard time or uh, who have position on you and are very aggressive. There's, there's uh, I've had a lot of events where I either feel great about it because I ended up at a, a very easy table, even events where I expect it to be tough. And I've had other ones where I think, you know, this is going to be a, an easy event at the beginning with a lot of fish. And I end up with tons of really good pros. And I'm like, oh, I got, I drew, I got a bad draw on that one. But uh, of course, be aware of who's at your table Watch, watch carefully who they are and uh, try to separate who the pros are from the amateurs. And, and don't don't feel bad to stereotype people. This, 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 you know, this is different than being out on the street and stereotyping someone for the color of their skin or or their age or something and you, or their gender. And you think, oh, I'm being a jerk doing that. At the poker table, it's fine to say, okay, well, this 25-year-old guy with the headphones on who... Uh, has the look and attitude of an internet player, and yeah, I, I bet he's going to be aggressive and, and pretty tough. There's, there's nothing wrong with thinking that. There's nothing wrong with seeing that the, uh, you know, the 50 year old white guy, who, who who looks like someone who's a, uh, who isn't a professional poker player and looks like he's someone who just kind of plays for fun and who's like maybe a, maybe a successful business owner or whatever who can afford to play. There's nothing wrong with thinking, oh, this guy probably isn't very good. I can probably run him over. Now sometimes you'll be wrong. Sometimes the guy you think will be good isn't, and the guy you think. Uh, will be bad is actually good, but, but you know, it's, you're usually right. Usually these, these stereotypes are correct or close to correct. I have found that the typ- typically the easiest opponent at the table will be a middle-aged or older white woman. That's what you really want to see at your table at the World Series. Usually she will be very, very straightforward. She will not be aggressive. 
If she has, she represents a big hand. She has it, and you can fold. Uh, she'll be passive. That that's exactly what you want at the table. And what you don't want to see is a lot of uh, younger guys who tend to tune everything out in head with headphones and um, and have kind of like an arrogant look to them. Th- those are the ones that are probably going to beat you. Those are the the aggressive ones who uh, have probably played a million online tournaments and have been in every possible situation you could think of. So, and they also have no fear. So, uh, there's nothing wrong with with looking at the players, and you, you have to watch them play to see if your assumptions are correct. But there's nothing wrong with initially making assumptions and basing some of your actions upon that. I, I once, uh, at the main event, laid down an overpair on a draw-heavy board against someone based upon those assumptions, and I was right. I, I laid it down against a woman who was uh, who cold-called me before the flop. I had queens. The forward was jack-9-3 with two diamonds. And, and she raised me all in. And I decided that she flopped a set, and I was right. She had threes. And I tossed the queens. Whereas, you know, had one of those Internet kids did it, I would have had to call because that person could easily do it with... Uh, with diamonds or with queen ten, so that's you know, or, or even with a jack. You know, so the problem is, uh, you see, you have to look at who you're playing. You have to look at what they're likely to be doing, and uh, sometimes it is who they are, what they look like, that uh, will make you make these decisions before you see enough of their play to see if you're right about this. Sometimes you just have to take a guess on who they are, and it, it can be unfair. You know, it could be that the the, the older white guy could actually be an excellent player, and you're just stereotyping him as crappy because he looks like he's 60 years old and probably doesn't play a lot of poker. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe he's a really good player. But you you got to go with what the appearances are if you don't have other information to go on. So uh, that's another thing that you should do. And let's see if I, if I can think of anything else. Uh... Don't register too far in advance, because uh, technically they don't have to give you a refund if you decide not to play. They usually do, but they don't have to. And why put yourself through that? So, nothing wrong with registering for the next one just for convenience. So, you know, if I bust and I know I'm playing two days from now, yeah, I'll probably register right then, so I don't have to walk back down to the convention area and register. But I'm I'm not going to register for an event that's Two and a half weeks from now. So who knows in two and a half weeks what's going on in my life? I might be sick. I might you know, there could be so many reasons I wouldn't play. So so don't bother. They they will always give you a refund, by the way, if you can't play because you're in an existing tournament. But uh, it is their discretion. I think maybe you do have. I think they may have changed it where you do have one, you're entitled to one refund, no matter what. I think that might be the rule now, but. Uh, I think you even are entitled to a refund for a no-show, believe it or not. Uh-huh. But still, there's no point to do it. Uh, as far as there's no more food vouchers, you get uh, money put on your total rewards card based upon the buy-in of the event. If it's a 1500 buy-in, I think you're going to get like $3, something crappy like that. Uh, so don't expect to buy much with it. And the worst thing is they don't put it on immediately, according to China Maniac, who said that they wait 48 hours or so to do it which screws the people who 
are not going to be hanging around for a long time after they bust. Like if if you're there for a long time, it doesn't matter that much. Or if you have a ton of RCs already, then it's fine. But it's, it's kind of dirty for someone like you know for someone out of the area like China Maniac that <laughs> they get their credits, but only like two or three days later. And they that's maybe- weird too because if you actually play poker, you know, in like a Caesar's property, it doesn't take that long. Yeah, that's what he said. I see. I never checked on that. I, I only checked that I actually get them eventually, but I never cared if I get them immediately because I have a bunch of those banked, so it doesn't matter to me. But when he mentioned, it, I'm like, oh crap, that would be really lousy. If, if he's insisting that's true, so he just entered the chat. Let's see if he's going to verify that. I'm pretty sure that's uh, what he's going to say. Mm-hmm. So let's see here. I keep thinking I'm done, and then I keep coming up with. Uh, with new pieces of advice. I, I think I've pretty much... Yeah, he said they screwed him two years ago, China Maniac. I mean, it's, it's pretty much it. I've, I've told you most of what I've learned, and uh, um, one other little thing. If they make a mistake that causes you to get to the table late and, and lose chips, I don't mean if they give you a full stack, but I, I had it before where they misdirected me to where to go, and... I was able to successfully argue that the chips that blinded off, they give me back. I had another time that happened and they refused. But I was able to, I think twice, when they misdirected me where to go. Which will happen, by the way. Like, they, the table you sign up for is not being used and then they either don't have a way to tell you where to go or they tell you wrong. But I had that happen before and I, I said, look, I, I ended up wasting 15 minutes on this and I lost... $75 or $100 for the chips here, I want them back. And all but one time they gave them to me. So don't don't be afraid to ask for things like this if it's their fault. Don't just take it from them. And I, I guess that's about it. I think I've I've really... That's a lot. Yeah, I've, I've, you know, this, these are all things that I, I came up with over time playing at the World Series. This has been a long show. I just realized what time it is. Yeah, Todd, for the first time ever, I'm identifying with a <clears throat> skinny Jewish guy living on an island. Ready to wrap this up? <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize. I, really, I just kind of kept going about the World Series, and I go, you know what I noticed? I'm like looking at the time we've been on together on the Skype call, and it's 5 hours 42 minutes. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, well. It's a marathon here, here, Here's Here's, a, here's a applause for <laughs> lasting through this whole thing. And that'll be it. That'll be. I, I, I didn't realize it was this time. I honestly did. I can't. I can't believe I was able to do it without uh, noticing myself. If I take any more shit for co-hosting this show, I swear to God. <laughs> you, you can tell me next time if, I, if it seems to be going too late. And you got to get going. Like, uh, you know, you, you're very good about staying here late, and I, I won't ever hold it against you. If, it gets after midnight or after eleven, and you got to take off. You know, that's because I don't pay you anything. There's no obligation. You can you can you can duck out on me anytime. I always tell that to Brandon too. I said like you don't have to be here a whole show if you just feel like coming on for an hour. You can always do so. I'm usually pretty good. I was just starting to fade here, but no, that's fine. That's fine. I I don't know why tonight I kind of feel energetic with the whole thing, but uh, I was like, wow, almost six hours. I think as you're talking about the series, you're getting a little excited. I, I am looking forward to the series. I, I actually I am. I, I, I am, and I, uh, I, I'm i going to try to prevent some of the pitfall. I wasn't thrilled with how I played a lot of the events last year. Not, not just the main. I just Last year, just 
I didn't have it last year, and I, I've, I've been thinking about what I did wrong last year, and I, I'm going to try to not make those mistakes, and uh, I, I'm kind of coming in with a similar hunger to what I had in 2013. With a, 2013, I said, after bubbling that 5K limit in 2012, I said I, I was so traumatized by that bubbling, which I'm still not, I still didn't regret the way I played, but... I, I said, I'm going to not bubble. I'm going to not just cash this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it really deep. And I did. So th- this year, I'm really going to put a lot of effort into not making some of the mistakes in the play that I, I made last year, both at the main event and, and elsewhere. I just uh, I think back to 14's World Series, I, just, I wasn't happy with myself with it. And that's the worst. So... Sounds like you're ready. It's a new year. Two and a half weeks. I'll beat the World Series. Remember, regular show schedule for the next two weeks. Then in June, we'll have some chains. Check the forum. It lists them on a sticky thread. Thank you, Daredevil, for lasting almost six hours here. Good night. Yeah, and shalom. Shalom.